What would I do without you, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to the Millionth Podcast. My name is James, joined once again by my co-host Henry, special guest Tom. For the Bond series, we are on episode seven today, and we are talking about On Her Majesty's Secret Service. This is, uh, I know for sure, a personal favourite for Henry, uh, as well as myself. Uh, Tom, I'm not too sure about you. It's my but, second favourite. Um, yeah, this yeah, is... Yeah, well, we're all big fans of it. So. Yeah, this is for sure one of the best Bond films of all time, like hands down, I think. And I believe it was the second Bond film I ever watched after Goldfinger. It's the one I have the earliest memory of as well as Goldfinger, this film as well, because of one particular scene I'll talk about when we get there. Oh, yeah, I can imagine. Um, but this is a very, very special film, I think, for so many yeah. reasons. So what's I mean, your relationship with like... it, Henry and Tom? I don't know. I kind of feel like I uh, I kind of, this is like, I really liked this film before it was cool. Like, I don't know, because like, it only seems that this has become like more popular over the last few years or something. Um, or maybe that's just my perception of it. But I mean, it's relatively well known. This film was like pretty like critically hated when it came out really? um, by a lot of people. Yeah. Um, I mean, it certainly didn't. There's a lot of stuff going against it. I mean, well, you've got Honestly, a lot of sure. trivia for us today, which I'm looking forward to hearing. Um, yeah, true. I should add as well, I mean, by the way, sorry, before you go on, this was obviously released in 1969, and it has a new director. Now, I made a mistake with You Only Live Twice. I assumed that it had the same director as the first four films. It didn't. So Terence Young did From Doctor No to Thunderball, uh, and then a chap called um, Lewis uh, Gilbert did You Only Live Twice. Uh, not to be confused with Phil Gilbert, Henry. And um, and then for this film, we have uh, director Peter Hunt. And I know you've got something to tell us about that, Henry, but go on from where you were. Well, Sorry. there's, there's like got a new whole, Bond as well, of course. Yeah, there's a whole saga of, you know, casting the new Bond. Uh, they were originally going to offer the, I think they did actually offer the parts to Timothy Dalton, but he said no that... No way. In 69? Yeah, he said he was, yeah, he was, yeah, he was 22 at the time, and he said he was too young and inexperienced to play the part. <sighs> Imagine uh, like Tim that young Bond man. That would have been amazing. Yeah, exactly. They they offered it to him way back then. That's crazy, man. Yeah, exactly. Well, wow. it was actually it was like him and Pierce Brosnan. They just kept constantly offering it to him. They just kept being like, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. there's this and there's that, you know. And they both eventually played him, obviously. But, Did you, uh, you know the first thing I thought of when you said that with if Timothy Dalton as a young Bond? For some reason, the first thing that came to mind was Robert Pattinson as the Batman. Like a young yeah. Batman, you know, like at the beginning of the journey. For some reason, yeah. that's like what my brain went straight towards in terms. Of, I mean, it wouldn't be like there wouldn't be like a dark noir sort of film, but still, like yeah. To be fair, I wouldn't under, I wouldn't, I can. <laughs> maybe it's because of the actual nature of Dalton's Bond films, but I, I can't imagine him like being in this one. To be honest, because um, so like, how did what? they come to hire Australian model, male model, you know, George Lazenby? Tell us about that, because okay, I'm, well, I'm pretty I mean, there, this is like this could be like a whole episode of itself, but to summarize roughly, basically he had more or less zero acting experience apart from doing a couple of like you know adverts, um, and uh, well, like I said, he was a male model, and he was like he had seen like all of the Bond films previously, and he was a huge fan of it, and he was basically determined to like try and play the part no matter what, um, and. So he went to the same tailor as Sean Connery's. Um, he got the same haircut as him, um, and or at least to the best uh, best of the ability of the barber. 
And he basically went into um he also got like the same Rolex as well. Oh sorry, did I uh, cut off for a second there? And I think he could Don't worry. Well, um yeah, he got the uh yeah, so he got the same watch. He basically tried to literally he, he was literally like, Yeah, Sean Connery's literally me. And um so he met with the uh the producers and um he kind of and also with the director, uh Peter Hunt, who was um he he wanted to go to Switzerland with some of his mates, um, some of his close friends, you could say. And uh, well, he um, because of uh, George Lazenby, he couldn't because they had to cast him and film scenes for him. Apparently, they had filmed. I don't know how true this is, but supposedly they had screen tested like three thousand different people or something like that. And uh, the reason why they chose Lazenby was because of uh, he he had this kind of. Um, he kind of had just the, like the right amount of arrogance to play Bond, um, and he had he managed to blag um, to them that he had done like all these like films, he, like invented like films that didn't exist and so on and so forth, um, and that he had. But the the main way he managed to get uh, get past them like verifying it was, oh well, you know, most of them were like filmed in like East Germany and you know like. Uh, beyond like the Iron Curtain, so it was really hard to actually verify whether or not what he was saying was true. So George uh, Lazenby was just a big like bullshit artist, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, he, <laughs> he, he was very good at Harry it. I mean, yeah, so that's so that's how he got his screen test. And after he actually, well, basically he found out he got the part. He kind of, you know, he, he like spilled the beans to the director, um, and he was like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm a fraud. You know, I didn't actually, I'm not actually an actor, and. Um, Peter Hunt said, like, you know, you just, you just like, you just like fooled two of the most ruthless people in the business, like, and like ever somehow. So I'm pretty sure you are an actor now. Um, and uh, that's, that's how he ends up getting the part. So that's amazing because even though he only did one film, his legacy is just as big as any, really any other Bond actor. I mean, we will rank them, obviously, and, um, you know, rankings in general usually aren't very generous towards George Lazenby because he's only yeah. had one film. But the one film he's been in is one of the best, and he, he gave a great performance. He's He he is, to all intents and purposes, he is Bond, you know, and um, very it's memorable. Active, yeah. yeah, and he's really good. He's got very so many iconic things, and big shoes to fill. This is the first guy who played Bond after Sean Connery. Mm. Who, for getting on, uh, Casino Royale. <laughs> No, yeah. <laughs> no, I am deliberately forgetting. Casino yeah, Royale. David Niven walks. <laughs> I mean, I'm not. It's. I'm not. Uh, I'm not forgetting it. I'm ignoring it, <laughs> refusing to acknowledge. But um, yeah, George needs to be just. Uh, you know, because it's. I, I mean, we'll get into it obviously when we get into the pot. But yeah. like, you know, the, the build up to just revealing his face and his yeah. first line and everything, and what he actually does and accomplish accomplishes in the film is something pretty much no other bond has ever ever done before or since as well some of the actual landmark like at things he does is um really is is just unique to his to his mm. you know to his films his portrayal and it's a shame he never came back and um i, I mean we know i don't know what you wouldn't, I think have, you wouldn't it, have seen i think i think overall for the like the health of the franchise it was probably a good thing he didn't come back so you, you, I mean, it's one of those things, you know, I mean, he's, he's, he left us high and dry, right? So like we have, we only have this one film to judge him by and 
you know, it's sort of like one of those things, like what could have been, and uh, you yeah. know that that does, you know, that does play on your mind. And it's like, maybe, but maybe it is a better thing that he, we didn't get one. I mean, yeah. we'll never know. I mean, That's the thing. He had a I mean, contract also, for five films, so or something like that. So. He had a contract for seven films. Seven films, so like that would have yeah, been really like long. Like a the song. only person, yeah, the only person who ever actually completed their seven film contract was uh, Roger Moore, obviously, but. Um, so did, did has every Bond signed a seven film contract? Every Bond actor, surely not. I don't I think mean, so. Daniel but Craig... I think that was the original intention that each okay. one would do seven. Well, Sean Connery. That's what they offered. Sean Connery. Uh, well, the first three, kind so. of did fulfill it as well. I mean, not officially, but. <laughs> well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we'll get to that one day. Um, one very relationship with day. Uh, Honor Majesty's Secret Service. Um, it was much of a grower on me. So like, like when I was younger, I like really didn't get like a lot of the, um, subtext to it. So like, and I never hated it though. Like I was like, Oh, well, this is interesting. And, um, but like, I just kind of, it was just one of those ones I'd kind of sit through and I was like, Oh yeah. Okay. And one, one, one part of this film I never didn't like though was the Bond girl, um, Diana Rigg. Like, um, I always thought she was like, even as a kid, I thought she was like amazing and like, um, like really cool. And like, that's the one who, uh, the one who, um, who should like, uh, you know, do with Bond what she does end up doing later in the film. But other than that, like it grew on me in so many ways. Like, um, I mean, I feel like this one does development really well, character development in a way that, and we're only appreciating the value of that recently, but uh, we'll get on to uh, why only recently um, that is. But um, yeah, I like this film a lot. It's very 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 excellent top tier for me um i think for me when i say it's like some people like try to censor it out because it's like you know george lazenby's one hit wonder but i fully embrace it on the other hand and um i think yeah if you if you have one film to like only be in then this would be like right up there Mm. i think there's a distinction between the best james bond and my favorite james bond like film And for me, and because there's like higher quality, but things that appeal to me personally, for me, I think this is like in terms of quality, like the best, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll get into this. I think yeah, for me, it's, I mean, it's one of it's one of my fa- it's like a top three of my favorites and a top three of the best ones as well. It just it just hits so many. There are some elements about it which don't age well, um, but. The the things that do age well, I mean the the scenery, like the the sets and everything, is is just stunning visually. Um, and I think the real standout for me, the thing I really noticed in this film, is how good the acting is from every individual, like even the smaller parts and everything. The like the level, the standard of acting in this film is maybe maybe the best of any bond film just it is it's just puts it right up there above every other like in terms of just the like how every, each like from bond to blofeld to like you mentioned Dinah rig um even the smaller uh uh what's her name uh hunt hunt uh Irma Bunt. Yeah. Bunt, yeah she's fantastic i remember as a kid like when she mm. <laughs> i don't know where they found this woman she just she looks exactly what she is i mean it's and i'm not i don't mean that in like a derogative way but 
she, you know, she like as a child is there, and it's like one of those where it's just like scares you, you know, sort of thing. And yeah, um, <laughs> Telly Savalas at the time as well was, you know, just very inspired choice. It's interesting because everyone remembers this film as being like, okay, the the new Bond, a different Bond actor, but we do get a different Blofeld actor as well. Yeah, um, he had big shoes yeah, to fill as well. Like, yeah, 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 definitely, definitely, yeah, yeah, as well. The thing is, is um. I, I haven't sent this to either of you, but there's like kind of I think concept art more or less of uh Tele Savalis with like the actual Blofeld scar. But I assume in the actual novel, like because by this point, um, because this is a very direct adaptation of uh the Only Magic Secret Service mm-hmm. novel, um, him and Bond haven't met. This is their first time yeah. meeting, which is something that confused like everyone and <laughs> yeah, this is like This is meant to take <laughs> yeah, place yeah, before you and live twice in the books. Yeah. Um, yeah, because they, yeah, um, to be honest, when they when it came to making these films, they made them, like, completely out of canonical order. I mean, they didn't even have the rights to make Casino Royale, so, you know, that doesn't help as the first. Um, but still, the last thing I want to just say before we get into this um, actually has something to do with Terry Savalas, because he kind of helped George Lazenby a lot in terms of the, uh, like, helping him like kind of learn to act professionally how to act. um yeah literally how to act um i i say that but the main the this is this is from george lazenby himself the, the first thing and basically the last thing he taught him was um they had a camera in a room and i think a bunch of other people in there as well and he had to place a uh telly like place a coin somewhere um and he told you know george lazenby to walk through the door and point out where the coin is um but the first time he like just looked immediately at everyone around him on the camera and then eventually he got him to just basically focus all his attention exclusively on the coin um and then he said well you know how to act now and that was his last lesson wow that's acting school yeah. that's really interesting but... that's really nice how like <laughs> he went on like an acting crash course man like imagine yeah, that yeah, exactly. this is a bond but... actor we're talking about imagine that today you know yeah but at the same <laughs> at the same happen. time though um for some for some reason or another, I assume maybe because they're filming in Switzerland, I don't know. But most of the crew and uh, cast got all their basically their payments um, in cash, so they all were like carrying these giant like suitcases around. But um, Tezavas also took uh, <laughs> George Lazenby to like a basically a late night poker game, and uh, Lazenby lost basically all of his money. And uh, <laughs> Harry, wow. when, when like when Harry Saltzman heard this, he went to the he went to the location and he actually he joined in the game despite the fact Savas was protesting, and <laughs> um, he won back all of Lazenby's money and then told him told uh, Telly not to uh, victimize him like uh, like he did. Wow! Wow! What a story! That's crazy, man! I just thought There's I mean, so much stuff that happened on the set of this. Yeah, that's that's what I, I can't. I'm I'm I, I know because in anticipation for this whole series, you were talking about you know, you've got a lot of truth on a Manchester Secret Service, um, which I'm really excited to hear, but as well, um, what do you have anything about the director? Because I noticed, uh, what's his name, Peter Hall, he he worked on the previous Bond films as well, but in a different capacity, and then yeah. became director for this. Do, do you have any context for how that happened? Um, not really. I think they just decided to go with him because maybe they weren't too happy with what Lewis Gilbert did in the previous film, or maybe the fact that this, the content of this film was like mm. significantly different to what they did with the Only Live Twice, for example. 
um like you know you had to have a lot more emphasis on you know like the actual relationship and so on and so forth and kind of the nature of the action scenes are also quite different because there's a lot of skiing involved um and i assume i don't know may, maybe uh maybe peter hunt is supposed to be good at you know filming aerial combat you, or something you know like what that. i want to ask you henry actually because i know i believe like correct me if i'm wrong but i think this has pretty much always been your favorite bond film right more or less yeah and do you think it was the and you also love skiing you love the winter and like snow and yeah things. maybe do you think this influenced that or because this is from a very young age and and obviously for, i mean for those who don't know which is everyone um we actually spent a bit of time living in switzerland when we were young for i believe about 18 months so well, when we were young i i, I turned seven in uh, switzerland for example and henry's five years younger than me so um, you could do the maths there. So I don't know if that very early impression in those years maybe influenced that. I don't know what it is. How would you, what, what would you like attribute that to? Do you think the film influenced like from a young age your love for that or the other way around? Or what, what do you think? Maybe it's the film way around. So. Fair enough, fair yeah. enough. Well, um, either way, um, I like this film and I like skiing, so maybe there is a maybe there's a. a it's the first, a and it, you know what I realised in this? It's the first Bond film, um, with 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 the ski chase in it, and mm. that's weird. And and I was thinking about it, is this? Does that mean that Sean Connery is the only Bond that didn't get a ski chase? Because mm. I think every other one did, didn't they? Does Timothy yeah. Dalton? Well, Timothy Dalton kind, kind of. They, he's like, okay, you have to bend the rules a bit, but he, he, does, you know, in the cello. Yeah, he gets something relatively close. <laughs> uh. So obviously, uh, we open up with the gun barrel sequence. Um, it's fair to say. Is it fair to say, by the way, that On Majesty's Secret Service is also a uh, a Christmas film, a Bond Christmas? Definitely, film. definitely, yeah. Definitely <laughs> I mean, okay. it takes place at Christmas. You know, it's got. Like, well, it's got, do you know how Christmas trees are grown in the track? So, you know, got one of the guys gets the, uh, gift classic bangers. Yeah, it's got all Merry Christmas, Christmas 007 is a line. So, yeah, <laughs> I suppose you're right. Um, okay. Well, just good to get that out of the way, early doors. Um, the opening scene, I absolutely love mm. the opening scene of this film. Top it's here. It's one of my favorites. Just not not just of Bond films, but of any film. In, in terms, and it's not like. I mean, I have my favorite ones in terms of like, you know, Roger Moore ones, which are like, you know, like full of action and jokes and stuff, you know. But this is it in terms of like, this is when you say, Tom, the difference between a favorite and a best, this is this mm -hmm. ticks the best. Like, this is objectively like just a beautiful um, opening for a film. But um, just before we do get into that, uh, we do, um, we actually start in London. Uh, yeah, and my six headquarters with shitless of Q, man. He's like, yeah, oh. he's like, for instance, the radioactive lint, and he's just like, uh, what we want is location fixed to 007 and he's like, um, so yeah, and then it yeah, cuts, yeah, it like, cuts he's away. He's unveiling to... the cure to cancer, like splitting the atom there, you know, and Emma's yeah. like, yeah, I don't care, you know, <laughs> move on. One one of the best things about this film is the music, the score. Yeah, you can say and that. you're yeah, thrown straight into that. You just have this like. This really cool like rendition of the James Bond theme. It's like tinny. There's something a little bit different about so, it. So like it's like laid back kind of in it. It's more casual, but it's also like it's like James Bond's on holiday or something. And it's like um, I don't know. That's what always the vibes I got for it. And he's just like out there living the life. Like it's complete contrast from like the two old men in like some office somewhere. And then yeah, he's out in the field just 
chilling basically and then i, I don't uh, know i didn't get that at all for me the music is represents the film a lot because you have um the the bond the traditional bond theme which we've heard in in the first five films and it's very uh in your face right it's very like out there it's like it's loud and we do get a rendition of it later on in this film actually which i completely forgot about um but it's like it's it is bond it's, but it's sean connery's bond it's very like outgoing the, the music is the theme itself but the music in general is like it's explicit it's loud it's there it's in your face this is like feels like, like a lot more subtle like a lot more like sort of espionage spy you know sort of stuff i don't know that like especially when it's like duh, 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 you know the the very specific little there's like a tinny sound i don't have the musical knowledge to actually like describe what that is but i, I love it and mm-hmm. and and as that music is playing you're seeing bond and obviously it's a new bond and you're just getting like his chin his mouth you know the dimple chin that he's got yeah he's yeah. got yeah he's like the cigarette, you know, and yeah. it's like oh it's it's like the anticipation it's it's so cool it's so like it's it's, it's beautiful another anyway another cast funny speed thing cast. Is as well he's in an aston martin oh what car is he in well it's obviously an aston martin isn't it it is i can't i'm trying to remember what model it is i feel he like is, it's advantage he is an a car Maybe. <laughs> i'm gonna look that up while you continue henry yeah i mean the funny thing is as well with this is like that wants to mention is as a kid I actually like George Lazenby's like you know like trying to trying to literally be Sean Connery was kind of so good I actually didn't notice that there was a difference between them uh, yeah. for some reason but yeah I, I was quite little so you know um, me eventually too. I realized yeah. but me me too kind of like in a way like when it was all like his chin and stuff I was like yeah Sean Connery maybe maybe not like, uh, and I'm like yeah kind of and then I well I had this really weird little theory when I was younger like the way I kind of explained the actors changing was like the last mission of the previous actor, let's say you're in the twice with Sean Connery was like somehow so stressful or whatever on, or on them, or whatever it like physically changed their appearance. So they like looked different, <laughs> just metamorphosized into someone well, else. The like, end of this film turned him back into Sean Connery. Yeah. It turns it back, goes into Roger Moore. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, yeah it changes hair color too you know yeah the only um i don't know really but how what was this car uh, again by the way James? it was uh, i can confirm it's an aston martin dbs very yeah, sure very beautiful car but still and it does nice it does feature later on in the film it doesn't get like i mean it does have like a mini car chase now but it doesn't feature that i mean it, it does obviously play actually yeah. quite a crucial part later on but yeah, um, not a, in the traditional uh, yeah. sense not in the sense we've seen again I think it's like, you know, you have the DB5, it's very flashy, it's very like, you know, it represents that Sean Connery era. This this is still an Aston Martin, but it's black, it's sleek, it's it's low-key. That's down, what yeah. George Lazenby's Bond and the music and all these ingredients, it's, it's low-key, it's not extravagant, it's down-to-earth, you know, more. Yeah, there's this, not really many gadgets. Yeah. I mean, which is funny, it's ironic, because the plot is probably the most extravagant, um well maybe actually yeah i think because you get to this later on he's explaining his like plot and it's like yeah i'm gonna wipe out the human species basically you know and it's like so okay that point of view is very but because it's delivered by telly savalas and it's in this film and it's in this context it's believable and i think maybe if he said that in you only live twice that you know that kind of it wouldn't have sounded, you know. It would I have can been imagine. Like, I can ah. imagine Donald Pleasant saying, "And exterminate the entire population of the Earth," you know, something like that. 
something like that yeah but like mm. the way i don't know telly savalas we'll get into him later but he's like yeah 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 I, because first of all um obviously we we don't get a face reveal quite yet of uh mm. of george lazenby so um because a car shoots past him and he goes and like pursues it um but like in golfing i feel almost yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, I know it's I, wonder, I wonder if she drove like a man in the novels <laughs> <laughs> yeah and uh he's got his cigarette like i said henry's and he pulls out a telescope you know um and obviously yeah he's and he's looking out at the beach this is in portugal i believe you said tom right yeah, yeah. if i recall portugal. correctly the first bit is kind of in portugal so um so he's you know he's and he's this this always sort of confused me young when i was younger you know i, I never really understood what was going on here but it it because it's strange you know i mean and what actually transpires is that we're, obviously we're seeing tracy and she's trying to kill herself. She's trying to commit uh, commit suicide by drowning herself. Not, I it don't know, like that, that obvious to me when I was younger. Yeah. It's like, not your traditional. So this is why, like, I you know I don't want to say anything too like you know whatever, but like it's not your traditional sort of attempt like that. So that's what always confused me when I was younger. I'm sort of like, what's going on here? Why? What? And she's like, it's very like shallow water, right? It's not like you know. So, so she's walking well, into. I, I assume it's a walk out sea, but I think maybe what, like in, in the context of this, not only not only is it so you can have this fight, you know, for the film purposes, but maybe for her, it's kind of like in the back of her mind, she wants someone like you know to rely on to save her, but she doesn't her, think yeah. it will actually happen. I assume. The, the it's it's a bit head. of a it's a bit of a strange one, but all the same, it's very beautiful. The cinematography you get here, I mean, it's just this beautiful like beach and the sunset. Anyway, she's like trying to drown herself, and George Lazenby, you know, runs out to go and um, yeah, save I like her. A shot of him, like yeah, that she's running and he's like trying to get like you know, obviously trying to stop her. But yeah, he, she, it's interesting how like he has an instinct to tell like she's like what this deep in water, so that means she's gonna kill herself or whatever. She still has yeah, but no, yeah. One, uh, no one like she's not just going out for like a nice evening swim, you know, or something. Yeah, but like, he goes out swimming fully clothed, you know, like I do want to comment. Since you mentioned the clothes, I mean, I wasn't going to mention it this early, but now the opportunity has already arisen. How beautiful the costume design is in this film! Yeah, yeah. all the clothes, yeah, very good outfits. Uh, all the clothes, like that everyone wears, are just an extra level above. I think of any Bond film. I mean, fashion is very important to James Bond, um, you know, throughout the decades. But I think in this one in particular, George Lazenby, you know, he wears like the tuxedo and everything, like every other Bond does. But he's got that. He's got the shirt, which has like the it's it's it really Those sticks in my mind. I was orange turtleneck. Well, yeah, you've got that, but I was thinking more about when he's wearing the tuxedo. And he's got that that white shirt, which is like the 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 the, the seam at the front is like frilly kind of or something. Frilled, you know, it's yeah. like yeah. flowering out. I don't know how to describe that, but I think I think those might be plaits. I'm not sure. But... It's beautiful, and like I don't know, he's the only bond. I mean, perhaps other bonds wore it, but I always remember him as being. Like the most stylish Bond, the best dressed Bond. I, I don't know about you two, but for me, I, th I just think his his clothing is exquisite. And you've got, oh, and, and it's not limited to him. The dresses Diana Rigg wears are, are beautiful, uh, including this one, and of course. So it's also, almost, yeah. almost like a mermaid, you know, this like. Yeah, it is. Yeah, that's what I was you thinking. Know. Yeah. And she, but she's walking out, like, it's interesting when you think about it, because if you go too far out, obviously the current will just take you and then you won't be able to go back to land. So she's probably like, I don't know walking and then by the time she gets to that point it'll be should have given up she'd have really given up sort of thing 
But um, I think the reason why there's goons who come after Bond later is because they were just watching her anyway. They're meant, they're probably sent to like look over her or something, and then oh like, yeah, yeah, they're like well, probably similar to Domino. They're like guardians basically from yeah. Draco. 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 I, maybe I, I, maybe I it's it's hard to say. You know, when I was watching, I was trying to remember what the guy's name was, and I think I thought it was Draco, but I was like, nah, it doesn't sound right. Yeah, but then you can't, is, yeah. how do you, how do you pronounce Draco? You can't like the way he says it in his Italian accent, Draco. You know, it sounds so like sexy. Whereas you say Draco, Draco. You know, it's like just like yeah. So. A, fun, a fun <laughs> fact: supposedly uh, Draco is he's he's supposedly French, but it's French Corsican, which is pretty close to Italian anyway. So yeah. That's well, why yeah, I mean, he's like Italian Swiss, like he's Swiss effectively, right? I think that is his. Yeah nationality which uh, is like a blend from, of french german right? so like um I know Wiki, so. yeah i know because he asked for like some corsican brandy or something later so like so yeah that's how i made the connection but um he um you know what i reckon just came to me right now like when she's going out to the water like if maybe she knows that like those people are watching her and so she tries to make it look casual so they won't think she's going to kill herself and when she's deep enough, she just like plunges down or whatever, and then Snow can save her or whatever. I'm not sure, but it's why piece together. Maybe, yeah, it, it is interesting. There is a lot to unpack. There's a lot of visual um, storytelling there as well. Obviously, Bond comes to save her, and mm. Diana Rigg. She she's like, I mean, we will rank the Bond girls, of course. I would be surprised if she doesn't end this entire series first. Um, mm. I think she's just for some reason, and you know what's interesting to me? I realised this for the first time because we are watch for the second time in my life. I will remind people that uh, I, you know, I am the host of this show has done a Bond marathon before. I've watched every Bond film consecutively in the space of a week. So, um, so this is the second time I'm watching it. Obviously, a week apart rather than all in the space of a week. But um, Diana Rigg is the first British Bond girl. Right, mm -hmm. and I never really noticed sure. that before th this viewing. I was kind of like, yeah, you know, like I didn't, I didn't realize that before. She, I mean, you do have Sylvia Trench, kind of, if you count that, but she's like side piece, right? Very much side piece. Whereas you know, Diana Creek is the main um, bonger, and you don't get many, you don't get like basically any British bongers actually. Now that I think about it, the reason you, she was, the, you get Vespa Lind, oh, I and I think she was like, I don't think she's English though. I think she, the act the actor is English, I think. No, no, the actress is French. Is she? Well, I don't yeah. know. I have someone she was English, but like um the reason that Diana Rigg was cast, she was like a really big household name there back in the back in the day, apparently. And she along with Telly Savalas, and they were kind yeah, of cast. She was in the uh, she was in the Avengers TV show. Not like the Avengers in Marvel. Yeah, Avengers, <laughs> yeah they, they were. And and she's Dame Judy. Uh, Dame Judy Dench. She's Dame Dinah Rigg as well now, right? She, yeah, she yeah. was like. Yeah, she uh, was in Game of Thrones as well. So. Yeah, that's pretty... yeah, yeah. She's like kind of like a she's massive acting career. And she was like you know like well respected back not like George Lazenby. Her and Telly Savalas yeah, like... were brought in to kind of help George Lazenby a bit and kind of. I don't know, make it easier for him f through their like professionalism and stuff and acting. So um, I think that was a really good choice on their part because it's like the three of them in particular really like work together. And that's what makes this film like really pushes it above. Like, I don't know if you had maybe mm. some other actor or something, actress. You know what I like about George Days of being Diana Rigg in particular, their characters as well. Um, just the fact how 
I think it might be of any film I've ever seen. This is why I mentioned the acting before, the level of acting. It might be the most authentic relationship I've ever seen portrayed in a film. It, I really, their chemistry and like, it, it just feels like really real, like their relationship, even though it moves very quickly in this film, but there's just something about it, like the, the romantic journey they, they, they take. I don't know what it is about. It just feels really like believable. Very well, yeah. Uh, very believable. Well I'd written. Like some later ones, which uh, will eventually get. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. I mean, and and I think ever since then, they've either just not bothered like trying to recreate that because you can't. Yeah, this is the funny thing about yeah. George Lazenby. Even though he's only had one film, he's done things and he's you know accomplished things within that film that you know I think other Bond actors either like respect and you know didn't try and replicate they did their own thing or they were almost like jealous of it and they wanted to like they they didn't get to do those things and i think this film i mean more obviously later on but i think this film on secret service is almost like a template for daniel craig's bond and like the things they wanted to do they you know like they wanted to i think this is this is the film they probably took most inspiration from in terms of just it's kind of how they wanted Bond, but they basically achieved in this film what happens across the entire Daniel Craig. We'll, we'll get yeah, into that. The, the, misery, the misery that is no time to die later. But um, um, yeah. Anyway, so like this, the, obviously, I think the film's success is a test is testified to by how many later films tried to kind of, you know, lean on it, reference it, things like that, and people like. I don't know. It's just silly if people try to kind of censor it out just because it was George Lazenby's. What I don't know. Some people just seem to have like this. I don't know. Deep grudge or something against George Lazenby, and they just maybe because it's not from the British Isles. They they bring up like they bring up like really non-starter points against him that are supposed to like disqualify him, like his so-called wooden acting, which is a complete like joke. Like it's not. It's completely. It's perfectly acted in my opinion. Yeah, it fooled us. So. <laughs> And we'll, I'll explain why later when we get to... Uh, you know what? I don't get that, though. I mean, you're, you're talking about... As, as far as I'm aware, this is, like, a very, like, broadly respected Bond film. Yeah, I but think... only now no, Not really. Only... Not really. Like, I want... I've now, seen, I've now seen what I wonder that... now, I'm connecting the dots, because one thing I've kind of always known about this film is that it's one of Christopher Nolan's favourite... Uh, it is Christopher Nolan's favourite Bond film. And I might yeah, be misquoting, yeah. but I believe... This is in his top ten films of all time, and and this is certainly. I mean, I mean, Chris Nolan over the years has always been rumored to be making a Bond film, and maybe that will still happen, um, which would be very interesting. But uh, yeah, this is fa- you know quite famously his favorite Bond film, and I wonder if that because Chris Nolan is such a, uh, a respected you know director and, and name, and he's a household name, right? I wonder if it's because of that acknowledgement that people gave give this film a bit more respect now. Um, th- but as yeah. far as I'm aware, this has always been like a film that people hold to a very high regard anyway. You well, know? that's the I've thing. It's people... only really been kind of in the last few years that people have, well, I've maybe seen... maybe longer than that, but still, this is like mild when it came out. But I, th- I think I it probably... is interesting what you touched upon there, Tom, if, in the fact that this, and it never really occurred to me in, in like in such explicit but terms, but on MSC Secret Service, like probably had the most influence of any Bond film other than Goldfinger, I would say. Because they are both very early on in the series, and I think Goldfinger's influence, obviously, you can see, you know, like massively influenced the the whole Bond series, and I think this one did. But you get the both sides of the coin because Goldfinger and Nomination Series are completely different films, 
like in yeah. pretty much every respect. And you can see which films and which actors as well, like which Bond's portrayals were influenced by Goldfinger. You can almost split the Bond films down the middle and just go, these are the sort of Goldfinger-esque Bond films and these are on a Do you get what I'm saying? I think close to these two actually were also a little influential was uh, You Only Live Twice because that was the film that was like very grand like uh, scope, like very grand uh, stakes in that and like you do get that like try to get replicated in other films which are like have these really world wide reaching yeah, like some, consequences some to the point I, I, just... I agree with you but I think that was that began with Goldfinger you know like you only have twice is more of a Goldfinger Bond film than a secret service I think you could define pretty much any Bond yeah, film yeah like I that. can see that good or bad but you know you only either twice, way so... it's just because of the tone you know like Goldfinger's high key over the top not over the top but you know it's like it's extravagant you know? and this is the opposite one. this yeah. is like your low key subtle sophisticated but i mean they're both sophisticated but in different ways you know this like film uh i think the thing with goldfinger was is that it was really i don't know like well you only have twice was about starting like world war three and stuff between like russia and america and you don't really get that in another bomb film so much um before well, that, you, you effectively uh, get that in Doctor No, don't you? Not really. Ones. That's that's just him like topping. That's like stuff. interfering with like the American. Yeah, but that's not being portrayed as coming from Russia or anything. You it's mean in the later? Are you saying that, are you saying the plot of Going to Twice doesn't happen later in the Bond series? No, I'm saying it does because yeah, I was going to say like it obviously it. does. Like so many films try to like replicate the whole like. Yeah. Well, we'll I mean, that is literally also the plot of the spot. Yeah, but that's you. Yeah. You're like, I mean, what you're trying to say, Tom, is that like, you only know, twice was like the first one, which is like world domination sort of stakes, right? In a way, I'm pretty sure that happened. World domination, same old dream. Who is it that says that? That's James Bond to Doctor No, but like, there he's you not go. Really, he's not really going for world domination, is it? That's just like a that's a mischaracterization. That's, spe- that's Spectre's Do- end goal. Doctor though, that's that's it. It's, it's introducing Spectre, so I think that was always present. And and what I know what you're saying because you know twice is like a culmination of all those encounters with Spectre. But I'm just talking about generally thematically how Goldfinger was that kind of Bond film, which just like and and yeah, yeah Goldfinger, Goldf- what Goldfinger's trying to achieve is. Very personal and selfish. He doesn't, you know, care about the world stage. He's not. He's apolitical. Um, yeah, even Spectre is, but that's because Goldfinger isn't a member of Spectre. That's why it's different. Mm. But anyway, I think yeah. we're uh, going in circles here. We need yeah, to. Yeah, I think as well. Yeah, yeah. Back to we need to get back because we will rank these at the end. I'm very interested to see which one actually comes out on top. I um, kind of. I, I also want to say this is not when it comes to this scene as well. When George Lazenby kind of his 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 chance to say. My name's Bond, James Bond. I think this is probably the worst of all of them. Like, it's not really? that it's like, I don't think it's like, I wasn't he's like expecting too, that. He's too I love jolly, it. you know, like, he, he's like, yeah, hey, I'll just save you. My name's Bond, James Bond. And it's like, no, I love it. I love it. I've always loved it. It's, it. If for me, it's one of the best ones. I don't know. And also, like, the, the viewing, he's, he's only in a shirt, you know, like, yeah, yeah, I know. But there's something about, like, the enthusiasm he says it with, and the authority he says it with. Is so like this is pretty, well, like that sort of arrogance that you heard. Of. My name is Bond, and it's the first time you hear his voice. It's literally his first line, mm. and it does. I, I really like it. I really like it. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's just me to be fair, but uh, I, I'm surprised you said that. Nah, I, I don't think this is this is like 
complete I don't know, maybe it's it's just completely different to like you know, Sean Connery's one or Roger Moore's, you know, introduction, to be honest. Oh, it's like and maybe it's I don't know how they would really have been able to do it otherwise, like maybe not where he's like, you know, his face is like this close to the camera, you know, or something. Like it's just a strange like point of view, basically. By the way, like just going quickly back to your point about this is being a gender-respected film. I think it's a bit more Marmite than that because I've literally seen people put this film at the last place on their Bond film rankings and they've been like, oh, it's this, it's that, it's boring and long and dull. And it's like, and I'm like, no, it's not. But like, yeah, I think there is a little opposition to it because people aren't willing to acknowledge like George Lazenby and stuff. But well, and one thing, one thing that we get the first of in this scene that is really great throughout the film, I think, which is better than in Sean Connery's era, is the fights, like fist fights and stuff. Like when the goons show up, it's like really like, it's like quick cuts, but done right in a way. Like there's lots of like action and there's like throwing each other in the water and stuff. And then, and like, I don't know, one of them gets smacked with an oar and then thrown in the boat. But like, it's like not, I just compare it to like Sean Connery's fight with like hands or whatever, where it's like really clearly choreographed. And he's like, oh, punch over him. Then he'll flip you into the water. It's like very like one step at a time kind of thing. But this feels like, I don't know, it feels more like, I don't know. Oh, you're act- missing out Red Grant's fight as well, to be fair. Yeah, it's that, really that's... interesting you say that, Tom, because I, I couldn't disagree more. I think really? the, the fight scenes are the worst part of this film. Really? I, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, I think they're terrible. Really. I, I think, think they're pretty good. Really, no, for me, they, 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 they're so bad, they take me out of the film. And I'm not, I mean, I know what you mean about the, you know, um, like the Sean Connery fights, they are like over-choreographed. It's like a judo lesson sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. But, I, you know, that's kind of part of the film. It doesn't really take me out of it. Um, it's like, oh, it's like whatever, you know, it's just part of the 60s vibe, whatever. This, the films, I, I and the quick cuts, they work in other parts of the films to create tension. I think during the fights, I don't, it doesn't work for me. I no, think the I fight think, scenes I think, are actually I think probably the seeing, worst part of this film. They're, they're really bad for me. The only bad fight I think that happens in this film, which I think is the one that you're thinking of, is where he fights the goon in his hotel room from Draco. That's literally it. No, no, there's this one. There's the, the fight in the hotel room. There's also when they're about to go meet uh, Draco, when they have a fight that's just good. outside his office. It just doesn't good, work yeah. for me. The, the actual fist fight's just, just you know, because you get the fair, close-up. The George Lays be right there, and he's like, you know, ah, just don't, I don't they're like really it. They're really action They're much more realistic, in my opinion. Actually, the guy, we'll get into it later, but the guy who played Gunther actually got the um, part because George Lazenby accidentally broke his nose when they were like filming it and like, yeah. I don't know, play, like fighting or whatever. And then George Lazenby was a bit too realistic and broke the guy's nose. I'm, so I'm, I'm not even they, joking. I actually wrote down the most bad fight here. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, I, wanted, thing, I did want to like, like actually point out like how, like I didn't just for me just didn't work. I think, the, I think the only problem you have with some of the, 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 the way they cuss it in the fights is especially in this first one, you sometimes actually lose track of who's George Lazenby. Like when it comes to drowning, I mean, when it comes to him drowning the guy in the water, right? I was like, more so as a kid, I found it easier to tell like Leia, but you still have to pay like, like really close attention to which one's which because they're both wearing similar outfits and it's like blue water, you know? I always think the one who's screaming the most isn't George Lazenby. That's just like my default, basically, because yeah, James Bond can't be caught doing that. Yeah. And anyway, this scene ends with um, you know, one of the one of the great bond lines basically because well, uh, I hated bond lines too. What? Really? Yeah, some people, some people hate, hate this, this, yeah. 
I, I okay. Well, let, let's get to it because obviously the build-up is basically he fights off these two goons. Um, Dinah Rig uh, Tracy, she goes and like yeah. takes his car, drives up, and you think she's stolen his Aston Martin, but she doesn't. She just drives up and gets into her car, drives off, leaves him with the, the her slippers, Pretty and uh, he goes. Though. This never happened to the other fellow. Yeah. yeah. Now, yeah, I we thought we, we all always thought it was a Cinderella reference. Yes. Right, I think there are Cinderella. two main interpretations for this. And correct me if I'm wrong, but there's obviously there's like a Cinderella reference there, and there's a Sean Connery reference there as well. Yeah, so it I'm is. Let you two argue Sean about that, like because I'm pretty indifferent. But... I, I like the line though. I think it's yeah, good. I... It has sort of double meaning. I like it, but I think the line is good as well. But the um, the actual meaning of it is uh, is actually to do with Sean Connery because George Lazenby has experienced filming this. I mean, one of the things is actually this it actually ties into the fights as well because uh, he didn't have a stunt double uh, for most of this. Apart from when he's skiing, it's actually a you know a, a real you know professional skier. Um, I think one of the I think like one of the best in the world or something like that. Um, but he he was like actually there during most of the fights, like um, and you know went yeah like when he broke uh, one of the axes in those. Um, and like for example where he's also fighting them in like that room with like all the bells originally they had uh like i think like fake like plastic ones um so they didn't injure themselves um but then they decided you know actually let's let's put them in a room with actual bells because otherwise it doesn't sound or look right um and every time they ask him to do something ridiculous like while doing while doing it or before or after you always say like you know this never happened to the other fellow so yeah asked him like you know Oh, that's quite, that's line, ironic, yeah. isn't it? Because Sean Connery did go through a lot of like hazardous yeah. situations himself. Yeah, true. But right? uh, not in the same way as George Lazenby um, for some of the things they asked him to do. Um, I think I think it's probably because Sean Connery's like you know near death experiences were down to incompetence rather than this being like you know just yeah this is what intentional. <laughs> yeah, so he would yeah and then the director was like oh yeah say your line you know for this and he was like that's, that's really part. weird for me you know because I it's that revelation that he didn't really have a stunt double because I I would have thought he like because they surely I assume George Lazenby cost a lot less to hire than Sean Connery yeah. um so I'd have thought that they'd have saved some money there and then they got okay well we can you know splash out and like but i guess not i don't know i'm, I'm no, gonna be interested to see mean, what the budget is for like when we do license quiz like uh, the budget I, I have no idea now <laughs> yeah true I, I i was quite surprised when i saw it too myself okay. anyway um we'll get to it yeah so anyway uh tom your thoughts on the line this never happens to the other fellow i'm always i always try to be generous to this so like first i heard was actually from you when we watched this when we were younger and then i was like oh what's that line and you're like yeah it's referring to like cinderella in it and then um yeah. and then i was like yeah okay i accept that and then like and then that's just what i stuck with like i i just take all these like uncharitable like uh into it may, might even be true but like i just feel like it's such an unnecessary um I think it works for the audience, but like long time, long term fans as well, and that makes it a good line in my opinion, because yeah. casual people will think, oh yes, no, right. Long term things fans will think right. um, Sean Connery, so it works both ways. I think. And I, I think it's I think funny it, that yeah. I, I think it is funny that it like breaks the fourth wall and it's like a meta joke as well yeah. as being because I think I think the obvious thing is that it is a and maybe because I was young when I watched it, and, you know, we were watching the Disney cartoons as well, and you think, you know, it's I think that is quite obvious metaphor. Maybe um, it's a joke, joke for the kids and the adults. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one of them, I think. 
the main th- then, the only thing I have a slight gripe with it is I didn't notice this before, but when someone was criticizing it and I they when they pointed it out, I can't unsee it. It's because after he says that he looks directly at the camera and then you know does the thing where he walks into that. And I was just like, Ah, uh, you ruined it for for me now. I never noticed. That. I I've noticed. <laughs> I I remember hearing that, but it hasn't ruined it for me. It's like yeah, go on. Yeah, it hasn't ruined it. It's just I can't unsee it now. Um, oh, but anyway, when it comes to it, because it goes straight into the intro credits. Oh, mate. so good. Amazing. So good. And this The music is like, phenom- it, I love no the lyrics needed, this you know. Maybe my favorite piece of music from the entire Bond franchise. Yeah. I, I, I might put that out. Instrumental, certainly. Instrumental, certainly. Um, vocally, maybe, maybe even, even with, if you're including vocals as well, actually, I think this is, I love this one, but as, oh, as oh, like I mean, a, that's like as a personal favorite. I'm not being objective there; it's not the best, but I do love it. Yeah, so I, I love it's it like, as well. It is, it's a theme song for the film, and at the same time, it's so good it can also be used as an action theme too, like for, whether it be fighting or skiing or you know. It's like so it's so bombastic in a way, but so like I don't know, intense at the same time. Like uh, I I don't know, it's just like com- used to convey like both suspense and action when they're skiing so well and um one thing i love about this one that they didn't even get that right in other later ones where they do try it is where they bring back like the previous five films and you see it going through like this hmm. hourglass time thing yeah like, I, yeah yeah I, I got i'm again. sorry i got i got this like uh, like chills basically when i saw like all these different like memories for the bond character like showing up in it i was like yeah this is this is like almost as if this one really is like the culmination versus and in some many ways it is the culmination in terms of like bond character development you could say and like but it just shows like all his previous experiences like from the other films and it's just amazing you see like dots no you see honey rider like I always felt a bit bad that From Russia with Love only got one of them and the others got like three or something each. And then you see Goldfinger, Largo, like, uh, and then like some randos from like You Only Live Twice. But like, yeah, it's it's really cool. Like a bit of action as well. But yeah, yeah I love if, it. If, if I'd say two things about it, the actual, like when it comes to the music itself, it's really, one of the things I think they do really well is the fact it sounds kind of like, especially at the beginning, it sounds like a, like a clock ticking down almost. Uh, like a countdown to something and like you know a lot of the theme of this is time i think the best visual bit is where it's like you see a silhouette of bond hanging down on a um like a clock which is going around oh yeah 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 this you know it's it's a weird one for me i think the silhouette stuff like the traditional sort of is amazing i love that yeah like yeah and like you say this film is all about time that's like a a big theme of it probably why chris nolan loves it so much yeah um but for me the hourglass thing is weird i think it's good it's a great concept but it just wasn't executed very well I you know the in, only... in particular and you know what i'm gonna fucking talk about yeah, it's now. the, guy the, the japanese guy yeah man that samurai it, it's like freeze the frame on his like face and it's like it it just it, it makes me laugh it just completely takes me out yeah, why could they have blow failed or something it used and yeah because they choose to like and i know why because it's the hourglass but they're like stretching it through and it just looks weird you know i don't yeah, know like imagine, i feel like, like that could have been done a little bit better actually to be fair but, it would have been cool it would have been cool if they had instead of that for you and live twice the thing where blofeld revealed his face 
but then yeah, it's so strange because mind, it's mind you, I, actually now that I think about, it, maybe they deliberately didn't do that yeah, because they're because a different blowfield actor. Yeah, of ours, yeah. But um, I think would, cool it wouldn't part. have. Mm, yeah, actually, maybe that would have. But you know, they just have some weird like frames there, like the car crashing and stuff. It's like okay, I, I can't remember which film that's yeah. from. The that's main fundable. See, the main problem I have with this is just like uh, like uncomfortable to watch since I've noticed. You know, as a kid, I thought it was an hourglass. As now, like you look in, it's like, oh, it's a woman's legs open. How funny is that? Like, it's not a woman's it? legs open. It it's looks an hourglass. like it. Yeah, no, I just ignore that. I like force myself away from that interpretation to try and enjoy it. Because for yeah, me, it's well, such a well, good moment. The problem is, if you for see it again, it's kind of for like... me. It's for me, it's such like a good. It's a good. No, I, I knew. I always had that in the back of my mind, but I just ignore it. Like, because um, for me, it's such like a good moment that like. For me, it's just so good that, like, I don't know, it doesn't, it's a sand timer. That's better. So that's what it is. And, um, yeah. And as for the randos in, like, Year of Twice, like the guy, the samurai sword. Yeah, I, I get it. But I think every everything else was good. Like, Well, yeah, most of it was pretty good. But I think, hmm. I mean, to be, to be honest, this can't ever be bad for me because of the music that it's got. Um like we said earlier, like the choice, the choice of the scenes to show in it are not necessarily the best. But to be fair, they couldn't show Bond himself because obviously it's Sean Connery, yeah. and they couldn't have the epic bit from Yona twice because it was, you know, not the same Blofeld. I mean, that's a shame because then they could have had like you know the the little Nelly scene or something. I've like literally that. got it up on my phone. Yeah, really wrong. It's not women's legs. I don't think it, it. They they it transitions into something a little bit later, but um. That's what no, I mean. it's 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 not. It doesn't explicitly transition from one to the other. It just sort of shows it later it's, on. It's really cool, like the um, you know, the the you know, uh, I don't know what you'd call it, but like it's like all these all this English like symbolism and stuff there. There's like the person holding the uh, trident, yeah, and, yeah, and the shield and like all that. Oh, that's yeah, really yeah. amazing. Really, cool. it's beautiful. Like just and the music. This just gives me goosebumps every time I'm like. I'm so here for the journey, man. And it's one of those that I go back and listen to, like, and, and watch. It's just so good. I think this is, I mean, we're, we're not ranking the credit scenes because we have so many other things to rank. But I think if we did, this would be, like, top three. Mm. Along with yeah. Casino Royale for me. I, I, yeah, I love true. the Casino Royale one. But, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, don't anyways. forget Never Say Never Again. Which doesn't have one, but anyway. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know the um, the intro to that. Casino Royale. I think probably the uh, my um like the ones that stick with me as well is probably like the Pierce Brosnan ones are pretty good because they try and like theme each of them. But anyway, we'll get to them eventually. Yeah, eventually. Um. So anyway, now we open. Uh, we go to a casino. Um. Obviously. Which is, which is actually in the novel Casino Royale. Um. Because yeah, because he's also. You know, he's also playing Baccarat and also he, yeah, in, at that, least yeah. in the novel, he's meant to be, um, he's, he's gone back there. So, you know, he also visits uh, Vesper's grave, but obviously they didn't have the rights to make Casino Royale. So, you know, so as, uh, as the, right the more, the more, the more <laughs> yeah. we ignore that character as well, we can the better, in my opinion. <laughs> all right, then. Oh, that's a bit harsh, but okay. Um, all right. So then we have, um, yeah, so he's playing cards there. Like you said, Henry, um, Tracy pops up. This is a long game. What I like it, what I love about this film is how um, expertly it just shows the passing of time because this scene takes a few minutes, but then there's like just a great, and this is something they struggled with in previous films and, and just in filmmaking in general, it's quite hard to show the passing of time. A lot of films struggle with that, I believe. 
Um, this film, it's perfect. The, the past, the, the way they show passing the time is so good. You know exactly yeah. how long, how much time has passed without it being obvious. You know, just the like, best. and you know, he's sat at this table for a few hours. You know, it's like it's a long game. And I just wanted to, uh, you know, shout that out the directing. I don't yeah, know. As well, as well, I think another massive credit to this film is it's two hours twenty, and it feels like it's over ninety minutes. You know, stuff happens like. You know, there's no, there's no like dead space in the middle of it. Yeah, you're right. The the pacing in this film is is fantastic. This is like a Bond film. Like I I genuinely go back. I have no problem rewatching this. Like it, it's just it's such an easy watch for me. It's so enjoyable. It's it's just because how many it's, it's so beautiful. It's done to such a high standard. Everything about it. And also um, this casino, I have to say, like I love like the purple walls and everything. Everything here just looks oh, like the, pure the casino is beautiful. And again, the costumes, you know, you have like George Lazenby in his, uh, you know, his, his beautiful um, tuxedo. We've got Dinah Rigg. She's wearing like a very beautiful white dress as well. Um, and and even like the, right, like the old lady that's there, she's wearing some like, you know, just everything is so beautiful. It's, it's so 60s and, and obviously entering the 70s as well. And um, I, I think it just really can't. It's so, anyway, so, so um, Tracy pops up. And, and she's, uh, she's trying to get wiped out unlike sylvia trench in the first film so yeah, yeah she, she's playing this game for the first time apparently man she just like <laughs> plays without any money loses straight away it's just, i don't have um, any money you know it's just like yeah. 20 grand well, that the, the slight the slight um irritation to me is like you hear her like oh i don't and you can tell what it's about even without hearing her. And then, uh, but there's like this really obvious old guy. Like, leaning, her, man, uh, no, the guy just leaning over to Bond. He's like, oh, too rich for my part. And he's like, oh, she can't play up. Her. And he's like, piss off. It's like, I, I wonder if that's once again up. actually a little poke at Americans, like how obvious they are now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah, maybe. But, yeah, but it's, we, the we, funny we, thing we, to me is like, she's obviously like embarrassed because she's like done this without any money. And then like she whispers it to this guy and he's like, Oh, but madam, da, da, da. he's like really What's loud, you know, and then, yes. <laughs> Obviously, luckily for her, 007 bails her out. He's there and he's like, oh, forgive me. My, my thoughts were elsewhere. But uh, I mean, the, you know what I love about the George Lazenby's Bond as well? He's so um, eloquent Classic. for an Aussie as well, which is quite yeah. surprising. But he yeah, like, the, his vocabulary, the way he expresses it, I, I think the writing, like the lines he's given is just really, really good. Like he's very rich in like the actual words he says, hmm. well, unlike me. But, um, you know, he he's like, <laughs> I'm going to lose myself now. <laughs> I've said that. But um, but yeah, anyway, he does bail her out. Um, was it 20,000 20, francs? 20,000 francs, yeah. Okay. Um, and then, you know, she sort of, she, she, she's hard to get, you know. She goes over and she's like, what that? but that is something I really like about a character. And obviously it's a contrast to what we've seen. What, what is the stereotype bongo in yeah. terms of like that? They just fall from instantly. It's actually, it's... You know, you can, con sorry, before you go, you can actually directly, there's, I, I'm thinking of so many parallels between this and the very first time we meet um, Sean Connery as doc, uh, as uh, James Bond and Dr. No. When you get him, he picks up Sylvia Trench, there's the back and forth and he picks her, gets a number straight away, whatever, he gives her his number and he's like walking off. It's very like suave. And, and, it's interesting to see the evolution of that. And, and this isn't um, George Elizabeth's first scene, it's his second scene, but still I think it's just interesting to see the the the, the changes there already yeah. while everything's the same, but also different, you know, the dynamics. Yes. And I think that's largely down to Tracy's character. Like just, just there's, it's three dimensional rather than what is mostly one dimensional Bond girls mm. before and since, unfortunately. Yeah. And she kind of, a lot of this is actually basically directly flipped because 
even even in a in a meta way, she is the you know uh, you know experienced actress, whereas George Lazenby is the one who has like basically no like acting experience, which most of the Bond girls previously, like you know, from Tatiana from From Russia with Love, was just chosen because she was you know the winner of uh, Miss Miss Italy for the year, um, and I think I don't know, Honey Ryan I think had some acting experience, but anyway, and also yeah. she later on like uh, well you know when they go to bed she leaves him, uh, like you know Sean Connery would always just leave the women behind you know, um, and uh, also like you know like she doesn't just immediately you know like basically fold like uh first time like he saves her or something yeah she's not like you know blown away by him she's not like you know shaking at the knees straight away there's no like there's no like, there's no, like yeah. worship kind of that happens in this yeah and, and I, I appreciate that about her um this is what this is what again one of those things that just sets her out she's i mean you know as well as obviously being very attractive and a skilled actress she's just probably the best written bond girl as well just because like mm. she she's just three-dimensional she has like an, an intriguing story she's like a developed character that you know they don't you know and she's like missing for a huge chunk of the film as well later on but you know every time you see her on screen she like demands your attention and she's like very interesting you want to learn more about her she's got a history she's got a future you know she's like very complex character which is which is great and obviously what intrigues bond as well and you um can- you can imagine he orders uh, uh, obviously his favorite champagne, Dom Perignon, and they go and uh, you know she's like, all right, like you know, meet me at my room, whatever. Um, hope it'll be worth it. She, you know, you insist on saving me, Mister Bond, and he's like, oh, you know, stay alive at least for tonight. Blah blah. blah. They have some back and forth, which is like, which is cool. Um, yeah. Oh, your hands on. What were you gonna say? I reckon like she's really believable as well because she's like the daughter of a crime boss basically, and. You can. It's not hard to imagine that. That's probably what you they would be like in that scenario. So like, I think she. Yeah, it's almost it like really the opposite well. of like the you know Vicar's daughter syndrome. You know. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Makes it really interesting to watch and um, a really great like addition to the film. Yeah, I agree. That just adds like this whole extra layer onto her character, which is so fascinating. Um, but yeah. Uh, so anyway, Bond goes up to her room, obviously with uh, high expectations. Instead, he's uh, met with, um, you know, one of uh, Draco's, like, henchmen. Um, they have this mm. fight. Yeah, this grunting henchman, just strange. Yeah, yeah it's like he's just, he came out of the uh, odd job training camp as well, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, this fight is what it is, man. I think it's okay, actually. This, this is probably the better of the fights in this film for me. I, I think it's okay. Um, I think it's really good once again. Yeah. yeah. Is he yet... Uh, yeah, I just realized there are quite a few like Bond henchmen who like just have like a speech impediment or something. Yeah, like, yeah, and of course, never of course. speaks. Like if they can't have a physical like, like you know, phys- something wrong with them physically. It's going to be uh, vocally, isn't it? But yeah, uh, yeah. You, I mean, there's so many. Yeah, you're, you're right. Now I'm just beginning to think about yeah, Whisper crazy, as well, my guy. Whisper, yeah, yeah, yeah. Poor guy, Jules. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no one listens to him, you know. Yeah. But uh, anyway, he, he and and obviously the scene is quite funny because it ends, you know, and, and this is George Lazenby's basically. For, George Lazenby is amazing at one-liners, man. For like, uh, yeah, like another, his one-liners are, are fantastic. <laughs> he doesn't never feels like stiff or awkward in any of them. They never seem out of place as well. Obviously, they're well written, but like, you know, he he uh, he goes in, and even when he doesn't say something, when he like beats up this guy. Go, you know, gets a bit of caviar. Off, you know. Like nothing happened, you know. Yeah, yeah. He gets he, he helps himself to a bit of caviar first, and then like you know, he's on his way. Goes back <laughs> to his room, and uh, yeah, well, he, he, I also like they had to 
adds in like just just the very brief bit of yeah bond just knows all this stuff he's like oh it's boiled beluga north of the caspian you know like knows exactly like probably like of course which like i don't he know he probably like, knows he probably knows like the individual like creature it came from yeah yeah he knows like the, the geo coordinate location of this fish you know that was <laughs> sorry beluga well anyway so he goes back to his room and um, Tracy's there waiting for him, not wearing very much, but she does have, uh, well, Bond, like, you know, gets, you know, gets, uh, like, not undressed, but, you know, takes off his, uh, some of his clothes and, um, you know, Jack. she comes out behind, she pulls, she gets the gun and she's, like, pointing at him and, you know, you're full of surprises, contestants, like, so you, Mr. Bond, you know, it's like, da, 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 da. I, I think they, I, I don't know, that I, I want to quote half of this film, I'm going to try not to, because otherwise this episode will be an hour longer than it probably already will be um but yeah just this back and forth as well you have her like and this is really good she says something so unexpected she's you know she goes what if i you know she, he's you're very sure of yourself what if i just to kill bro. you now for the thrill of it and you're like whoa you know like yeah well yeah i mean I, she's just handles it and you really believe well, her i believed yeah. her i'm like every time i'm like oh she she would do that you know like i don't believe that she wouldn't yeah yeah and only, only someone is like uh socially basically smooth as James Bond could uh, get off that without um and no being showing anxiety or anything and he's just like I think of something more sociable to do and then just grabs his gun. Um and he, you know, and he does unfortunately we get this like early Bond trope of like he, he slaps her about a little yeah, bit. Yeah it's like it's like yeah the ADR you know like terrible like sound effect. But so like, so that that's always uncomfortable unless you're someone that subscribes to the theory of you know like um someone points a gun at you, you yeah know. yeah yeah right it's like but, kind of little bit it's more justified put it this way than like sean connery or whatever yeah, yeah, right. like, hits Tatiana, yeah. Like, no yeah that's yeah this this in, is like okay maybe but, I, saw it, you know, I, I often saw it from his perspective like yeah this goon has just tried to kill him in his room like right she's right, like, right, she's right. like she knows i don't where, know what you're room talking he's about in. yeah but yeah whatever i may be i'm not a liar although is she lying though because you know she is there at the end of the day and she tells him to come to his room and he doesn't i mean he does and she's not there and then she's waiting for him i, I that that's always didn't quite add up for me i, I don't think, know what i think her fair, dad for her she um she kind of like from her perspective as well like this guy like she doesn't know and as, as the daughter of a mafia boss as well you probably like you know be very careful when it comes to like strange men who just turn up and she found out this guy's also got a gun just lying around casually so it's like i don't know if i can trust this guy you know like so when it, it adds a lot more context to scene especially when you realize you know there are two sides to this as well which uh, is more that can be said for a lot of yeah that's that's fair anyway time. eventually they, they after they've had their sort of like conversation bond you know sort of Again, this is like very against the grain of what we've seen so far from Bond. He tells her, you know, get dressed. Literally says that to her, you know, and like, you know, she's like, wow, you know, like that's not not what Sean Connery would do. Um, and yeah, they uh, they do end up, you know, they go on the balcony again in this like beautiful hotel. Um, there's a shot earlier as well where it's like he's looking at yeah, the just as well, which reminds you of Goldfinger, and then it like the water and it's like casino written on it. It's yeah, yeah. So that's stunning. that's another thing. The passing of time, just immediately, just that shot yeah, goes yeah. to my casino. That's all you need to know. Exactly. Um, they, so anyway, they're, they're sat on his uh, balcony, and there he's talking to her, you know. And I don't want to quote, but it's just a, again, it's such a well-written, like interesting conversation. Mm. Um, and he, it's funny because he tries to make the move. And then he, she like, you know, shies away from it. And then 
eventually the conversation ends with with her making the move to him actually pulling him in you know and but but it's the one of the only times you ever see it in films where she the the female in the situation is the one in sort of like controlling the she's like doing it when she's ready you know she's like she's not being pushed about or anything she's like in control of the situation which is strange to see in any film let alone a bond film you know so i think that's quite refreshing and again just makes her like a standout bond girl Mm. yeah and also she uh uh, does the uh, does the equivalent of um, well she dashes as well like um, afterwards which is the uh, if, unless you have a, a particular phrase to uh, describe it James. <laughs> not, you got not any I'll leave it to stay. I'm going to leave the crass crude like stuff for uh, other yeah. episodes. This one, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I respect on Mercy series those too yeah. much. Yeah, she's like you know I pay my debts. He like, opens the thing. He's like got twenty thousand francs. Don't know how, but still. If she like you know had like a late night casino game with someone just destroyed them after yeah long. she won all her money back I don't know I think, I think that maybe... is cool and obviously because he puts the gun there makes a point of it and then you see she takes the gun and leaves the money and then obviously that ties into later because he goes downstairs he, he finds out that she's checked out so he goes down and then it's like oh Mr Bond you've uh, lost something and it's like oh have I and it's like yeah and he looks oh, over his shoulder and there's the guy like lowering the newspaper he's got his gun there I don't know what it is just. Oh, this film is so that good. So tense, the music and everything. It's like, it's so good, man. I, lo- I love this film. I love this film. <laughs> it's so good. Um, so you have this moment here where like Bond's being escorted and suddenly it's just like the shift, obviously. Um, you have an appointment now. Oh, mystery tour. You know, they're in the car and everything. The music. Oh, it's so good, man. Everything. The costume. I yeah, I don't know. Yeah, like, he's just, he's cool as a cucumber as well. So it's just like, you know, he's just chilling there. He's like, oh, yeah, I think we'd be a little more like, you know, relaxed. You know, could have a lot more. And he's like, oh, mystery tool, knife, you know, but... surprise tool, whatever, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. He's just like, yeah, pulls the knife out of his, like, yeah, oh, we'd be better off without this, you know, whatever. Um, yeah. Now, uh, he's escorted from the hotel to an undisclosed location. Um, yeah, yeah. There's a thing with this. This is super confusing all the time. They, they always had that random, like, really short cleaner. Yeah, um, I've all. I'm so glad we get to finally talk about this. What is that guy doing there? That no, this is the thing. I think I don't know why he he. I don't know why they chose someone who's a vertically challenged guy who's who's cleaning. You know, uh, I'm not entirely sure why they you know cast him for this. I mean, they're always confused. But he's whistling the Goldfinger theme, um, which, well, I don't know. That that finally explains because they they when it came to. I mean, later on, they, they show George Lazenby, like, reminiscing with, like, previous, like, uh, adventures, you know. But they missed out golfing. I was like, why is that? But then again, it's like, you know, he's not going to, like, pull out the car in his office, you know, and be like, oh, yeah, I remember driving that, you know. Yeah, he whips out the Nazi gold or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's just like, oh, yeah, I never returned this to Q, did I? You know. Um, but still, you had that. I think that was maybe making up for the fact they didn't reference it later with a gadget, so... Yeah, you know what? It's funny you say that because I, I, it just takes me out of it every time. Just why is this midget like randomly there? And then I'm, I'm not even joking. I think literally the when I watched it this week, it's the first time I noticed that it, he was whistling the Goldfinger thing. I don't know why it took me so, but it was, I was like, oh yeah, okay, now I, I recognize that. Yeah, now. Oh, you realize actually before I said it even. All right. Yeah, but only the other day, so that's quite interesting. Um, okay, so anyway, so he has a, a bit of a scrap with these guys. Um, goes through the door, and then and then all and, of a sudden, and he's gone from this like really like like boring looking room, you know, yeah. like filing cabinets and stuff. 
We can keep the mystery for a second, but because he's going right through. But I think this is an appropriate time for uh, you to pay attention, 007, because I have some questions for you and Tom. I want to play a game. The current scores are what? 4-1 in Tom's favour? Yeah, 4-1. Yeah, 4-2 if you count Casino Royale, which we don't, but still. Too bad. Anyway. (laughs) So the first question... Uh, the first two, always the same, but still. How uh, how large do you think the budget was for this film? Um, I don't know, man. 15 million, I'm going to go with. I'll say maybe uh, 5 million, because I think cause, uh, The End of Twice was really... feels like that was way more expensive like for the sets and everything than this film. I know they actually did build like a pits glory replica when they had to blow it up and stuff but like um i don't think that really i don't think that catches up maybe i'll, I'll put a bit higher maybe eight eight million i'll say both your final answers yeah well tom you are correct you're actually only a million off um yeah seven million um they probably saved quite a bit of money what? by not, no, not bringing back sean connery um even with some of the expenses they had to do with Pitt's Glory, which I'll tell you about later. But still, what do you think the box office for this was? Um, um, I'm going to go with... Uh, you think... Earn If Twice was $120 million, wasn't it? It was, uh, yeah, it was substantially more. It was... Uh, um, wait, wait, wait. We haven't, gi- we haven't given our... our it's $116 million for You Earn If Twice. Oh, I thought you were just going to blow out on the rest. Um, no. This wasn't... Ah, I don't think this was did as well. Um, no, the reviews couldn't have like helped, but well, I'll say maybe 85 million. Yeah. I'm torn between 80 and 90, so I'll put 85 million. I'll go with 90 then. But Tom, again, you got a very <sighs> yeah. close. It's 82 million. So, oh, really? <laughs> yeah, that's uh, about... To be fair, that's six hundred and sixty million today. So that's like it was pretty successful for back then. Still, it's just it wasn't more than the previous one, which you know, it's like like the Marvel mindset now. But anyway, the the uh, the following question. So, how old was Tracy when her mother died? Oh, twelve. You're right again, Tom. James, there. Yes. Giving being fucking destroyed, man. Shit. This is this is actually a pre. This this might surprise you actually if 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 you don't guess the answer because I'll have to tell you. What is the age difference between Diana Rigg and Gabrielle Fazzetti, who plays Draco? Um, in real life, not in the film. <laughs> this is a random question. Uh, it's because it's quite surprising. Um, gonna say I don't know twenty years. I'm gonna I say can't... ten. Okay. James, you're close. It's only 13 years difference between them. Really? At the time of filming, that's... yeah. I was like, yeah. Wow. That That's weird. Or whatever, okay. All right. At, least, at least it's not fucking obvious like in um, Batman vs Superman, whatever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 13 right. years, man. You yeah, look, only 13 years. Be, I'd sooner say he's 30 years older than 13. Yeah, well, you know, it's full of surprises. So, which room was Bond in at Pitt's Gloria? Alpine Suite. Oh, four. There you are, James. That's correct. Yeah. It's now f- three, two. Uh, come on, uh, come on, lads. Tom, Tom to James. So, how many angels of death were there? Ten. Ten. You I'm need, really uh, sure it was. It was. It was definitely ten. 
But we said it at the same time, so I think you need to like. No, I said it. It wasn't ten. You both have to guess something else. Is it nine? Eleven. James, you're closer. It was actually twelve. Oh, no. Ah, oh, oh, you yeah. know what? I always, I always assumed it was twelve. But I was actually, I, th- I thought you were gonna ask a question. I was actually trying to count. And I'm, I was sure there was 10, and Tom said the same. So I was like, okay, we, I, I, that confirmed James it. Wiki, man. But it was 12. Huh. It was 12. Right, that doesn't seem right. But, okay, cool, let's move on. So, yeah, okay, so it's 3-3 three, three now. So, okay, we've got the, the winner here now. I've, I've mounted a comeback, lads. Come on. All right, this is more than, this is more than, you would, than you'd think as well. Anyway, how many henchmen skied after Bond in total? In, in total? Um... I think. Do we count blow? We can't count Blofeld. Blofeld isn't a henchman, so. So. No, you don't count them. Just guys in orange jackets, you know. I but think... how do you know? Like. Uh... I counted. That's how I know. I th- reckon. But let me ask you. Sorry, Henry. But let, let me ask you. Did you count from like one frame of them all together in one shot, or well, like? Uh, I counted every single one, including people who died, who he killed. Well, and also the guy who fell into the uh, mixer, basically. Yeah, but how do you I know, think... like, how do you know some of them, like, they're coming out of the, like, the basement or whatever, right? And then, so, like, how do you know, did you count them as well, or did you just, no, like... I count, I keep track of which ones are there and which ones are Oh, there. this is really hard, man. I'm going to go with, um... I'm going to say nine. I'm going to say... Because there's the four with Blofeld, and then there's some others. I but, think it's like... going to be more. I think 15. Uh... Final answers? Uh, I'm, oh, I'm really not sure. Well. Shit. I'm going to go... say uh, nine. I'm going to stick with nine. I feel like uh, I'm it's more than though. nine. But to cover 12, I'm going to say 14. So I get closer to 12. Yeah, James, 14. You were, James, it, that was, it was one It was one off, but you were the closest. It was 13. So. Fucking come on, lads. Come on. So that's 4-2 uh, so far. for oh. uh, Overall. <laughs> oh, come on. It was 13 yes. of them because... For so far as I can remember, when I counted, um, and I made I made sure I went back over this, so I am certain. James Bond, uh, he killed two of them in the first ski chase, and Blofeld had four others with him that ski passed. Right, while he's like you know making sure that this guy shuts up with the skis. Um, one of them dies by getting you know. Wait, mixed. what did you say? Oh yeah, that. Yeah. yeah, one of them dies when he gets mixed in the. Uh, oh, snow I bet flat. you're counting the ones that were with Bunt as well. No, 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 those guys weren't skiing. Oh, oh yeah, okay. Yeah, so I, c- I covered my bases there as well. Okay, for, fair enough, man. Wow, and okay, so I've gone from like 4-0 to 4-2 and 4-3 if you're counting uh, casino. Yeah, if you're going to... Come on, all right, we're back. <laughs> we're back, gentlemen. That was that was a pretty good comeback, though, from 3-0. Yeah, that was like when we did... What was the first quiz we ever did? The Joker one, right? I did the same thing, basically. Although I was playing yeah, against myself, but still. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. Uh, good. Um, so, uh, back to it then. Okay, so yeah, this this cliffhanger you left us on, Henry. Bond goes to go, uh, got Bond meets Draco now. Mm. So, uh, in dramatic fashion, he's got like Such the... Such a good introduction. Yeah, it's brilliant. Like he's got the, the, the knife. frame zooms in on him, like he's just going to chuck this knife yeah, in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, don't kill me, Mr. Bond, you know. And the like, accent, his voice is like, oh, it's so good, man. Um... And then, yeah, he throws the knife and it's like February, it lands on February 14th rather than 13th. September 14th. Uh, I don't know where I got February from. <laughs> it is February now. Yeah. Why 14th? Man, Valentine's Day on my mind. Fuck. Yeah, um, 
but yeah, uh, yeah. So it lands on September fourteenth, thirteenth. Yeah, superstitious. Fourteenth. Yeah, because he's like, but today's the thirteenth. You know, I'm superstitious. Mm, interesting. And do you know what I like here? And I know it's been done in other films, but you know, just I don't know why this is my favorite. Yeah, you, when like, you point to this out, I couldn't unsee it. The glasses. The way the lens changes when he puts his glasses on and then off. I love that. Yeah, it's because like his blood. You know, he's yeah. He, he like he does a double take. He's like. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, it's brilliant, Mr. Mr. Bond, you know. <laughs> but yeah, that was cool. Um, anyway, so yeah, we we basically get to meet Draco. We get his, uh, we get his. He's just explained to Bond. He's doing a lot of exposition here, basically. But it That's doesn't feel boring or forced. It's like it's really interesting. It's like you're hearing like someone's actual story. I'm really in the film. There's like I don't know why. It's just, and you've got the music going. And even though actually when you take a step away, it's like, whoa, this is just like so much exposition. Just like but it's the music as well. Like, the like, yeah. And it's, it's just, and, and he's acting the way he's conveying. It's like, he is talking about his own daughter. You know, you, mm. re- I really believe it. Like, yeah. You're even, right. And this, they're not even in the same room, but you can see this, like through the acting, the chemistry that he, you know, when they are together as father and daughter later in the film, it's like it's so genuine, so believable. And that happens before they're even on screen together, which is amazing. Yeah, and also it's like you have like it, that's also his accent as well. Like he it just like oh, you know, yeah, so yeah, good. Like and um, he's just so, like, yeah, they have a lot of good lines in this as well. It's just a great conversation. He's like, I've been you know, yeah, my man been keeping an eye on you. You know, we know everything you've done for my daughter. And he's like, everything. He's like, yeah, don't worry, mate. You know. Yeah, it's it's true. I, I mean, can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. So he's like, he's going on there, and he's like, I'm like, as much as I would love to quote the entire film, and especially this. We're not going to because basically it boils down to uh, basically uh, Draco is like decided that Bond is like the man to sort out his daughter to marry her, and he offers and he goes so far. Bond initially like sort of turned it down. Ivan um, uh, <laughs> just taste for freedom. He's like a sigma male, you know. Yeah. Um, and then he goes and then Draco even goes on to offer him a million pounds, and you're like, what? In gold bullion as well. You're like, poor, you know, like and and Bond goes. I don't yeah. need a million pounds, you know. It's 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 ah, uh, this like yeah, he's, no, conversation that, that, that is amazing. Quote, just, I don't need that money. I'm like, yeah, sure you don't, mate. Like, brokey bond man. <laughs> like like twenty grand per complete. Yeah, after Goldfinger showed him up, you know, check out that short on our channel if you haven't already, yeah. by the way. Pretty but good. um, but yeah, you know, uh, I just think this this conversation without spending too much time on it is just like one of the many high points and we're going to obviously rank the uh the bond ally as well which draco effectively is and you know what i find really interesting here is how the dynamic goes from like oh i don't want a million quid but you do have information about blofeld and the specter and then the music changes with it as well and it's like and then it goes into this whole like ah well i wouldn't tell uh her majesty's government but i might tell my future son-in-law oh it's so good it's but i would tell my uh, future son-in-law yeah I love it. I love it. I love it. It's so good, man. Um, and anyway, so they basically arranged to go and meet up at his birthday, which is in a couple of weeks, conveniently. Um, week. But yeah. Uh, so anyway, so then Bond goes back to work. Um, we, he sees Money Penny. They have a little. The, even this scene is amazing. It's the first time. Like, so M goes like, "Oh yeah, you're off. You're off this case with Blofeld. Like, you're not on this case anymore. Like, piss off, you know." Um, <laughs> Yeah, he's so rude to him, man. It's like the rudest yeah. ever. George is fuming, man. He doesn't even look up to him, you know. He just yeah. doesn't acknowledge his existence. Disrespect, man. 
Yeah, it's just like, yeah, yeah, you're, yeah, I'm relieving you. Your license kills useless. You're fucking useless, Bond. Like, you know, go away. And it's just like, yeah, he proper dresses him down, man. But like in such a savage way, like I say, it doesn't even look up at him. And it's funny because this is the first time, you know, George Days B's with this new end, but it feels so seamless. It feels there's no, there's no, um, like crossover or anything like that. It just, he just goes straight in. It feels so natural. You don't even realize this is the first time they've met you know, on yeah. screen together, but it's like, you know, it's so, uh, so smooth. And, um, and, but, you know, Bond, he gets mad, you know, he goes like, goes into the next room, quits on the spot, basically tells <laughs> money penny to like, take down the memo. I'm resigning. Oh, from, yeah. from what James, you know, from a Majesty secret service. And then like, you know, goes yeah, to yeah, his yeah. office. I like, I like money penny as well in this because mm, like, money penny has a lot to do in this film as well. It's really good. Yeah. Cause like he, he says like, yeah, like what would I ever do without you? Like, you know, um, but then I, I love this bit because they also had to affirm that this is still the same James Bond despite a different actor. Like he goes into his, his I assume his room, which is like next door or something. He's just like, mm-hmm. yeah, I we love, see Bond's I office love, first. Yeah, we, we all love looking back at his memoirs. You know, I don't know how he got the knife from Honey Rider, but you know, maybe he had some negotiations or something. He's got a picture of the Queen on it, so he's got yeah, a picture yeah, of the Queen. Yeah, yeah, literally. The best, the, the thing that I love the most is when he pulls out like the garrote watch, like. Like, it's just nice and like, it's like cool to think that, you know, he kept this as a trophy from like that, you know, that brutal fight with the Red Grant. Um, shame they don't have something from Goldfinger, but as we said, like, was he going to pull out that homing device that was like crinkled into like sort of a, you know, like um, like when it was crushed. Uh, he just pulls out like He could have got something like, like Goldfinger's pistol, for example, or something, you know? Yeah, but that got sucked out of the plane, remember? Mm, okay true. yeah maybe there's death grip on it maybe still anyway um yeah, yeah this that, is a nice scene and what was cool is not only does he pull out the props but you've got the music like a theme for each of them as well which i don't know i think it's good for it works for dr no but then you've got like the thunderball one or from russia with love it just it's too much i don't know maybe no i think the from russia with love, i think the thunderball one was a bit too much but still because like it's and a really... anyway, it culminates with him getting his flask of uh, whiskey, presumably, and he's like, "Sorry, ma'am, great line." And he's like, "So many." Good it's, lines. it's shot in the reflection of the Queen's picture. There, it's so good, man. It's so this film is so good. Like the little moments like that, just fantastic. Mm. Um. Anyway, so then uh, Bond uh, Money Penny calls him back in, and he goes, "Okay, like." Um, yeah, he goes you know, back into M. 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 Without looking, goes, you know, request. Uh, Granted. Permission granted. Request granted. Doesn't even look up at him again, and like Bond's like shocked. He's like, "What? Well, he's just gonna let me quit like that? No, like, thank you, whatever." Yeah, again, it's, it's, so, like, it's so it's good because he well goes back. Yeah, he it's goes back. So it's like mad. He's like, "Oh, he, he, oh yeah." Earlier, he says as well, "Great line." Presented it's that monument in there, you know. <laughs> and, yeah. Exactly. Um, he <laughs> knows by this so... point that M can hear him, like regardless in, in a money. A monument, off. like imagine, like oh, you know, like and that's such a fun. Like he's a statue, man, which effectively isn't it? Yeah, and then he, he goes at all. You know? Yeah, and then he goes, you know, and then he comes back, and it's like, oh, you know, just uh, just accept it, just like that, you know. It's like he he's unemployed as far as he's but concerned. Did you read it, you know? Yeah, and then she goes, well, what did you expect? A knighthood, which is quite funny. And then uh, and then he goes, yeah, and then did you read it? He reads it, and it's like two weeks leave. And she goes, you didn't yeah, really want it. And again, it's just holiday. like with this really brilliant writing and acting, it's just it just gives them so much depth. And it's like, even though again, this is the first time you're seeing Bond with Money Penny, uh, George Lazenby with Money Penny, it feels like they've been like you know, they've just picked up where they left off with Sean Connery, and he's 
she's she just understands him so well and she and he goes you know what would i do without you and then mm. he he exits and then m <laughs> m yeah. goes, he goes what would i do without you money panic thank you you know it's like yeah I and love, he says it I in such an animated thing. way as well you never hear m with that sort of tonality which yeah yeah it's so Cause, good because he can hear everything in her office basically um and the fact that she basically no, she knows what's going on between them, and she just diffuses the situation. That's like in that, like she's doing more than her above her pay grade, you know. But like she, you know, she makes like you know Bond happy and also M happy, and then like their kind of beef is like diffused more or less. And, and um, I think in that so scene, grateful. she does, and she does more just with that moment. It's the first time she actually kind of does something. She takes some agency, you know. In previous films, she's just there to have a bit of banter with, just to have like, oh, let's let's have this joke out here, whatever, a bit of humour, a bit of like light relief, whatever. I don't know. Like with Q, like with them a lot of the time. But Moneypenny, even less, because she never really serves the plot at all. In this film, she does very crucially, which I think is interesting. Um, I'm sure she has something to do, which don't think really any other Moneypenny ever does until like Skyfall. <laughs> yeah, basically. Even then, she uh, you know just shoots Bond. It's just like whoops. Yeah. Uh, Tommy, still with us, or are you off? No, I'm still here. I think okay. it's a good money penny scene, maybe the best. Yeah, I liked. Uh, I liked as well. Like, I I'm, I don't know if this is me misremembering some trivia, but I'm pretty sure that that him throwing the hat on there, he got it first time. Um, George Lazenby. So it was oh, like, right. kind of, <laughs> like it was almost destined to be kind of thing, but. Nice. So, um, so, okay, so now Bond has a couple of weeks off. So, um, he goes... He goes uh, yeah, he goes to um, Draco's birthday, which is a bullfight. And, um, yeah, he's there and he goes, you know, meets... He's there. I mean, long story short, he meets up with Tracy as well. She figures out... Again, you know, Again, it's great, like, character development where Tracy's, like, you know, she realizes something's up and she's, like, you know, and, and you get George Lazenby's, like, he's charming as Bond. He's, like, oh, you know, but each time there's a renewed pleasure, he just bats off every... She throws... She hurls something at him and he just bats it off so, like, casually, you know. It's, like, oh, you know, we've already met. Oh, but each time there's such a renewed pleasure. Oh, she always makes one feel so welcome. Well, I don't know. He speaks in such a an eloquent fashion. And and she... I don't know, just their, their like, chemistry and Draco's there as well. And you have this, like, triangle-like relationship. It's so good, man. Yeah, because she's, like, um, she's, I think she's like kind of afraid to trust anyone, like, to oh, that right. degree. Understandably, she, when you hear her backstory a little bit from Draco as yeah, well, you know. Which is why, yeah, she always, like, pushes him away. But then I think I think by the end of the scene, a penny drops to her that, you know, maybe she can trust him, you know. Which is, like, really nice, because she... Th there's actually, you know, steps to how this relationship comes to be, unlike, you know, later ones. And yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um... And yeah, it's just, and she doesn't make it easy at all. Um, but not, and, and the funny it's thing is, like it's not in a way that feels yeah. forced either, you know, because obviously no one, especially nowadays, no one wants to have like the feeling that just falls straight away at the, the hero's feet, you know, just like straight away falls for him. No one wants that. So they try and throw in a little bit of like, but it's always very lazy. I, I don't know if just like, I think it is a case that women are generally not very well written characters there there and like the focus or uh, the attention is usually on a male character just because i mean that's, that's man's world and all that unfortunately you know the way it is and with with the event of feminism and everything i mean i'm getting a bit political here so like forgive me but like you know it's political to talk about women well you know like 
female characters are now, you know, it's like, well, not now, but like, you, you, there's two ends of the spectrum. You've got like, okay, like the old school, like where they just fall for the hero straight away. Or you get ones that like put up a little bit of a fight, a bit of a resistance at the beginning, but then eventually fall. This feels earned. And this is down to the writing. This is down to Diana Riggs' um, ability as an actress as well. And the chemistry with George Azenby. Yeah, it feels and she like a really, real relationship. Kind she, of. Yeah, exactly. It feels authentic. She, it feels earned. Like everything they go through. So like all that stuff said before is just to like praise this film basically. And like how, and this is again why she stands out, why this film stands out because the yeah, relationship. for Sarah too. Yeah, she's not just there for like shits and goes, oh, we need a female character. Let's just throw one in here that he meets along the way at Station X or whatever, you know. Um, she's actually crucial to the plot. She she makes a difference. And and she's just as important as Bond, you know, effectively. Um, which is great, you know, and she's like her own character. She's got her own strength here and she's like really worth, you know, because I was thinking earlier when we were do, we've done previous episodes, we we skipped over the female characters a lot and I was kind of thinking, oh, shouldn't, I was almost, I, I had a moment, I was like, should we talk about them more? Like, have we done them like a disservice or anything? But I don't really think we have because there's not really much to say about them. They're mostly one-dimensional characters, at best two-dimensional. Mm. And now I'm realizing now, I'm talking so much about Tracy's character because there is a lot to talk about. She's like a, a deep, well-written character, which is, like I said, not just great to see in films, but just like surprising for a Bond film, mm. especially. Yeah, I mean... I mean, this this scene also plays out like a bit of back and forth as well. The fact that she lets on that she knows, you know, that, you know, uh, Draco is kind of like, this is, this is more of an exchange rather than, uh, but that's the only reason why she's present and so on. And then basically... That's right. And, and you know, there's a moment where she says, you know, tell tell him what he wants to hear or you'll never see me again. Yeah, the music just stops. And again, yeah, jazz music stops. Yeah. Um, but like, when she says the these things, she said that and she said earlier to Bond... What if I was to you for the thrill that, you know, you haven't spent much time with this character, but you really believe what she says. You can see she's not, like, in a good place, you know, and she's, like, she's prepared to cut these people off or just to do these dramatic things. You don't disbelieve, you don't doubt her for a second. And, yeah. and that's not just, I mean, that's also, but their responses to her as well just, like, illustrate, like, they just, you know, reinforce that as well. Like, the strength of her character where she, she says something, you're like, okay, you're like, shit, you know. Then Draco, the, like, basically the equivalent to Blofeld backs down straight away. He's like, he he's not risking it, you know, which is like, mm. yeah. And this is what leads Bond onto the next part. It says like A to B, you know, it's, it, yeah, it serves it's the plot. Like... It serves the relationship as well. Cause she goes, okay, now, now he needs no interest in me. Storms off. He goes after her, you know, and she's like looking away. She's like crying, you know, and turns around and he says like very romantic thing. And, and then it kicks off the music, like, I mean, yeah, and he got this like yeah. Louis Armstrong song. We have all the yeah, time. It's the last in the world. one he wrote before he died as well. So wow, and he didn't write it. He just performed it. Well, yeah, it's uh, the last one he did before he died. I mean, but yeah, it's again. This is just one of the beautiful songs. You know, Louis Armstrong as well as um, a beautiful world. You've got this one. This is like you know those two great songs of his. Um, it's so romantic, and you just have this montage of Bond and uh, and Tracy, and they're like you know they're in these like romantic settings and locations and and you just see the time passing and it's like this organic relationship and it, it is a little bit like cringe and cliche because you a little bit because you know they're on the horses it's all like beautiful and stuff but then again that is like the honeymoon period of a love story right it is like all nice and stuff yeah. so you know. but it feels like a lot of time passes as well during that like oh yeah despite Definitely. the fact it's like kind of a short montage like mm. you can kind of fill the gaps in your head as well 
Yeah. Like, and it make this is what makes it kind of like this is why it's more believable later on because they've solidified the fact that they actually like each other. And it's not just like, yeah, this happened like once, like in one scene, you know, they just like switch, goes like a, a switch, you know. Yeah, yeah, it feels earned. Um, and it's it's not like, you know, if this was made today, you'd have some kind of love scene, like, you know, a sex scene or something. There'd be something a bit more, you, you know, and they yeah. it'd just be a bit guys, too. They like each other, you know, like. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like... This is, they just fall into each other's arms at this stage. You know, it's just like. You know, it feels earned, and it's like I, I don't know. It's just yeah. it's, it's so well done. It's they also have like perfect. they also have like the brief like you know the the flash of the wedding ring they're looking at. It's like oh yeah yeah. I yeah. think that, that's where it gets a little bit on the nose, but it does tie yeah. tie in a little bit later, so that's okay. But I think again that does help show the passing of time, um, and obviously just this beautiful music as well in the background, which uh, you know di- literally directly influences a uh, later film, like to the point where it's in it. Um, yeah. Henry's favorite, yeah, uh, and yeah. Anyway, yeah. Um, and and as well, like you've got them in the taxi as well later on with Draco in the middle, and then Bond and Tracy to each other's sides, looking like each other. You know, and it's like it's cute. You know, and he's in the middle and he's like clocking it, whatever. I don't know. And it's it's just it's so, it's so beautifully done. I don't. I just I don't know about YouTube, but for me, it's just like I've, I mean, I've seen a lot of films. I've seen hundreds of films, and every film, pretty much, pretty much every film ever made, like the vast majority have some kind of love story happening in it, some romance story, some like, and for me, this is one of the best and one of the most authentic, mind you, that's partially because of my, like, I don't gravitate towards romantic dramas to be fair, yeah, true. <laughs> but, um, but still from the films I've seen, I think this is just one of my favorite, just relationships that just happen. I don't know about you two, but for me, it's just, just really, I probably really- have to agree. But again, also I don't really watch a lot of romantic dramas. Just, just not like that. What I like about this is that um, basically um, um, people, I've heard people roast this like romantic development because they're like, oh, all it takes is a montage and then they want to marry each other. And it's like, that's right. completely yeah, missing. That's, that's completely missing the point because, uh, by the way, before when they're having a little lunch scene on his birthday, I find it funny and it's a little recurring thing how like, the goons are just there with Draco, just witnessing his family drama go down, and like all the time. And it's yeah, it's like I, this I guy do, like beat me up earlier. I do find that funny, and then they're just when you see the camera pan out when she storms off, they're just sat there just chilling, and it's like, okay, it's probably part. Of, I wonder what their contracts were like. Um, but um, yeah, go back going back to this romantic thing. Like I think it, the thing that people I am missing, I think, is that if you're gonna convey something in great detail then that comes at the expense of time Mm. covered in the relationship so like if you're seeing them oh they're they're doing this together like oh they're doing this thing oh they're they're sitting in a shower with their clothes yeah yeah what are they gonna do like yeah bake a cake together that's gonna you know that's gonna add on to the runtime can't avoid that so you're gonna that's gonna come at the expense of the time covered in their relationship right so in this the way it's done here is like just a few like i think really tasteful moments where they're like you know having like genuinely good times together and stuff and like it conveys time passing and stuff and um and it and the film can't be like months or years long can it so like this is like it's unrealistic to portray in a great yeah. like level of detail i think 
And I so I think this does it like as best as it can. Yeah. I think most of those criticisms though, where it's like, oh, it just happens in this montage. It, they just weren't paying attention to the previous part of this film, where it's not like that. That's maybe they expect. Maybe they don't really catch on things that are not that are less obvious, like. Because if it doesn't, if I don't see it literally being played out on screen, it doesn't happen. It's like, you know, like all of like the more subtle parts between him and, you know, Tracy that have already happened since the begin literal beginning of this film, you know, like, you know, what, what can you say? Like, if you don't pay attention, as, as, as a vid and later says, saving someone's life connects you to them forever. So uh, maybe it was meant to be ever since he picked her up in the uh, in the sea. So, uh, oh, yeah. Also, uh, for the uh, uh, audio listeners, you know, James is literally, you know, George Lane's me lighting the cigarette right now. But anyway, it's a uh, long episode, man. I, I can't I, I can't sit through this without like, I have to have a fan quickly. Yeah, what um, that kills you? We do, yeah, we do, yeah, unfortunately it's not uh, from Yono Twice, a cigarette, mm. but... Um, yeah, just shoot the camera. Now, what what, what is amazing is uh, this, we got, and again, the pacing, you know, because at this point, this is just when the film slowed down a bit, and but, but not too much, because then you just get thrown into like, okay, this is still a Bond film. Now we're going to go to like... Gumball safe. One of my favourite scenes from like any Bond film, I think. Um, mm. Yeah, him like cracking gumball safe, like a, a superior safe cracking scene to the one previous. Like they built, they learned, they learned from that, and they built on top of it um, from you know twice, obviously. Like I, I, th- I, th- I think that you can't really. It's not fair to compare them because yeah, he's, he's cracking a safe in both of them, but like in in you know, so it's not like the focus of the scene. It's just like oh, just quickly, you know. Whereas uh, here, it's like it's a whole. Yeah, it's pre-planned. Yeah. And what, again, what I love about this scene is like, there's so much, I think you just, you know, with Bond films, they're always like a reflection of their times, right? And you get to see like, and for me, this particular scene, because he walks into this um, hotel and you just, you just like part of that, you just feel like you're in the 60s. It's like, it's just, you're straight in there. You see like people on their day-to-day life. He's going in the lift. It's like an old school wooden, the wooden furnishings of this beautiful hotel. And he goes up and he's this old school lift. You have to close the doors and everything. Um, Gombold's there. And and like, <clears throat> yeah, uh, Bond goes in. He, what I love about this as well is you get, um, because earlier when he meets Draco, he has the conversation about his legitimate businesses, which include construction. And mm-hmm. then here we get Campbell, who's like one of the real unsung heroes of the Bond franchise, man. This like, the, you know, the blonde guy, basically. I don't know if his name ever gets he's not. He's to. not really a hero in my... Like, he's, yeah, he's really? Right. I love Campbell, man. I've always loved he's, him. Yeah, he, you like him, but it's what does he really do? Like, he supplies, like, he supplies, like, this yellow cement dump thing or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. That's cool. That's good. Like some construction thing to throw as the briefcase in but like or it's the briefcase is in sorry but um and it's really cool actually he's just cool he's like sigma male you know he's just there and then, he's and like, then later he's, he, like he's, he's a silent as well he's later, one of those, he like that's always baits a villain out like he no he baits out like james bond to blow fun i reckon so like yeah he's like yeah He's there, but he's like he's only for intensive. We, we don't know that really... for sure. We don't yeah. know that for well, sure. Well, I think James James Bond's. We'll get into it later. But James Bond's. James Bond cover... baits himself out. That's the problem. James Bond doesn't. Mm, he he slips up on one fact, which isn't even his fault, by the way. We'll get onto later. But um... oh, well, I know something as well in this. But anyway, we'll get. All right. 
and but I do like I do like a little detail in this where like if just for the universe of this film, I guess, like when the thing is in the suitcase, the the crane or whatever that gives it to him has a Draco corporate thing on the side. It's like it took yeah. me so many years to notice that, but I love that little touch there. Mm. It's just so the good. effort. Although do you know what I do you know what I've just realized as we're speaking? For the first for some reason I always assumed Campbell was an MI6 agent, like one of Bond's colleagues, but he's not. He's one of um, Draco's. But you never see him as part of that crew from, like, yeah. you know, the, the henchmen, so... Yeah, because MI6 doesn't even know any of this is going on. This is his holiday, yeah. you know. Exactly. Yeah, like, that's right. You can't get away anyway, it's workaholic, you know. So Bond's in this... Uh, so, yeah, so basically Bond goes in there, and uh, by the way, this whole scene is what it is because of the music. Mm. You know, the, 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 it just makes and also everything... And the passage here. of time that it, it tracks, too. Yeah, because uh, you hear Gumball as he's exiting. And just what I love is, like, Bond and Gumball, they pass each other in, in the corridor. And Gumball says, okay, I'll be back in an hour. And this is taking place in Germany or Switzerland, I Switzerland. believe. In Bern. Right. So you know these guys are going to be punctual, you know? Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, the thing, that, the thing that, like, makes you kind of, like, shit yourself is, like, he's, like, starting the safe cracking, you know, he's got all his gear set up. And then... Like Gumball, he's gone out. He's gone out of the building, and he like thinks he's like forgotten. Checks something. his pockets. Oh, you have he's going to go back in. He's so like, good. oh no, it's fine, you know. And, like he just keeps going, you know. To be honest, I never really felt the scene as much as like you two seem to have. But I think it's. I think the music's. I can't hear you, by the way. Um, the uh, the music's like good. F- the music is really what propels it, but. Um, I think it's, I don't know. It's I definitely think... the music because for me, this is um, this is the scene that really stayed with me from my childhood. This is why I remember it like Goldfinger. For Goldfinger, the scene I remember watching it for the first time when I was seven years old was the at the very end. You know, when he defuses the bomb. Um, for me, this is the scene that stayed with me, and it had me like again physically sweating. The tension was like crazy, and um. I loved it. It's and it's it's like and that's mainly because of the music and obviously the cuts to Gumball and as he's walking along, you know, as he comes back, you see his shadow across the thing and he's walking along and it's just and there's nothing flashy here. There's even though I mean Bond has a photocopier as well, which is like probably like way ahead of its time back yeah. then, you know. Um, but it's you know like a a, a mobile photocopier. Um, but I, again, he's I, like cracking the safe. He gets these documents, and it's like this this tension. I, the, I love it. This is I like one of my the, favorite scenes for sure. I like the thing that takes the most time as well. It's not him cracking the safe. It's he has to photocopy everything one by one. You know, he's just like yeah. like Gumball's like opening the door. He's like yeah, one minute mate, just uh getting this last location like uh thing done here. But you know, Are you say and uh, as he's passing the time, he opens up a Playboy as well. So yeah, exactly. just to remind you, he is Bond at the end of the day. <laughs> He's one of us. <laughs> yeah, speak, speaking of which, actually, just a quick thing, uh, trivia about George Lazenby. Another thing they were doing um, when they were, I don't think this was a thing they screen tested all the actors for. I think they just had to make sure something with him. They, for some, one one time randomly, he, he went to his hotel room. And there was just, you know, like, there was just some lady he'd never met before, just like, you know, chilling, wearing all, like, almost nothing on, on like the bed. And then, you know, you know, they they went at it. And then like, he found out it's just they, they wanted to make sure because like they were like yeah you're a male model right you know you've just got to make sure if you're going to play Bond that you're straight and he was just like alright then like, <laughs> no way you're joking yeah, that, that's from that's according to Sean uh, Sean Lazenby George Lazenby himself so wow that's interesting 
And yeah, maybe that is a little nod to the fact I never saw that the Playboy thing, but maybe that's a nod to the fact that he's like a, a model as well. Maybe, maybe there's a little. Do you think? Maybe I don't never know. But, I don't know. But anyway, what I like is as well. Obviously, he gets all the stuff and like he leaves the room just as uh, they walk past each other again. Mm. And I don't know. There's just it's the tension is so. But George Lazenby, he's just he's so casual. He know he's you know you know you don't see him sweating or panicking. He just knows that he's he's just got to do the job. He does it efficiently, smoothly, but and and that almost makes you more anxious as well because he's like you know any minute this guy could come back in and spot him and then like the yeah. cat's out the bag. But think, and, and the sorry, I think as well there's an unmentioned gadget during this because I, I remember this from like ages ago. I'm uh, like reading this in some sort of like Bond book or something. The reason why he's able to get into Gumbold's like room is because he has a skeleton key. I think. Which is supposed to open that ninety percent of the world mm. locks or something. Um, either that, or they somehow like lifted it from his pocket um, at some point when he went past him and then put it back on him when he was going back. Which no, is like... it must have been a skeleton key. But that that is a cool little thing. I, I I never thought about that. But yeah, what I like is as well is that Bond uh, as he's leaving, he's still got the playboy. He takes it with him. You know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just like yeah, I'm taking this too, mate. He photocopies suit, that yeah. too. You know. Yeah. Then in the next film, he pulls out all the other gadgets from the other films and the Playboy magazine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, I remember this. Okay, one. so then, uh, so then Bond goes to goes with his uh, new discovery to uh, visit M Admiral uh, M, no less. Um, and this is again just like I love this scene. This is like you know because you always get it's like a bit of a trope, isn't it? Bond is showing off like irrelevant knowledge to M. And this is one of my favorite examples of that. Maybe yeah. my, maybe the best, because it's like it's M in his home. He's doing the most, like unimaginably, uh, unimaginably boring, yeah, like hobby life. ever. The most boring pastime ever, like butterfly collection. It's like just like barely a, a, a step above stamp like stamps. Yeah, exactly. I think they probably be like, oh yeah, like what would M's hobby be? Would it be stamps? No, it's like okay, listen, butterflies like like for a richer person, you know? Yeah, <laughs> that's right. And then, yeah, Bond comes along and he just walks in and he's oh, uh, unusually large for a, whatever it is, you know, yeah. the, the Latin so name. Chloris or something like that. And yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It was just like, oh. So good. I didn't know, I, yeah, I did not know your knowledge extended to the field of, and then whatever scientific name for the study of butterflies is. It's yeah. brilliant. And then uh, Bond goes, yeah, I've just been, uh, you know, knocking about doing a bit of this and that. And uh, and then goes, oh, aren't yeah, you on I know, holiday? I yeah, I know you're, Bond's you're... location now. But yeah, yeah. And he's like, well, but you're off the case, Bond. And he's like, oh, I assume you'd reassign me. So, you know, and then he just goes and lays out. You get a lot of exposition here. But again, you just get this beautiful transition to College of Arms. Yeah, but and what I like music... as well is, just want to mention with this scene as well. Like, the, the fact, like, George Lazenby's acting this is like, he just he's so confident that, like that M's gonna reassign him. He's already just done all this legwork just to be like, yeah, by the way, this is a I'm proving that I should be on this case, and also I know you're gonna say yes anyway, even though you hate me. So, you know, and also yeah, and again, to be, oh, actually no, it's after the College of Arms. And I think that just it plays into Bond's like why he's the best agent as well. You know, like M probably reluctantly took him off that case, but he has to do it. And uh, and then Bond, you know, just proves his like worth and just like earns his way back on it, which is very cool. You just have this like you know um, dynamic between them, which just again, it's not Sean Connery, it's not Roger Moore, it's not like an established Bond actor. It is George Lazenby, but he just it's just amazing to me that this is like basically his acting debut, and 
he's able to just you know convey this so well. I mean, he he's he, he's a natural, I suppose. You know. Mm. Yeah, so he goes over to the College of Arms. Yeah, he goes over to the College of Arms, meets Sir Hilary Bray. Um, we yeah. get a little again, like Bond's like backstory. The world is not enough. We see his family crest and everything. I'd just like to say, it's uh, also very convenient that uh, Sir Hilary Bray looks close enough to George. Yeah. Hayley. Like, yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe he was like the Bond actor that just missed out, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was the guy before, you know. Yeah, but uh, yeah, you do have this. Uh, this guy, this guy's very posh though. He's like a proper tough, you know. He's like, oh well, you know, and uh, and and you know what I find funny as well. I think they're aware of how similar they are, and they sort of make a, a little joke about it because it's like you know, um, my uh, you know, I've sent them a, a description of me, and then. George Lazy goes tactfully uh, adjusted to fit my description, and then the guy sort of goes. Yes, <laughs> you know, like it's yeah, a little exactly. nod to the fact that I think even down to the mole on the cheek, right? It's like you know, but yeah, I think that's very good. Yeah. But um, this is something. I mean, I assume Tom knows as well. Um, this is something. I mean, you you might have noticed as well. This is one of the more obvious ones. From this point onwards, after he he is being so Hilary Bray, Bond is dubbed. So, which is something that people what? don't like. Yeah. What? He's 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 being dubbed when he's uh pretending to be Sir Hillary. That's ridiculous. That's crazy. I never knew that. Yeah, to be fair, you wow. don't really notice it. Like a lot of people go on like, oh, this person dubbed, this person dubbed, this person. I never notice, you know. Do you know what? It it kind of that's amazing. It does bother me a little bit that like when when I find out not just Bond but like any characters dubbed that always like irritates me a little bit because it never happens today. It just was a thing back then. And and you know when I'm watching these films with Tom, sometimes I'm like I'm trying to go. Is that guy dubbed? Is that guy dubbed? Because I'm like I, I'm kind of like assuming everyone's dubbed. You never assume point, Bond's right? dubbed, you know. Yeah. Well, yeah. I never saw that coming, but uh, fair play. You know what I like about this as well? It's like this is genuinely Bond doing some like actual undercover spy detective work, which you don't get to see. And when you do, it's like very sloppy. It's like you know, it's like ah. But this is like a genuine authentic. Cover on like, purpose with Largo. Yeah. Um, in this case, it's like, I'm thinking more like Sinjin Smythe and that sort of thing. Yeah, 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 I'm going to spectre your mum, Emilio, you know, like. Yeah, but I do like that um, Bond is, you know, actually has a bit of like genuine, like, you know, espionage um, work to do. Yeah, Yeah, because it goes to to Switzerland, right? Yeah, right. So, and and, you know, Bond is like dressed up like Sherlock Holmes, man. And he's like, and you know, I like, he's like, he's bumbling, you know, and he's got this posh voice, which now we know is dubbed. Yeah, um, there's something I also want to mention uh, before we get to Emma Bunt and all that. Um, his uh, his mate Campbell is literally he's reading a paper, right? And one of the thing uh, articles on it is there's a there's a train crash that killed 19. That was meant to be there's meant to be a scene between this and the College of Arms where he has a chase, which also ends up some at some point in the tube or something like that, which involves a train crash or something. Um, and that's meant to be a reference to it, but I don't know if they actually filmed it or not. Um, but that's just cut content from this, which I think might be, you know, to help with the pacing. But I, I think it would have been cool to see a chase or something. Um, that's and, really interesting, but I don't think the but, film suffered from a lack of that. And we do yeah. get a very good cheap chase in a future Bond film. Yeah, true. But um, yeah. Anyway, this is the first time you see Emma Bunt as well. Like, yeah, yeah, she, she's fantastic. Yeah, like I said before, I have no idea where they found this actress, but she's brilliant, man. She's like, the very first thing you see of her, she's like turning around and she's like, like, and you know, no disrespect, man, but she's like, you know, like a human toad, you know, it's like really like, 
You're like, well, you, you know, as a kid, you're like scared of her straight away, man. You yeah, know, if this it wasn't is like for Blofeld. She could have been the villain, you know, like. Yeah, yeah, she's fantastic. Um, and she's the henchwoman of this film, right? You know, mm. um, so she'll go up against Odd Job and Rosa you know, Club. Yeah, so you know that's gonna be interesting to rank them. But uh, yeah, she's like like has this immediate presence where you're like straight away you're afraid she's of her. Scarier than the henchman, you know, like. Yeah, man. Um, and obviously, you know, she goes. She she meets. Um, so Henry she meets Sherlock Holmes, aka yeah, so Henry Bray. This part, you know, and he's like bumbling, and he's like, oh, you know, like oh, I don't. Uh, I'm a great traveler myself. I don't travel well. Yeah, I don't. I don't like the cold. Whatever. He's like, you know. Being, you know, like typical like English guy on holiday, pretty much. Yeah, basically. Um, and you know, I like as well the foreshadowing that happens here because she's asking him, "Oh, do you like the, uh, you know, do you like skiing? Do you like bobsleighing?" And he's like, "No, I'm not a sporting man. Even when I'm at my best, you know, and I have all this like going on. It's just I, I love that." He's playing someone who's the exact opposite of Bond here. Like. Yeah, exactly. It's fantastic. And uh, yeah, and I just, I, again, just the beautiful cinematography, the on-location stuff that, you know, is just very special to Bond films where he's like, you know, he gets in this like horse and carriage and they're being pulled along and, you know, the fur blanket and everything, just all these little touches are just beautiful. And, and, so they, and they go up to the helicopter. Um, yeah. They seem to really... Pursuit as well. Yeah, they love these like, you know, these white and then a big strip of orange helicopters, you know, which we see later in the series, but anyway. Yeah, yeah, it's very cool. Um, and he has to knock out his pipe, you know, as well uh, on his on his way in. Like, yeah, I don't know, it's it's just very good. And uh, oh, yeah, you get some amazing like shots from the um from the yeah. helicopters. Well, Campbell's, you know, like you know, just driving along with his, you know, like uh, VW Feed, feeding the horses, you know, and checking yeah, on. Yeah. Uh, and you know, and and so they fly up to Pitts Gloria. Um, worth mentioning now that we physically, well, I don't know, I I mean, my because we were very young. I, 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 we've basically, when we were in Switzerland for that time, we did actually visit Pitts Gloria. Wow. The the restaurant there, which I do remember. Now, I, I mean, unfortunately, I don't remember. I don't remember it as, oh, this is where Bond happened. I mean, I, I know that since, but I do remember the, because uh, you don't really see it in the film, but like the part of the restaurant, like it rotates, right? Like yeah, the, it's the, the world's first rotating mountain yeah. restaurant. And I do remember that very like vividly. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's like, wow, you know. There's a fun bit of trivia for this as well. The fact that the owners, this was actually under construction at the time. And um, the owners, basically, they allowed them to film here, but on a couple conditions. First, they had to give them $125,000. Um, and they also had to make sure that the interior sets were like just, were, would be like made so they were permanent. So they were features of them. And they also had to build uh, a helicopter pad of the thing, uh, which, wow. which was like, really expensive as well it cost 125,000 because they had to get helicopters to take up 500 tons of concrete um but when they uh opened the restaurant uh they named it pitts gloria after the location in the film so that's quite nice that's really good and this is such an iconic location you know and and it's and it's a far cry from you know volcano base or something you know this yeah, is yeah, like can... it's amazing and obviously the the context is that this is like a, a research clinic for like allergies and stuff, um, among other things. You know, I like that. You know, you have the the light. I love again the foreshadowing. So you have like the skiing and the blo- uh, the bobsleigh references, and, and then you know, and uh, and she's explaining like you know what, what what the research clinic is, and he goes, and she's like, oh, um, 
they say something to the to the effect, oh, you know, we do this so then spies can't, you know, steal our secrets and stuff. And and Bond goes, yeah, oh yeah, so we live in a world full of deceit, you know. And yeah, <laughs> and it's like, and deceit because they don't lie to each other. It's just great, you know. Yeah, it's fantastic. Anyway, like, so um, yeah, uh, and the last in that same thing that what she says after is like, you know, yeah, he's um, yeah, doing this. To you. He wants to leave his mark on the world, you know. And he's like, oh yeah. Yeah, true. Yeah, true. Just like a true humanitarian, you know. It's like a lot of sarcasm. Yeah, it's it's a great like the like the double meaning of it as well. Like the whole conversation. Yeah, it's fantastic. It gives it rewatch value as well, which which we you know we love here at the mini uh, podcast. Mm-hmm. But um, he's shown to his room, room four, of course. Uh, we get a very little peek at Blofeld, which I like. They just tease us, you know, yeah, like they, they did in previous. Just like they used to, you know, like. Mm. Yep. Where it's like you don't see his face, but you see him with a cat, you know, like you see him from above, like bald. You just don't see his face. They, they just the don't drip face as well, like and also the the gold telephone, you know. That's right, and you hear his voice now with Telly Savalas. He's the the real thing about him, not necessarily him as an actor, but him as a voice actor is what particularly, like for his, he's basically as far as I'm aware, he was like the Morgan Freeman of his day, you know. Like mm. I I even watched a documentary he did. Uh, I mean, it's a documentary, and he was hired as the voice for it. And it's, you know, his his voice is like, just like I say, like the equivalent to Morgan Freeman of today. You think yeah, of Morgan well, Freeman voiceover, Tony Savalas of the day, and you, obviously you hear it. He has like a very rich, you know, rich voice, rich accent, which is just yeah. like obviously like very um, um, definitive. Yeah, the thing I've seen that helped a lot for this in terms of when they chose him because the role where he has to basically play ASMR for these, like you know, like. He um his voice is perfect for it, especially when he's like you know rest rest and they all just go to bed immediately. There's maybe there's no like psychoactive stuff or any you know extra magic. It's literally just his voice, you know. Yeah, that's right. So um so then uh, Bond is uh, invited to dinner, um mm-hmm. and he shows yeah, up. Get, he's fully dripped out, you know. Yeah, he shows up in a kilt, so. You know, I, I think that's you get a lot of little nods to the Scottish ancestry, which sort of Sean Connery, um, you know, got the ball rolling there, and then you know they continue that with with the kilt. You know, it's just one of those things, bonding a kilt. So to be fair, he somehow rocks it. You know, like actually, yeah, good definitely. Yeah. You don't. See, I mean, it is like obviously there's always like the, the there's always it's always like you know amusing you know to to see. Yeah, because you get uh, hairy legs, you know, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, he he rocks it, man. And it's just like, you know, this is a male model <laughs> we're talking about. And he's like, bang, you know, I'm, I'm doing this. Yeah, maybe that's and why you know, he's I'm actually... not really sure any other Bond actor could do that. Now that yeah, because think... you couldn't imagine Sean Connery. Well, you could imagine him in that. But like it was like the uh, orange turtleneck as well. That kind of outfit, like with the uh, with the beige jacket as well. Like it for most people, that would look kind of mismatched and strange. But he manages like, you know, he just pulls it off. You know, you couldn't imagine anyone else in it. Certainly yeah, can imagine Tim Yeah, hundred percent. Um so yeah, he rocks up at the the Alpine room, of course. And uh Yeah, the girls like slag off like uh Ibbot He's met you know. yeah, he's he just walks into a room full of these like beautiful women and it's this is probably the weakest part of the film for me. Um I actually yeah, really like play this that sound, you know, like no, no, go no, on, I really like this part of the film because he's like He's like such an alpha male and stuff, but he has to like pretend to be this beta who like can't stand women or whatever. And then there's even a single line later. 
there's there's even a, there's even a, there's even like a random line later. He's like, oh, I'm afraid I've never had much to do with her young ladies. And then <laughs> and yeah, and she goes, you know, oh, we know what he's allergic to. You know, they basically imply that he's gay. You know, which is there, like, there's yeah. like. There's there's <laughs> there's the situation this is the thing that really grew on me later. Like this part was always really boring to me when I was younger, but this part's great to me now because there's like so much like situational comedy behind it. Like he has to like he has to pretend to be like the opposite of what he is for like half the film. Well not half the film, but like a, a good, good portion yeah. of it. And then like and it's just really funny, like watching his like interactions. Then he has to like when he gets some of the girls in his room or whatever, they're like, Oh, I think you didn't think you like girls and there's like and then he no, like tries to he has to like transition back and forth between this character he's yeah. supposed to be in. It's just it's really funny. I find it it's it's very very amusing to me went to watch it. So yeah, I really enjoy that. That's become like a high point to me almost watching. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing that, that the only thing that I like don't like when it comes to whenever it comes to any of the girls, um, I mean, they use this. It's almost like fanfare, I guess, kind of like you know the thing that plays like it plays twice when it like you know he sees them and then the camera pans so you can see him like it plays it twice and it's just like great thanks thanks you know like i'm not gonna <laughs> i mean I, I i i from that point of view tom yeah it's fantastic like the yeah the situational comedy is definitely like it's it's very amusing it's very good what i don't like is just how this film so far has just gone against the grain of like the sort of institutionalized sexism that exists within bond that arguably the, they the still haven't really it. weeded out, but like you know, it was very prevalent in the Sean Connery film. Well, like that's, and they've they've that's... done so well so far to like go against that with Dinah Riggs' character, and then you know Bond is literally just thrown in a room with like twelve beautiful women, and it's kind of like yeah. I, I don't know that just um just leaves a bad taste in my mouth, and it's not really, I think, I, I think... and it doesn't even really. Yeah, it's 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 important for the plot, but I think they could <laughs> they could have done it in a bit of a different. It it's works, just very it like. To be fair, think about it. It's like you know? just Rose. Right. This, this reminds me a bit of uh, John English Reborn as well. Because if some of them were blokes, reminds you of what? Sorry, if Johnny English Reborn reminds me of in Johnny English Reborn. Because like, if some of them were blokes, it wouldn't make the gifts wouldn't make sense because they're like makeup kids, right? It reminds me like when it was intended for Pegasus, and he's got, like <laughs> he's got like the lipstick, you know, like. <laughs> uh, you know but i don't think you, you know what it reminds me of it, it reminds me you know this is like a direct you know when roger moore in octopus he goes to like a, a, yeah. a an island occupied occupied solely by women and it's like okay that works for roger moore's james bond like in that context okay you know what you know anything goes really <laughs> this is like it just it's just one of those parts of the film which i don't I, you know i don't associate with george A. B. bond I, I, that sounds strange to I'm, say but I mean, uh I'm actually okay. I'm actually okay with this, and it, it works for me because, like, you don't. You just get the general impression that these lot are like not the sharpest tools in the shed. Basically, like, they just like they're just there, like almost half-witted most of the time. They're like, um, they're like they're just they're just like no 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 because like when he's in bed with like Ruby Violet, and then he she just comes across as so gullible. Like she's like, oh, there was this really nice person who like recommended me to this special. And the specialist said, "There's this wonderful clinic in Switzerland where they cured you for free because they're researching at the same time." No, so that makes it, that makes it really like you know believable to me. So I don't yeah, really have. I think a that's the problem. It. I, it's it's a weird one. I think within context, yeah, you can justify all of it. 
but it's just just the presence of like these you know a collection of bimbos with a lot of like racist connotations as well i have to add you know it's like you know yeah. it's just direct like stereotyping and like it's just like oh you know and even if you you know even looking beyond that you have like just the disproportionate like okay these people are meant to effectively represent the world and yeah there's it's implied that there were women or patients that came before them but I don't well, know, like, it's just like, oh, yeah, there's there's a token, like, African one, couple, couple of Asians, like, there's, like, a, an orientation, there's, like, an yeah. Arab Asian, and the rest are, like, white European, you know, just these bimbos. Well, I mean, that doesn't, to be fair, in the, original, in the original novel, they're all meant to be from the UK, which doesn't, for a clinic like this, it wouldn't actually make a lot of sense, so yeah. this film, I guess, for its time, was probably, like, trying to be diverse, so, what can you say, even if they aren't that good at it, you know. Yeah, that's very much like '60s diverse, isn't it? But I mean, it's yeah. I mean, it's I mean, it's just like it's so obvious, though. You know, it's like you know they have the African one, like eating a banana and like the Asian ones eating like, some like rice. What it's just from Jamaica. To be, to be fair, it was only in your presence that like I noticed that little cliche. I was like, yeah, he'll pick up on that. And like to be like, yeah, it is it is something. I think it's just a take it or leave it thing. To be honest, like it's just like. As Henry it, said, it just doesn't like, age well. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Like, yeah, true. I agree with that. But within the context I mentioned, I think, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. The, the, the level of... Within context, the relative you, level like of I say, you can justify everything, and it's not like as if it's bad writing or lazy or anything. It's just like... I don't know. And, it just doesn't matter. And like with Ruby Violet and stuff, like they, she, for example, comes from... She's the only one you really get to hear about their background, her background, but like she like she's just like this farm girl basically who just comes from middle of nowhere it sounds like and and you really I mean, put that against juxtapose that i haven't used that one in a long time against diana rigg who's like this really like why world world wise like um crime boss daughter i think it really is like good writing actually because realistically yeah. someone who comes from that background wouldn't have a clue really about what she's in and Diana Rigg does. She knows like yeah. inside out, basically, and like I think that 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 actually is written very well because that's probably what it would be like in real life. Yeah, I, I think you I think you make a good point there because I think this might even be intentional. So basically, kind of these these girls are meant to be kind of one dimensional, so that you don't pay too much attention to them because Diana Rigg is the main bongo, basically. So they don't have a situation like in Thunderballer and Goldfinger where there's like quite a few of them and they kind of are quite close to each other in terms of how much is written for them, how much they do um, to the point where it's like, then, then we have to sacrifice them like, like randomly just to make sure we get rid of all of them. So there's one left, you know, so you pay attention to that one, you know, I get that. I mean, yeah, you, it, again, I feel like, I mean, that, yeah, like I say, you can justify it. It's not lazy. And, but what I don't like about it is, you know, okay. Yeah. It's providing some great contrast to, um tracy but yeah the thing is you you already knew that from the previous films and i just don't you know it doesn't sit well with me the fact that bond just basically you you know because we've just bought into like a really like authentic love love romantic like you know story and then bond just goes like you know shagging the first girls he meets and like you know just cheats on her like prolifically man like he's on Mm, well, he's, he's, on, he's on a spree before he gets married, you know. Just to, to be, yeah, fair, to be, yeah. he does have just, that bachelor's taste. I'm not justifying freedom, it. I'm just says. saying that. And then, like, um, yeah, I know that doesn't go halfway to justifying it, but and to be fair, like 
one of them does actually break into his room rather than the other way around. Then he's like, oh. well, what's he supposed to do? Like, send her out or whatever. And then, like... <laughs> you know? So, yeah. yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I think we've... And, it, and it, it's, not any, it's not any of them. It's like, in my opinion, the fittest one. Like, this one from Sweden or whatever shows up and is like, oh, yeah. Uh, can I see I the book? Of... <laughs> I kind of quite liked uh, as well, though. I mean, going back to the progression of the scenes... This, like, like, Emma Bunt is sometimes, like, she, she like, hints, like, because it gets too, sometimes it gets a little bit, like, uh, candid, I guess. Like, they're all, you know, they're having a jolly time, and then they're, yeah, oh, yeah, because he's explaining all this stuff about genealogy. Um, but, like, to, you know, show off his expertise and all the brushing up he's done beforehand, you know, to say he's, like, authenticating that he is actually Sir Lou Bray as well. Um, and, uh, you know, at the end of this whole conversation, you know, when they're having dinner, like, one of them's like, oh, yeah, can you show me the book? You know, it's like, oh, I, I'm in the room this. And then, like, before, like, Invent cuts her off and then you're reminded, yeah, this is actually, you know, a villain layer. Like, yeah, you like... know, oh, got all these rules. You don't use second names, you know. Oh, I'll <laughs> show the book around to all of you, you know. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, you do have some. Yeah, yeah, that slipped my mind. To be fair, um, Bunt's like her her role in this is like great. You know, again, like just yeah. being the enforcer, like the bitter sort of you know past it sort of you know like yeah yeah. She, she, like when I was little, <laughs> uh, it's it's another thing that changed with age as well. When I was little, and she was like, I didn't get the subtext to it. So she, I, when she was like, No, 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 I'll get, I'll take it, give the book to everyone in terms. Like, oh wow, Emma Bunt's so fair. That actually sounds a really nice and considerate thing. Like everyone yeah, gets she's just get, cock blocking every, everyone. Everyone yeah. gets to like yeah. look at the book just as 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 much as the other. And then like yeah, later, yeah, I'm yeah, like, Oh, she's actually just a massive control freak. Oh, it's oh, funny though. It's just like these girls like be like, Yeah, I really want to study genealogy with you in my room. You know, it's just like, Yeah, sure, mate. You want to create some of your own. You know. Um, but oh, nice one. But um, you know what, what? What is the sort of the takeaway thing from this as well? Like, is you know sh- the the lipstick on the thigh? Yeah, yeah that like, was like uh, you know, and that's that's it. It's like it is a bit parody worthy. But again, it's it within the within this film because the acting, the level of acting is so high, and it's like Georgia, yeah, you know, and, you, you know, can, and that that is like like so erotic, man. You know, she like goes out and. He's wearing a kilt, so obviously you know, and, and you, she 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 does, and you don't see what she does. You you just like you, you, you it's revealed a little bit later, but you know she does that, and then like, um, Bunce, yeah, I it, it, her name. Bunce she goes, you know, in, in the most like suggestive manner, she's like, Is something is the matter, Sahilary, you know, <laughs> and he goes, oh, slight stiffness coming on, and in the shoulder, geez, the altitude, the altitude, doubt, you know. Doubt. Yeah, exactly. I love, just... I love the way he plays it off as well. It's just so good, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's one of them as well. You don't pick up on it as a kid, but then when you get older, you're like, oh, okay, you know, it's <laughs> it's very good. Um, yeah. Well, then, like, yeah, because it goes next to, like, he's just studying in his room. He's probably bored as fuck, you know. He's no, just, like... no, no, no. That's not the next thing that happens. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. This is right. what, like, there's, like, a big contrast here. So I, 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 he walks off and he goes, you know, may all your allergies be swiftly yeah. cured. And then one of them goes, oh, I know that's, what he's allergic to. That's really funny, in my opinion. He's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. He's like, so he walks like, off and then. like his riz or whatever. He's like, oh, may all your allergies be swiftly cured. Like, he doesn't want to have any. It's as if they're, like, diseased and he doesn't want to have anything to do with them. And then he's like, walks off and then he just gets roasted oh, when he goes into the lift which is quite funny he does but now but now he doesn't go straight back to his hotel room he goes yeah, to he meet Blofeld and he walks cave, through the yeah. back cave to get there as well just like all the mist you know 
Do you, do you, like, I, I don't know about you. Like since my first video, I always like thought that it just reminds me of the Batcave straight away. Yeah, it does. You get that because it's, it's actually like the smoke machine underneath. You know, like yeah, it's just like and it uh, again, it's just this great contrast. It's just this visual storytelling. You're going from like this warm, beautiful, luxurious room with like, all these women. It's like this know. beautiful food and everything. It's like everything's like the highest quality restaurant, and then you're just going down to this like cold. You know, dungeon like you know, yeah, just, cell, to it's remi- like really... just to remind like the fact that yeah. he's in a villain layer, basically. That's right. Yeah, and, but I like as yeah. well that you have the lab as well to his left, but then you also have like this really like richly furnished room as well. Just to remind you, like you know, Blofeld does have you know some taste for the finer things in life. You know, like as well as it's like like he I love how he comes out with his like lab coat on. And he's like just yeah you know, takes it off. He's got this, like you know rank bright well not bright but like like kind of blood red waistcoat you know like immediately just signifies i'm a villain but you know you can basically tell he he's very i I love his interest i love that like the like you mentioned there like the music in the 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 that's the the other thing i wanted to mention about this film the uh sound editing in this film the sound engineer was like on point man like i i love the the sound effects they had in this film it's so they're so strong and like distinct um yeah but uh, yeah, you, you you've just got these like sci-fi elements, you know. It's op- when that door opens and like the s- sort of steam effect you get from that, and yeah, the lighting, the, the, like the, the neon lights, lights, yeah, exactly. It's just like it's so cool. You just straight away you're in this the presence of this like super villain, you know. We have to like, you know, straight back in there, and obviously we get the face reveal. It's uh, Telly Savalas. We will rank the Blofelds, of course, within our villain ranking, and it's going to be a tough one. Um, we get to meet him, and uh, obviously the the um, the preface to all of this is that, you know, he wants to be acknowledged as a count and, uh, you know, he's trying to go about proving that to Sir Hilary Bray to have a title because that's like, you know, as M r- says later on, you know, snobbery, it's a funny thing, you know. And it, I, I just it's just funny because that's that ages so well because even today, you know, you think about like Beckham, for example, David Beckham and his like his whole thing with uh, getting a knighthood. All that sort of thing. Yeah. It's just really interesting. And how a lot of people make a point now of like turning down a knighthood, all these sort of things. I think it's just very interesting and, and just how well that ages. I mean, in this case, it's a count, but still. Um, I, f- I find that moment, I know it's way out of time, but like I find that moment where like M comments on Blofelds or something like curious thing snobbery is like, I don't know, I found that really interesting because you can, they're really like, I don't know, it feels like Blofeld and M are kind of cut from the same cloth sort of thing. Like, you feel like Blofeld, if he took a different path, could have ended up in M's role, or M, if he went a different path, could have ended up in Blofeld's role. Like, I don't know, it's funny when, like, they, like, kind of, I don't know, acknowledge each other in that sort of way. It's quite funny. It's it's interesting for me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah 100%. Uh, uh, yeah, it sort of never occurred to me, actually, but uh, it's... You, you don't get those moments very often. I mean, you never get M and... Blofeld in the same room or anything like that, even in later films. But um, you know, and and it's very rare actually you get M with any villain. You know, they're, they're very like basically never face to face or anything like that. Well, you know, it does happen, but like, but rarely. Um, and to have a direct comment like that, that's, that's like, and he's and he's commenting upon not just like the plot something, but upon his character. It's, that is a very good point. Something it's like well spotted there. I like that. Um, but yeah, the conversation Hilary Bray ha- or Bond has with uh, Blofeld, what it means there, should you want to go into that? Is there anything to say there? I mean, this is Blofeld. It's, you know, it is mostly like stuff when I talk about genealogy, they're both like BSing to each other. I think 
this is also, I mean, this does come after Yono twice, but I think um, then they're meant to either, like, you either see this as they both know, but they don't know when they're going to, like, pull the rug from underneath the other one. Uh, or, because if, if Blofeld, like, you know, makes an MI6 agent disappear, all of a sudden it's, you know, like, alarm bells are going to go off. Um, but at the same time, you can also take the view of it being, this is, like, because this film is probably one of the most, like, faithful adaptations from a book to the point where they, they just wreck, they kind of wreck on the fact that they've met each other in a previous film to the point where this is their first time meeting each other and it's just, like, whose cover's going to be blown first? Um, I just take it from the, the angle that, like, I don't know, this is really faithful ab- adaptation, so this is just what they're portraying. But, like, one thing I noticed on, on when I watched it this time was, like, um, like Hillary Bray is like low key James, the one who's like responsible for James Bond's cover getting blown because he's the one that tells them the fact like, oh, the De Blochamp uh, ancestor is in this t- this tomb, and then like blow uh, Bond quotes that later to Blofeld, then Blofeld picks up on it that that's actually false. So like this like this flipping bookworm university whatever was like. Just, just like I don't know, he just fucked up James Bond like instead. They say Sir Campbell didn't blow his cover. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, something else that blows his cover later, which I only just noticed this time. But I'll, uh, I'll, I'll tell you later. Uh, no, go, go on. You might as well say now. What, no, 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 it, it will happen when the scene happens. Okay. Otherwise, okay. It's well, um, like so after this meeting, Bond goes to. Uh, okay, this is when Bond pulls up his yeah. kilt and sees the. Uh, the number eight written on his thigh in lipstick. So, um, you know, you've got the music cue as well, of course. Very sure, racy. That's more appropriate then, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and anyway, so he sat in his room, like I said, Henry Ball, you know, studying, procrastinating, you know. Yeah, exactly. um, He's just like, yeah, it's so interesting, you know. Like, yeah. Um, it's and he quite sits there good, and he, like, he's trying to work out how to escape from his room because, you know, you can only be let in from the outside. So he goes up to the door and he gets a metal ruler out. Gets a little electric shock. Uses some like year seven physics to get around like, that. Yeah, because yeah, well, the rubber will like, uh, utilize the uh, well absorb like, the breaks the current. Uh, when yeah, when exactly. James Bond's like just sat there studying, like, that's like complete perfect representation of me when I'm trying to like revise attempts to revise or whatever. And it's like my mind will literally look at anything and everything else and just think. Oh, I know. That's just how everyone is. It's just fun. I don't know. Some people are like robots that can just do it seemingly, but like. Um, and I, I don't know when, like, you know when he sticks like the ruler or whatever up the um the um the door like he like the thing electrocutes him. I don't know about YouTube, but that like made me jump when I was little because like when he was like um Jump's studying game. or whatever, like my brain was asleep because it's like oh yeah, mundane activity he's doing, and then yeah, I don't know. That's well, another good sound design, I guess, sound effect sort sound way sound effects uh side of things that i think they did really well on i kind of like as well that the i mean that they later on that they later on show that the girls have already found a way to do this as well because yeah. they've probably bored out of their minds they've they probably figured a way um but there's no reason for them to really go around now that, but now there is because it's a book you know um supposedly like when like they kind of almost like they almost kind of like uh, show him up in the fact that he's using this really complicated method when they're just like, yeah, I got this wooden nail file, you know, like, and he's just like, oh, yeah, I wish I just thought of that. And he like adopts it later on as well. Yeah, but he doesn't even nice really, oh, yeah, he takes, we must have taken one of those. 
but yeah, it's it's quite yeah, funny how the situation cool. progresses. Like he's like really cautious and stuff, waiting for like Irma Bunt to go down the elevator or whatever, and then lift. Sorry, and then um, he, he she he gets out and like cautiously goes into visits these girls and stuff, and then like later when he's like comfortable in the routine, he seems just like getting out, strutting around, just like tapping the fingernail file against his chest, and then but ironically that's the time he gets blown. Yeah. So I love yeah. as well. The thing that's kind of funny is like he's doing this to obviously get information, you know, from them. Um, as well as he like just catches them in the middle of a uh, Blofeld's ASMR session, um, which is like psychedelic or whatever. Like it's like, you know, kind of it's not trippy, but it's like to that that kind of effect. Um, I like it. It's kind of funny because he like recycles the exact same like you know pickup lines you know with them as well. Like oh yeah, and he like with the second one, he's kind of like hurrying through it. Like he's like yeah, and he's and yeah got got ten more after this you know like come on man. You know, there's a moment even as he's recycling the knife, he just he like looks up and checks if there's a fireplace to make sure that it like it still fits. You know, like oh and even twice as beautiful in the in the in the yeah, fire exactly. you know. Um. Yeah, so he goes and seduces them as as Hilly, wait, wait, wait. you know, what, gives himself a little... Hilly, yeah. What did you say? Like, he, what needs to fit up the fireplace? Yeah, yeah, he needs to make sure that it fits with the his... fireplace is there so his line still works. Pick up the oh, line. yeah, Plus, yeah. Plus, you're putting the uh, <laughs> oh, LED light. Yeah. So anyway, while, while this, uh, the next morning, you know, Bond, uh, he's like, goes and plays... Um, Curling, curling, that's the yeah. name of the game. Um, he has to pretend to be bad at it, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. Like slipping over and stuff. He's, which is like, trying, he's like embarrassed, you know, like, oh, I'm letting yeah, myself loose to all these women, you know, like. Yeah, well, I mean, while well, he's getting his end away, you know, and just like living the life, man. Campbell, he's like grafting, man. He has a, a yeah. confrontation with uh, Gunter, you know, like, you know, has a bit of a bust up down at the at the ski resort and yeah. then like starts climbing up you know like Campbell's really drawn the short straw man in terms of Bond now is what yeah. he has to do you know and it's he like, gets fucked anyway like some pigeons or some birds come and like you know you know blow his you know location whatever he gets shot at gets escorted down into like you know some like dark dungeon man like and and Bond's there and I wonder if this is like the, th- the thing which I, which I don't like is like Bond doesn't really seem to care, you know. And you know, and up until this viewing, I, I, for some reason, I always assumed this guy was an MI6 agent, but obviously not. He's he's Draco's guy, unless it's weird because Bond and Campbell they never have, they never actually directly exchange words. But for some reason, maybe I don't know why reading so so this other, chapter, but I feel like they have like a some kind of like partnership, you know, like they they know each other well. I don't know if you two got that. And yeah, maybe, kind of maybe I have this like theory really. that Campbell is an MI6 guy and like they, they, Bond pulled in a favor. I think like Bond pulled in a favor, like, oh, can you help me out with this? Whatever, you know, that, I kind of get that from it. I don't know why. Because he doesn't be. feel like a Draco guy, even though he is like at the construction site. So I guess. Yeah, because he is British as well. So yeah, that's that. the case, but it's like. He comes you know, across as like the typical. He comes across as the typical English tourist as well when he's not getting his way. It's like, oh, oh I've seen them advertised, I'll tell you. And then he's like, he becomes uh, a Karen, you know, it's like, oh, oh, the authorities will hear about this. Yeah, no. Yeah, it's like, even down yeah, at the cable where's the car, director? You know, I am the director. Even like... at the, yeah, even at the, even at the cable car, he's like, um, I've seen them advertised, I tell you. Since when? And then he's like, I don't know, he just gets told to piss off basically by good. Yeah. Yeah. He just, he just, yeah, he's, he's just like kind of, not so fortunate stereotype of some English tourists that um yeah, a lot of English tourists. Yeah. 
But obviously that's his cover as well, right? Because he's like, he, you know, he, he wants to appear, come across as an ignorant tourist, you know, and he gets an earful from Gunther's like, like screams at his clothes gone, like, forbidden! Yeah, yeah forbidden. Like, and he's like, all right. <laughs> like, backs off. Yeah, he just backs off as well. Um, yeah, this is the thing. So while he gets, you know, sent down the tube to his death, you know, like, um, like, <laughs> Bond, uh, yeah, well, uh, yeah, Bond is Hillary Bray, like, He's like catching up with these girls, like, yeah, you know, he drops his mitten, you know, or one of them does, and then she's like, oh, I need to see you at eight, and you know, another one's like, oh, yeah, I need to see you at nine, you know, and he's like, oh, and then like he passed another one, he's like, oh, yeah, because he's also talked, to, he talks to Blofeld beforehand as well, he's like, you know, um, like he's like, oh, yeah, I, I'm, he's like, why the fuck are you taking so long, like, studying my ancestry, and he's like, well, you know, uh, I just had to take a, you know, uh, I only take a break this afternoon. He's like, well, you know, you already had the morning off, you know, like, what do you know? Doing? No, do you know what I think? Like, I reckon that little line that's bringing up, because I want to say something here. Like, um, I reckon actually that wasn't really referring to the girls. I think he was actually trying to like basically save that blonde, that, uh, what's his name? What is his name? Campbell's. Campbell's oh. line. Because like, yeah, that's interesting. he like, he watches like the thing happening. He sees it's not going that guy's way. So and like he, I don't know, that's probably like his last ditch attempt to like, I don't know, like excuse himself from like the place and then like just get this guy something like, what the fuck are you doing or whatever. And then like, um, I don't know, just try and straighten things out. But it obviously doesn't go that way. Like Blofeld basically traps him and that's it. That's like, yeah. that's camp done basically. So the yeah. thing is as well that, that's, that's, sorry henry because that's yeah. the thing like with, with that happening to campbell i'm like okay the stakes are raised now and bond like needs to respond to that and he kind of does like you said tom but then immediately after that he just goes back to shagging you know like, oh yeah oh, oh the work's really oh, yeah, that's all he has to like the like... thing is he can't be too forceful because he has to play this like almost squeamish like um i know you... but i just think that line is i mean yeah it's, 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 it's a joke but i think that's one of the it's just sort of misplayed he says it to a guard he's like showing off i, I don't know it's like well, the thing is as well well, well yeah because he says like, oh you, you really know the work is piling up i think that guard overheard him talking about like the different times of the girls because he like the, when the camera kind of like pans to him it stays on him and he's like he's like huh you know kind of like and he might might like snitch him you know like that's what that's what i thought at least when i saw it because um, that guy's like he doesn't look like he's buying it he's just like yeah these guys are awful close to him you know a lot like yeah but he's like your typical sort of like german like like yeah, soldier true. like whatever I, I think he's just like pretty like indifferent to it but uh i just think uh, either way however you read that scene i just it just annoys me that like it's sort of always okay well campbell's dead then let me just cr- crack on you know and continue as i was you know sort of thing yeah i think he may not know at that point that campbell's gonna die but like I think that was, I don't know, we know that that's the last chance he had, but maybe he was just trying to, like, I don't know, get him out of it, basically, because, yeah, but that's just how I interpret it. Yeah, so anyway, Bond, uh, later that night, like you say, Henry's, like, you know, on top of the world, he's, he's like, nothing can touch him now, he's, like, going to, like, you know, go and shag yeah, Ruby, in you Bond know. heaven, basically. Yeah. yeah, yeah, pretty much, until uh, Oxpussy, and, uh, yeah. yeah. And obviously, this is great because you know you're you're fooled into it. He's like walking, he's strutting about. He's like, yeah, you know. And then he gets into bed. He's so sure. And then like, bang, like just the last old, person you want to meet in bed. Cow told you, and then just like, and it's just home. Yeah, it's like, yeah, what, yeah, what? yeah. He even yeah. says that. I was that old cow. And then it's just like the last phase. I, I just 
yes, the effect yes, of that. Yeah, she just yeah. like her face comes out of the bit, and you're just like, what? <laughs> yeah. And then even at that moment, Bog goes, fancy me? You here for a while? And then you just get a like, bang, you know? Yeah, yeah exactly. he, he like, tried. He's like, he's like, he tried he's to redeem that so badly, and then it just didn't. Obviously, wasn't going to work, but it's just funny. But like, I don't know. It's it's funny, like. Do you reckon like Irma Bunt had like a recording of Ruby Violet or something playing though when she, she makes that noise or whatever? Yeah, that's off, interesting. Or whether she had to like, I don't know, bring back like the last vestige of like her her femininity. <laughs> Track James Bond was. Well, something yeah, yeah. Well, to be fun. fair, Blofelder has like he's he plays tape recordings in all the rooms. It's assu- you can assume that he's probably recording everything in there as well. Bond... He would have cottoned on so much earlier if he was though. Well, um, Bond I, I wondered that. Do you do you think perhaps that Ruby was in the room then? She was being held to like you know. Well, no, because would be way too suspicious as well. Like then she'd ask questions, you know, right? Oh yeah, yeah that's true. Maybe they're just like, oh yeah, Ruby, you sleep in the spare guest room for tonight for no particular reason. It's to, it's for your uh, chicken. Alan. Well, she must have been aware of something because obviously she was told to leave her. You know, she if she if she wasn't in the room, then. So that's unusual but yeah i mean she's yeah, but they're, they're like said, to she's probably not like you know, know the the sharpest pencil so you know like yeah they're, they're up to fool them and thinking yeah it's totally normal that you know you can't use your second names you can't share a book around you can't yeah. like you know do you want to like doors at night, you know in the next step of your allergic recovery uh we're gonna make you sleep in a room full of chickens tonight and it's like that's <laughs> what they did yeah maybe Yeah, so anyway, Bond uh, comes to, and you know, the, even the coming to thing is cool, you know, because you have like this, like, these weird, like, camera sort of like. Yeah, it's know, like blurry as well. Like, he's Yeah, like, that's right. And there's like the Christmas tree and stuff. And, you know, Merry Christmas, 007. What a cool line. Yeah. Delivered by like the coolest voice ever, man. Um, you know, and then like, but yeah, it's like, oh, it takes more than a few props to fool me, you know. And it's like, oh, well, it takes more than cutting off your ears to become a, you know, count. count yeah. Um, so yeah, that's like interesting back and forth. Uh, you know, they have this like, yeah, it's cool. You yeah. know, the cat's out the bag now, like you know, and he goes, yeah, you know, um, well, you know, basically like like we said, just sort of. Oh yeah, Bond gets to. This is again a bit of a like sloppy Bond trope, but it's it's okay in this context. I think you have like Blofeld explaining his whole plot basically. Um, you know, Bond tries to get as much out of him as possible, but obviously not quite everything. So, uh, so then Bond is like escorted. Uh, to his... No, no, no! Quick, before we do that, Go when on, I was on. real little, like, oh, this is another thing I had to grow on me, like, in terms of understanding and therefore enjoyment, like, um, is how he was like, oh, I'm seeing the systematic extermination of whole species of cereals and livestock all over. Yeah. I, I just heard the word cereal out of all that, and then I was like, yeah. oh no, man's going to get rid of cereal. He must yeah, be he's going to like exterminate shreddies, you know. <laughs> So I was like, yeah, that's his threat. Like, yeah, that's really credible. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's less, I mean, obviously we'll rank the villains and obviously this is part of the ranking, right? We have to sort of assess like the legitimacy of their plot. This one's really interesting. Like, yeah, because it's quite, uh, aged quite well, I think. Like, by Well, very well. I mean, aged so well, they basically use exactly the same thing in No Time to Die. Yeah, except to a, more or less. to a worse like extent. Yeah, never and it's anything. like, yeah, obviously with with COVID, there's all that as well. Um, but this is bacteriological warfare, which I think yeah, you know what, the, doesn't I mean, make a lot of sense in terms of the way the although, bacteria. Although, you know what is worth mentioning, the fact that this was so like convincing that M or like the person above M, presumably the prime minister, 
was prepared to buy off Blofeld. They were actually like, yeah, we have... Well, we, he's not we asked really, much. It really felt he's not like really asking gonna, that much, actually. <laughs> it re- yeah, and compared to you only twice, like, where he's asking for, like, 100 million in advance or whatever from random governments. But, like, in this one, like, it really feels like he's going to get away with it because, relatively speaking, the threat he holds versus what he wants, coupled with what M says, that's like, wow, it's over. He's just going to... He's just going to be a count and then who's who cares? Like, well, that's well... It. That's interesting because yeah, there's that. But then, and the only the only reason that Bond follows up on it, like, is because he has a personal stake involved because Tracy's well with him, basically. So, I don't know. Mm, yeah, that's a that's that's an interesting point actually. That's a good point. The, the other thing though worth considering is the fact that with this plot, which kind of makes it a, a better plot in a way, is the fact that. Um, you know, the women are out there. So even after Blofeld gets what he wants, he can still use that later on as leverage. Oh, they're still out there. You know, I can still push this button whenever I like. And then he can use that as like, you know, leverage yeah, further on totally down the line the as well. That threat is always prevalent because how, you know, how are they going to know where those women are until obviously later on they kind of like find a way. But before then, there's also, no way. He says, like, because yeah, like Bond is kind of like grasping at straws. And to be honest, he's like, oh yeah, they won't believe you, you know. And he's like, well, you know, you're going to be very helpful for that. You know, like he's going to like torture him in front of the TV or something like that. Yeah. Uh, like what, one thing that really like, sorry to cut you off, but like he, um, it's like he really cuts Bond down to size. And he's like, he's like, um, yeah. oh, you do realize what will happen if I don't report. And he's like, oh, once they've vital sampled this thing, they'll have more important things to think about than you. And then he's like, yeah. and he's right as well. Like they, the world would be like not caring about him. And so it's like, wow. Like it makes the villain feel so much more like credible. Like, I don't know. The villain's threat sometimes, like if it's a lackluster villain, they like kind of bounce off James Bond a bit. And it's like, yeah, no, you're you're not actually going to like get anywhere with him. Yeah, it's not believable, like, really. But this one really breaks past it. And he's like, yeah, no, no one's going to care about he's you. Like, this he, he's like, I've such a cool line where he says like to him, like, you know, oh yeah, well, you know, I'll be able to, they'll, they'll know that, you know, I mean what I say and I'll do what I claim. Well, like, he's got the cigarette as well. Like, oh, he's just like, you know, just, just to like, you know, the hand action as well. Just Yeah, to, like, like gesturing with that. Yeah, yeah, that's a great line. Again, execute by Telly Savalas. And this is where like... He's also, he's also physically above Bond on the steps as well in that, so... Yep, yep, yep. And you've got like, you know, I mean, the, the direct parallel you think of is Goldfinger, right? Where Goldfinger is, you know, because Bond tries to black, oh, well, you know... uh people come looking for me, I'll get replaced, blah, blah, blah. And then Goldfinger's like, ah, oh, I don't care, you know, I expect you to die, all that. You know, it's like very epic, you know. And this is like the other side of the coin. Again, it's like the extravagant versus low-key sort of, you know, you have to tell you about it's very cool and collected and just like, bang, you know. They make the same point, but in different ways. And it's like, they're both like, you know, just iconic Bond villains for, for the, you know, and that's part of it. And, uh, you know, it ends with the... Uh, Bond being escorted to his new courses. Yeah, I like the way they put it as well. Yeah, <laughs> and the fact that the fact that again, it's is... like a Goldfinger. Not, not. I mean, not, not Goldfinger, but also sim- Goldfinger ends that conversation exactly the same way as well. You know? Yeah, I like as well that you know he tries to fight off the guards, and Blofeld's just like saying he 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 just not like with all that. Well, like, well it's person. worth mentioning. He the reason yeah. that, that happens is because obviously on his yeah. way there, they look out the window and like Campbell's there, like dead as a doornail, which is like. Yeah, that's yeah. grim. It's, that's a pretty yeah. horrific image as well. As a kid, you know, like, whoa, that's like scary, it's man. It's hanging upside down and frozen, like, a prison yeah, it's like they killed him. Yeah, it's scary, man. It's like, it's like, like something from a horror film, man, you know? Yeah, you could have that in, like, a soul film. Actually, you basically do, but still. The way Blofeld, yeah. like, so kind of, like, 
nonchalantly talks about as well. It's like, yeah, I know. He's just like, yeah, I don't know. He just adds so much more threat to like him. Yeah, he's yeah, all these British, oh, how you love, how you love your perverse, whatever, you know, he's like, and that's what tilts Bond, you know, he's like, he's like just talking shit about his, his teammate there. And, uh, you know, Bond, that's like, he tries to fight them off. And like you say, Henry, Blofeld cools a cucumber, man, you know, which is just great contrast because George Lazenby to this point has been that. He's been like very, you know, assured and like confident and stuff. And now it's like there's yeah, the shift. Feet, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Blofeld's just like, you can't touch George, him. Like, he's literally, literally got like the whole world in his hand at this point, like more or less. He's got him in the palm of his hand more, as well, uh, yeah, Bond. And I like as well because he basically, yeah. You know, the next thing is they just shut him in this, in this, not even a room. It's just like a mechanical like area for the um, for the cable cars. Like, He's locked in the one. bottomless pit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How far well, like, down does that thing it's, go? It's, it's always scared me as a kid. That did. That did. Like literally a bottomless pit. That's like yeah. The, the one thing I want to comment on before um, is like late when there's an action scene where with all like the cogs and stuff that's really creative and like i really like that for suspense and the music that's played and like how he ends up finally getting out which i never really i know it like and the bit where he like falls off because his hands things will get crushed otherwise like and then like you just see like the angle like the things like yeah, black you can't the quick see cuts it. help a lot you know yeah and like that's exactly what i wanted to say the, that's exactly where the quick cuts do work the, i don't think in the fight scenes they work so and here it's Perfect. You get really like, like what? And the music, oh, it's so good, man. Mm. Yeah. And to do it as well later on, where like, because he gets out of this. I mean, yes. He he he, like he initially fails, and he only just. I like he like rips out his pockets as well. This is really great, like, because he doesn't even have any gadgets to get him out of this one either. Like he, and it's a really original concept, like. He, he's just fighting these cogs basically and, yeah, and right. a sheer drop which he might and if he doesn't he freezes to death so there's like no way out of it basically and, yeah, he, and he, he literally has to rip his pockets out like he has yeah. no gadgets no nothing yeah, he reaches into his pockets realizes there's no gadgets takes yeah. his pockets out as the gadgets yeah know? exactly yeah. exactly and he, yeah, he goes out to the to cable car, and the same thing happens again. Just the, the, oh, it's so good. You yeah, know what? Those, also, he can't land on top of the cable car. Big like movie mistake though, because like you know, you have the cable car, like the the distance he is to like the first wheel of the cable car to where he jumps off and lands, just physically impossible. You but feel I like he, meant, he, I think it's he might meant have to, like, swung himself and then let go or something, but that's the. Yeah. Other than I that, haven't really yeah, noticed it though, so it's, it's not like. Oh, you, we, next time you watch it, you'll you'll see it. Now you've well, ruined like, the camera. Like you, you ruined the beginning love. for me. Now you get this. <laughs> That's good. It's like yeah. it's like in From Russia with Love, where like for a split second there are two bonds on screen. Same no, no, no. It's like it's re- when you notice it, you're like ah, oh, like that. That's. I like, noticed but... that for a long time, but like. It, never it, it doesn't bother me. It's just like, it you know, like you take me out of the moment. Too many times you sort of notice that, you know. I think. I think. I think if he swung himself physically, that could have been done, but like nah, no chance, I no chance. I'm Russia, not going to try it, no but chance. like you know, I think within the realm, that's like not. It's a stretch, granted, but like I think it, it's. But it's a Bond film. There are always yeah. stretches. It, it doesn't matter. I'm just, I'm just pointing yeah. out. But, but um, I like as well. But the moment of suspense is so good, man, because you're like, and that's where the quick cuts again. You just have his fingers there, and like a hand at a time, and it's just like, like in, like, 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 not away, like crushing his pinky. So there. scary, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's I brilliant. like as well, like you go, you get like, because you had the respite of you know he managed to make it out of the the room, and then he's got to make it to this cable car without getting his fingers crushed. 
And then, like, you know, he gets 10 seconds to relax and he has to immediately go up to, you know, infiltrate the base as well or escape the base, actually. And obviously you have the contrast as well, because while all this is happening, the girls are like, you, you just go back to this warm, comfortable, cozy environment. The women are there and they're like receiving Christmas presents. You have this music and um, Bunce's there and everything. And it's like, yeah, oh, they're, you know, they're so... still in the Matrix. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. Like... <laughs> it's great, though, like, because if, if it was if they didn't have that and it was all him out in the cold, the effect of him being out there would kind of like get lost on you. But it's just like taking like going literally like you know, like the torch method, cold, hot, cold, hot. Like you, it like keeps constantly reminding you like, yeah, he's, he's freezing out there, you know. Um, and he's also in a dangerous location. So I, I think that's right. That's right. So, so Bond gets in in time to overhear some, you know, Blofeld delivering the um, instructions to their subconscious. Yeah. And, um, and then he's like, all right, it's time to, you know, get, get the fuck out of here. Dip. Yeah. Yeah. So he goes and um, knocks out a guard, you know. No, I love the way he does this, though. Like, yeah. He goes down the yeah, lift. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. the lift doesn't, like, open. This guard, like, he, he doesn't notice it at first. He's just at his desk and he's like, yeah, he's like, the fuck is someone playing a prank or something? Or am I hearing things, you know, like. Probably go crazy up there on the Alps with this. Like. Imagine if, like, he didn't investigate it though; he just like ignored it or something, and then James yeah, Bond just had to like noise in the lift James Bond had to like awkwardly come out. Or like that. Yeah, yeah. Bond like does like the thing where he's like, you know, he's just like the fake walking down steps behind a desk or something, and then he goes around the end uh, to fight him. You know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Bond knocks out this guy, and he's like, oh, perhaps he should have been gift wrapped, you know, and um, and this oh, and so begins. The very first Bond Probably, ski chase. Probably, in my opinion, the best. Yeah, yeah, it has to be. Uh, I love the spy love me. I love the ski chase there. Yeah, it's yeah. Been, actually, this is a but, fun, this is a fact as well. Uh, George Lazenby was the guy to suggest that Bond should have skied off something and then opened the parachute, but they didn't have the they couldn't do it for this film because they had like they lacked the resources to pull it off. So that's where they recycled wow. the idea and used it when they could. Wow, so, that's amazing. If it wasn't for him, you know, you wouldn't have had that stunt. I mean, what are the ski chases? I mean, we've got this one, we've got... Uh, uh, we'll, we'll talk we've about this because we got got this episode's already going to be we've got like, really long. Yeah, true. We, we, we need to like stay this from being um, like Once... four hours long, you know? But we do have like... The, this ski chase is awesome like the music, you know, I was just... Uh, when I was watching it um, as well, I mean, I mean this. there's like multiple ski chases in this so i'm going to talk about them generally right now um but like how hard that must have been to film mm. you know you have yeah, these stunt, you, these stunt, you know these uh skis professional skiers obviously um i like they're color coordinated as well yeah like, yeah like, they've all got, like the props and stuff and you know the fact that you have these scenes especially in the morning after right for jumping ahead a little bit you have them skiing and then you have like it's on the it's on the it's on the virgin snow it's on fresh snow so they have to do that in one take right mm. because otherwise yeah, they would have right. left tracks yeah because otherwise they would have had to, they would have left track tracks there from the ski <laughs> what did you call the snow it's virgin no, snow no. it's like an virgin, i've never heard that term before <laughs> yeah um no it's, it's an actual it's term more, you know wow but uh yeah like you know there, there would have been ski tracks so they had to they had to fucking nail that in the first take yeah, basically first thing, yeah and and it's, and when you consider that's probably been filmed on a helicopter, you've got these pros there, you know, and it's like that's you know extremely impressive choreography. And the thing is, I like as well in this first ski chase. There's a great bit where 
I mean, they shoot off one of his skis, so he has to ski, you know, with one, um, which I think was the speciality of this. What made this? Yeah, they had guy the ath- using they so, had like uh, some Olympic well, well. athletes do it. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And you've which got these like, you know, what I, I find funny as well. It's like, always comical, but it's like it just works. Oh, what I love as well is you've got the uh, the guys like, oh, is that England that has, you know, in, in German, whatever he said. What does he say, Henry? You speak German. Like, <laughs> the England has escaped. It's like, you know, like, I, th- I love when you hear that, the England, you know, like. I like how yeah, he is. The like, England has verschlecken, you know, like, he's like, he literally just says, the England has escaped, you know. Like, yeah, I love it. I love it, man. And they say it sort of twice. They refer, I, lo- I don't know why. I love it when, I love the word Englishman. Like, they, they refer to him as the Englishman, you know. I think that's brilliant. I don't know why. They it's just, just, like, they just there's like something yeah, immediately out. out again. There's always something like immediately identifiable about like English people, something that foreigners like intrinsically know is like, oh, the Englishman has escaped, and it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I like, I like that. that and and you've got the also the villains he's... like the Blofeld henchmen. They're coming out of this like door, which is just like got this flashing red light. There, like they're literally coming from yeah. like demons coming from hell, man. You know, it's like. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know why, why they had to be so extra with that. Just like, it's not just a red light. It's like a flashing one. Like, you know, they're like, all you're missing is like some screams of torture from down there, you know, like. Well, <laughs> I like as well with this, this ski chase as well, that I, I always remember is like when they're going, when like, uh, you know, Lazenby, he, he skis off of like kind of uh, the top saying there's like a drop and he skis back down. Uh, like he basically, and he lands, you know. I always remember it for some reason as one of the villains falls over comically or something like that. But all of the all of the villain skiers, they're all like, you know, they never cut them down to where they're kind of like comical. Like they like there is one who like falter or like crash one, into a tree. One of them like is called an idiot. So yeah, literally like yeah, but that's because yeah, but that's because one of them failed to like jump over like a pretty tough gap. Like that's the last one who flew into a tree. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> But but the yeah, fight the scene point. here That's on the that, cliff edge, yeah, that, that. this is like oh, like really your heart your heart's in your throat, man. At that point, you're just like oh, you know, like that's that's oh, like when, how when they film like, that is thing, very uh, impressive. That guard, like, is it when he's like he's like strangling all of them with a ski, you know? Yeah, yeah, and then they have the fight afterwards, and it's like you know, like they're like right on the precipice, you know, and then like you know the guy gets thrown off eventually. Yeah, yeah, yeah I like that, as well. That's, like that's the first the first guy, he like he swings it like a bat to trip him up, and then he sends him flying over. And I like that they keep the shot going for like the entirety of the fall, just to like you know hit. The oh yeah, I forgot the two of them go over. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like this is a this is a long fall, you know, like just to set mm. the the danger. And for even the like how I mean, obviously it's a dummy being thrown over there, but you've got like how the shadow meets the the body. Oh, that's so cool, man. Yeah, as well, this, as well I... as like what? Sorry, Tom, but when he's strangling like the guy. Uh, and like it's got like the music changes from like the chase to like some like you know like I don't know some low more low key music like trying to be qu- like it's also like the music itself is trying to be quiet not to bait him out. Whereas like Blofeld and these four other guys like skiing around like close by to look for him as well. I think like one thing that's not missed picked up on with this film is also actually I heard this from uh, Yafet Koto who was the one who played Kananga in Live and Let Die like when he was talking about this is really like out of context but I'll get, get into it like he like talks about how he wants to he wants to be more Bond than like Bond was he wanted to be like cool drinking champagne and stuff and like I don't know suave villain or whatever and then because and then he gave a reason he was like oh because the audience knows the villain is going to lose at this point and like so you have to whatever whatever and then but that occurred to me like 
this must have been the very last film where it looked like the villain could have won and then like this could have just ended the whole James Bond thing technically like it's the it's it's a very like ultimate um kind of um it, the 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 plot is finality good. to it with the time yeah, as well and um yeah finality to it and plus Sean Connery's also gone so like that could have like you know with all those things thrown together plus a really competent Blofeld uh, who is actually not even really going for that much if you stack it up against other villains. But, like, um, you really think the villain could have gotten away with it in this one and James Bond could have failed the mission uh, for audiences yeah. back then. And I, the re- and Dimes Are Forever, obviously, is just, like, not serious at all. So from that point on, I think it was just, like, given what Yafet Koto says, I think that's when it stopped being believable that the villain could have won or whatever. Yeah, until maybe, until maybe you know, you get to Daniel Craig's you know films. I think they kind of yeah, but actually, I, was... I did not think you were going to give credit where it's due there, Henry. I was going to say that to wind you up, but you're right. I think mm, that's a different. That's a really interesting point you make. I don't hate Daniel Craig. I just want to point that out. You know? Yeah, I, I think that's a really interesting point you make. So I think, yeah, for the for the day that must have yeah really been the case. I think as well with the man with the golden gun. I feel like. When it's Roger Moore versus uh, Scaramanga, I think that's that's like okay, this could go either way. Yeah, it's because as well, I think it helps a lot with Scaramanga because in the beginning. But we'll, we'll, we're talking yeah, about yeah, we're, we're, yeah, I don't, yeah, we need going, to. We're gonna end up going like we've already mentioned like three or four other like <laughs> at this point. Uh, but that's but, just yeah. how much this film's influenced the other ones, I guess. Yeah, yeah, and but yeah. You, you got a good point. The stakes are really high in this film. That's for sure. But the thing um, that I love, because it keeps going when he gets down to the village. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because he goes, okay, now this is like, if you've if you've been if you've ever set foot in Switzerland, you know this sound, the sound of the cowbells. That is like the, the most definitive sound of Switzerland you can ever hear, man. And um, yeah, you get it in like bucketfuls here with like they have the fight in like the cowbell shack, whatever. Yeah. Um, with the gunshot as well. Yeah, very good, very good, yeah. very cool. Um, and then Bond walks away with like this jacket. There's a little bit of money in there, a little change. Yeah, that's quite funny. Yeah, I like um, as well. This is like kind of a callback to the uh, bit in Thunderball where he's like going around in like the festival. Um, and it's like proper tense as well because like people make fun of like sometimes people make fun of the uh, him getting like scared by that like huge bear, but he's literally like it makes like the the flash sound effect and it's like it's like as if someone shot him, you know, like. So obviously, you know, you'd be shitting yourself. He's fearing for his life. Yeah, and again, the quick cuts here really work well. Yeah, and that is genuinely like you would shit yourself, man. You know, and and as well, like, and you and you hear the guy in the costume actually laughing him afterwards. The guy's just like pranking him, like, oh yeah, let me let me play. Yeah, but he doesn't know. Yeah, yeah. And I like (laughs) as well by this point, like he sees everyone's around him, like he can spot the guards and Imabun and so on and so forth, and he's like. He literally doesn't know what to do, so he just sits down in the chair, puts the collar up. He's like given up, like really. He's like ready to die almost. And then like you know, so you know, someone skiing, uh, ice skating past, and then Tracy is like just pops up out of nowhere. The reappearance. Like, she, she knows where to really be good. actually. She, yeah. she uh, says, but and she's, like, she like. Safe as ass, you know? I'm sorry, but well, not sorry because she's like really. She's not only a Bond girl, but she's a really good Bond ally as well. Like, she really, like, saves this bacon in this whole sequence. And then, like, it's really good and fun to watch because once not James Bond basically carrying the team, it's, like, someone else, like, for a change and also carrying Bond as well. So it's really good. And, like, I really like the realism of this because, like, that's how you would be acting. And from what I remember, like, 
James Bond enters an ice rink, right? And then he just goes to the side and sits down. So assuming that the goons are around the edge of this ice rink, he can't go out of it, basically. So in effect, he's trapped. But right. he gets taken out by her. And they, she, yeah, those are the they fireworks that kind of help. Yeah, that, that kind of help. They get distracted. And then later when, like, and driving in this kind of this car, like, um, I don't know, you you would do what she did in that scenario. She you would try and lose them in that little rally race thing, and then try and get out. Like, okay. there's no gadgets in all of this, and I don't know, it's really good. And I think sometimes people forget there's no gadgets for some reason, but like, it's, it's really good. Like, yeah, Close very good realism, very good action and suspense, and yeah, I. That's- Agree with you, but you know the 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 little problem I have with this is just you really really have to suspend your disbelief because Why what are the that? chances that she is there? I mean, she explains she, a little she, bit later. She explained yeah. that Draco like told you. I know, but at this place. okay, yeah, she's in the general area, but the fact that Bond is there, right place, right time, and it's like that is a little bit that is stretching it. But maybe she's just chilling in this village, waiting for him to pop back down. The yeah, mountain. but how how does she know? You know, that's maybe, probably I guess it's probably there, the closest yeah. village. Okay, do you reckon? Actually, skating at that moment. Okay, but you know, and the fact he ends up there at that moment. But okay, um, what, but I love I love the. What is great though is like, just her presence because you forgot she's just disappeared, you know, and then she's she's there and she just like and it pans up, you know, from like foot to head, and you just have like, this. She's sure, like almost like, has this like angelic. Yeah, Pres- I was gonna say yeah. like she's like an yeah. angel, you know. Yeah, and she it's and it's just like and you're like wow, it's like a friendly also, face, you know. It also helps, I think, like you know the kids' choir as well, like like in the back. You know, there's like three instances of I don't know what it is with this film. There's like children singing all through this film. It happens at least three times, very distinctly. Yeah, uh, it just oh, that always creeps me out a little bit, but uh, yeah, definitely adds to that moment as well. And you're just like, wow, you know, he's so, you, you she's know. She's a little bit like, oblivious as well. Like, until he's playing, yeah, the spectre trying to kill me, you know. And she's like, oh, all right, then let's, uh, let's, let's get the fuck out, you know. Um, and then, then the cue the fireworks. Uh, and their, their dialogue's really good in the scene when, like, he's, like, trying to pull up his jacket or whatever and then, like, half hides his face when they're driving away. And he's like, oh, I don't think they saw me. He's like, I wouldn't go bank on that. And it's just, like, it really helps, like, yeah. grow their character and refer to, like, past stuff. And, I don't know, just that little line and the dialogue in general that builds it builds into really excellent. Like you don't get that really in other Bond films. Yeah. So this is not this is a good chase as well. I think probably one of the more memorable car chases because it lasts for longer than 30, like twenty seconds. Like in Thunderbolt. And it's funny because Bond is behind the wheel. He's not in yeah. control. But even so, it's still really good. Like um, he's giving directions as well. Like you know, at some points, so it's just like, oh yeah. Oh yeah, just take that exit there. That's the way we get out, you know. Like um, for the uh, for the competition, I love like the the rally car racing thing as well. I, I think that's a great little bit. It's like F zero. Uh, <laughs> the thing is that I find um, th- there's a little uh, little known fact here as well. When because you know they, they, there's a bit where you know they're like you know ba- they're like bashing a car between them and the Spectre one. Um, that car and the Spectre car flips, and like there's like the effect of it exploding, but it actually did explode. Um, and like it, like Emma Bunt's actress, like uh, she like actually got caught a bit in it, so um, yeah, it wasn't great for her. Because uh, I, I think because they there was like uh, she also like shouts as well, like uh, or screams in reaction to it. But I think that was actually like like odd job, you know, it was real, you know. Wow, that's that's really interesting. I never knew that. Um... 
you know Obviously, she actually the actress like died the year after this film was yeah, she, she didn't well. she died a week before it was released like really i, oh, I knew it was shame. close but not that close wow that's a shame well she's very memorable and you know that yeah. will reflect reflect i'm sure it reflects in the rankings later um anyway bond and tracy they end up in a barn basically um well, you know what can I say? Bond you met- Bond, pro- Bond proposes to yeah. to Tracy and uh, oh, to, this, know, to get married. Like, I don't want to burst anyone's that. anyone's bubble, sorry, but like when when I I've seen this film so many times, and like, I always get caught up in like the emotion of it or whatever. But like um, this time I saw it, I was like, I just thought like, can you imagine how badly it must reek in there? And it's like. <laughs> Wow, I think it must have been cold enough so that you wouldn't, you know. Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. I, I'd like to think, but yeah, it's like it is a super romantic, like. You know, it's the, it's those, there's that one, there's that one frame where like, I think she's on top of him, but like the lighting is literally like literally makes it look like an angel, and it's like it's yeah. so, it's like it like, of, like directing could have just like facilitated that. It's just like literally like just perfect, like. And and you know the way like, Bond speaks side. to. Yeah, the way Bond George Lazenby speaks to her, it's like he's so soft and um and genuine and you know, without like, you know, jumping ahead to future films too much, you know, you, you, they do try and sort of recreate that kind of and it just doesn't work. It just doesn't hit the same note that they're somehow able to. George Lazenby and Dinah Rigg, like their chemistry in this film just you know, it just feels so real. In and in, in other not just it's certainly not limited to Bond films when you get that. It just feels okay, yeah, you're watching two actors and you yeah. know it's not real. This really feels like, you know, like it does feel special. It's like a real like on-screen relationship where you're like, it's authentic and it's earned. You can, and, you, um, you definitely couldn't imagine Sean Connery doing this after seeing him in the previous films. Like not not to like you know rag on him, but like um, I think it was probably a good thing that George Lansby was in this um, rather than him because it's because you don't associate him with the previous films so much because it's not literally him like. If like Sean Connery, the same person who is like you know bedding fifty people, you know, like um, over the course of five films, you know, um, and not necessarily being the the most gentlemanly to women, um, I don't think he would have been able to sell it as much um, that, as uh, George does in this. That's a really good point. Like, I don't know, I I it, the point the um that was kind of there subconsciously, but it took someone to say it, saying that to like make me really realize it, like. Yeah, that this is like this film really benefits from the fact it's kind of George Lake. It's a fresh face, basically, and especially given Connery's kind of behaviour in the other ones. Yeah, the thing is, I, I think if if George Lazenby is in this film and, and Sean Connery is, I think it becomes a tightly different film. I don't think they would include, they wouldn't, they wouldn't get married and stuff. You know, I, may, maybe I'm wrong, but it's meant to be I a think, really faithful adaptation. Yeah. So, like. Yeah, maybe he. I, I know, but perhaps that. they just wouldn't have made this film full stop. Maybe they just, you know, waited for another. I, I don't know. Like, I, maybe they'd have done Diamonds Are Forever instead. I don't know. Like, it feels like I don't think they would have done. Sean Connery wouldn't have been in this kind of context regardless because of that. That you know. Yeah, it's, it's funny because you only live twice in the book series is meant to come after this. Mm-hmm. So well, exactly that that sort of that's case in point. So they obviously knew that was the chronological order and they perhaps just admitted this because they thought, ah, we can't really marry Sean Connery and like, da, 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 and there you go. 
Um, and then I the like, first I chance like they it. got, as soon as they got rid of short, not got rid of him, but you know, they like got a new bond. They were like, okay, now we can try this. Yeah, we can, we yeah. can do this while we can. Like we got like. I like to, yeah, I like to well by the end of this scene, which transitions into the next one. I mean, actually, at the beginning of this scene, they had like a bit of a fake out where like the doors open, they realize it's just the wind, you know, so he like properly shuts them. But then when it cuts to the next scene, um, it's like, you know, you haven't seen them yet. Um, but uh, Bollofeld and his goons have finally caught up to them. And they like, they like open the shed doors, but then they realize they're not there. Um, and for, I don't know why they didn't take the car. Maybe it wasn't a good idea to drive down the mountain, but. I don't know. Maybe yeah. it's out fuel or something, which is, I don't know. But anyway. Yeah, like uh, I just I like the um the comedy as well in the well, he proposes to her and they like sleeping and then like he you know pulls the stick from underneath and like ah oh, it's not New Year's yet. Then New Year's resolution. This, like, this is know. where we get like a, a candidate for the signal quote of the film, I guess. Uh, it, the rug is kind of pulled away from it um when he does that, but he's like the proper time for this is our wedding night, and then um it's quite. I don't know you could say that's Sigma, I, I guess. Really and, then, Sigma line. and then like um one question I have though is like um is like um where on earth was Blofeld during that night? Like was he just like did he just chill in some bed and breakfast in the village or something and yeah. then like Yeah, that's a good point. You're... And then like or was he skiing like like one mile an hour down the hill the whole night and then he's just like yeah they're probably looking for they him might around yeah. the village. Well, yeah, the last time you see Blofeld is was, oh, let's head him off at the precipice. So he probably goes back to HQ and then that's the other sort of deal. Yeah, they probably do stay at bed and breakfast, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, so... I like, I like kind of this... It's kind of seamlessly transitions because you had... You, you, they broke up a ski, uh, ski chase and you get another one afterwards. And like it kind of feels like seamless almost. Like, because um, then you get like, you get like the, this camera pan... With some really nice music like oh isn't this such a cool mountainside now let's see people like ski down it you know um like and immediately basically gets right into it because they're both skiing and then they realize oh we're being followed and uh, then then cue the music and then uh, off they go they must have been really by the skin of their teeth as well because like i know you see how close they are when they're like the ski chase so they must have gone out like 30 seconds or a minute before they did and like I don't know, that just kind of gives me, I don't know, shivers almost, because it's like, oh, if they'd spent like a, a minute longer, they'd have been caught and that'd have been it. And yeah. it's like, but no, of course not. Mm. Well, of course Yeah, so they're not, skiing yeah. along and um, like one yeah. guy ends up in this like blender, basically. Yeah, yeah, like it's a snowplow. Like, he had lots of guts. Over. Like most of them barely make it as well, yeah. like to the edge. This guy, yeah, he fumbles it, you know. He only to be called like an idiot posthumously by his uh, colleague. And then, yeah, yeah, then Lazenby just says, like, you know, he had lots of guts, you know, like, just casually, and then just keeps Skill going. Skill issue. Yeah, obviously, they go and ski off, and then Blofeld stops, and they go, like, start yeah, an avalanche, basically. Going. Yeah, yeah they imagine, start... like, can you imagine if they're, like, those goons were something that Blofeld just didn't like or something, and they, or he had to, like, I don't know, they, they were the three that just happened to ask for a raise most recently, <laughs> recently and it's like, yeah, you, you three fuck off, and then, yeah, like... you three are never making worker of the month. Yeah. The other two, the other two or whoever are left with him and just like, yeah. I'm just... No, three time if you knew how to. Yeah, kills two one. birds with one stone, yeah. <laughs> um, well, he, he starts off this avalanche, which again is like, oh yeah, you know what? Um, which is very realistic looking, but I, I can't believe we haven't mentioned how bad the green screen was for this scheme. Or for Teddy Savalas specifically. 
yeah, 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 yeah. Everyone, and, everyone but also else, for like, George Lazenby, it's like it's so bad. It's so it makes Does doctor it green screen noise. George Lazenby because I thought the entire time it was just the the Walt like the 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 it is 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 yeah. But the, okay, the guy, maybe it's not George like, Lazenby, but still like, like the green screen is still though. awful. It's still awful. To be fair, though, how it must be quite difficult to green screen someone skiing because of the speed. But anyway, and they probably the didn't have much footage for it, I guess. I guess it's the best they could do, but I still just didn't. Yeah, it, take, well. it takes you out of it a little bit, but regardless, like that ski chase is so good. And yeah. Like, the fact that they end up with the avalanche as well, just kill three of his goons, well, you know, classic bomb villain fashion. Um, the other three are like next to him, probably just like, oh, you know. Um, Glad didn't and they, like, they get one caught day. up as well. And I, I really like as well the fact that uh, with Tracy and Bond, they both get caught up and they both try to hold on to each other as well. You can see. Uh, but then eventually, like yeah, the the force of nature rep- uh, separates them, which is a bit of a shame. But in that way, it, it kind of saves them as well, because if they're caught both at the same time, you know. Yep, true that. And, I'm surprised uh, that, obviously, I mean, it's it just so assumes that buried him as well. Yeah. yeah, so we basically cut to London because um, Tracy's dragged off. Blofeld, oh yeah, Blofeld has a great line as well. Oh, a tomb even too deep for 007 to emerge from, something like that. Yeah. So they go and uh, they carry Tracy off, and um, yeah, he's having a flashback in the window. It's got all yeah, that really, that it's flashback. like really well done, man. Um, yeah. And it's funny, you know, this is like we get really sort of quite candid moment with them because he's really like this is pretty much the first time, well, definitely one of the only times you see M basically. He's he's got a boss as well. He's like he's following orders, just like Bond is. Effectively, he does a thunderball. Yeah, that's a, bit a thunderball as well. But like, yeah, that's true. That's um, this, is the, this is the first time M is. But this M's basically yeah. surrendered. He's like, yeah, you know, this is yeah. it's game over. Because in Thunderball, M was going yeah, into battle. Bond, he's like, we still got my man here. Here it's like, okay, we, we, we've played all our cards now, you know. And um, and Bond is like, no, we have to go. You know, he's got this emotional investment in it, of course. But he's also like, you know, we can still like stop them if we take out the central focus of command and then he goes oh it's it's above me you know like forget it's about been it labeled as too risky yeah, like, yeah we're yeah. not here for personal vendettas you know Blofeld like... could have gotten away with this if the thing was just like one day earlier <laughs> it was like lazy schedule i like... love though i absolutely love <laughs> yeah. like the next thing he does just rings up draco like and the way that he describes it as well yeah tom i need uh, some help for some specialist equipment for a new demolition job you know like uh yeah that's like, so cool because like m might help him was like all right Fuck you lot then. All right, like, let's do this, you know. It's like, like, yeah, it's like calling up the mate, yeah, calling the boys or whatever. Like, yeah, let's yeah. Do it's it. also playing it's... into like Drax's like legal capacity as well for like construction and stuff, which I noticed. Which nice. I like he rings it on a company phone as well, just like, yeah, I'm dealing with, you know, the guy who you've been chasing as well for the last few years. Um, I really like as well the fact that um it, it's kind of ironic this film is called Honor Majesty Secret Service, but it's the first time he kind of rebels, like basically dips. And he's like doing. Well, everything. he tries to resign earlier, you know, and then yeah. Yeah, yeah he's, he's only like on doing her everything Majesty's outside Secret of Her Majesty's Secret for Service. like twenty minutes or something. So, yeah, yeah, it's really good. He goes to. Um... Actually, you know what? I, I know, I'm sorry. I keep going back to Campbell, but because <laughs> I really is he a Draco sense. guy or is he an MI6 guy? Because he's helping Bond in the in Pitt's Glory when he's on MI6 business. Like Draco doesn't have anything to do with that. So maybe, I think he's Draco. Maybe he's double honestly. agent. Because he's working. Yeah, maybe. I think he's MI6 and Bond calls him to help him out with the with the safe cracking thing earlier, you know. 
That's what I think. You guys okay. on uh, Team Draco or Team uh, MI6? Please yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway. So they can get twice the paychecks, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, Bond, uh, Bond and Draco, they're like in this really great, like these Red Cross helicopters and they're like yeah. trying the to bullshit their way to like attacking Pitt's glory, you know? And, and this is great. You just get Draco like just charming his way out of this you know like just being yeah, a if, if, he, if he was a british guy like with, with yeah. the accent, he wouldn't have been able to do it it's like, so good it's so good and blofeld's like getting him. Blofeld's trying to seduce tracy as well she has um, like a, yeah. she's quite a sigma female actually it's you know really she's like you know, he's like oh i can make it if you're very nice to me i can make you a countess it's like, well, I'm, yeah. I'm already a countess you're like i think oh, that's I a felt... sigma quote for this film the one thing that i i felt this scene with blofeld and her like it it does I I feel slightly a bit of a shame because like it's it tears him down a little bit that he's just he's like being a bit of a baser you know he's like leaning in you know yeah like, he's simping for him man yeah big time so hard as well like, but that is so accurate fair. though as well isn't it because like yeah Blofeld he's so busy he's like this I mean I'm not like I don't want to say like bald ugly bloke you know but it's like he's not Bond right and he's aware of that and he's got like this insecure and like he knows that's like Bond's girlfriend presumably so he's like you know. Um, yeah. He's like trying to, you know, and it's like it's just this thing that's like, okay, yeah, you can have this world domination, but you can never have. You know, you know like, I think yeah, like, as well. I oh. think like, I think he might even be trying to do it for like the status with like Draco or whatever, because yeah, he knows that's her dad. Yeah, and then like, and then he's like, yeah, your own father's company, blah blah yeah, blah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think yeah, maybe he's point. trying to like, I don't know, do like a little. Even here, he's like trying to do like a, a power business, move, business like power you. move or yeah. something like that. Good point. Yeah. I, it's really clever like she's really clever and like because i only picked up to them this later when she was like they just start quoting poetry at no yeah, like cultured, they, they just start quoting like i don't know i don't know theater poetry at each other and then yeah. and like the oh. delivery for all how deliver good the delivery is they're like these two really good english actors um like they just like i don't know I didn't get the purpose of it when I was younger, like, but it's really just so like Tracy could just bring him up onto like full view of the um the the viewing floor basically where it's they're like at the open. Shot, you know? Yeah, so like it was easier for her to escape when they get attacked. So I think that's really cool and like really clever. Um it's not aided by a gadget, of course. It's just again, it's just like one of the characters using their intuition to like get out of a situation really cleverly. And also by like stroking Blofeld's ego or whatever, and yeah. then really well done, I think. I, I like, uh, yeah, I can imagine like you know, they maybe they put in this like a bit of reciting theatre, uh, theatre lines from or poetry or something, just to maybe like last ditch sense get Timothy Dalton to get in, you know. But <laughs> I think it's worth mentioning Telly Savalas isn't English though. He's uh, he's Greek. He's Greek. Oh, I uh, forgot. He's Greek, no. but he was born. He's like American, like first gen immigrant, something like that. Yeah um so yeah um so now we get basically okay i mean that scene with draco you know it's so good man he's like you know blagging his way there and basically yeah. um basically yeah we get the attack on pitch gloria to the with tune the, of the the james bond theme yeah i like that and there's also the attack so on pitch gloria theme which is a remix yeah. of the uh the theme which is so good as yeah, well it's yeah, really, yeah the build-up yeah. is amazing yeah this is maybe one of the coolest uses of of the actual james bond theme as well like is like like even if they couldn't even if they use the 007 theme i don't think it would have been as good like especially this is actually something that was just a spur of the moment thing that i think peter hunt thought of 
but when they had like Bond slide along, like because you had the contrast of him being useless out earlier because he was pretending, and then he just he's like, yeah, fuck you, I actually am good at this shit. And he just shoots like all the guards with a machine gun, you know. Someone can like correct me if I'm wrong, but I remember in my hear heard somewhere that um like George Lazenby was meant to like I don't know go across it normally, and then like they like uh he didn't want to because he couldn't like skate or whatever and he didn't want to fall over or something so he just like they said oh you can do it on your belly like just slide in like that and then i think the way they they put that plus the uh, combination of the bomb theme classic bomb theme really really cool like yeah. that's amazing like when you think of like action scenes with the bomb theme playing over it that's like the first one that yeah. and miss or nelly are the ones that like pop into my head I think this is the last time they use a classic Bond theme for an action scene like this. Because uh, all the other ones since are like, uh, they're often remixes or they've changed something about them. But this is so good. Like, That's true. You also get um, uh, Draco's like henchman, you know, you get the black guy and he's like got the flamethrower, man. He's like a badass, you know, which is like yeah, really he's, cool. He, he does it down a tunnel. Yeah. Like, he's blurries everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so cool, man. I, li- I like that you see like all of his henchmen that you've seen throughout the film as well. Like they just, they're popping up. Um, so, yeah, like, yeah the, very cool. You're a you get, um, he, and obviously you get, uh, well. you get, um, again, just puts another, an extra layer onto Tracy's character. He, she has like a, a fight with uh, Gunther which is like you know really like it's a good fight um and 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 it ends it climaxes with him like going onto those wall nails which are like super weird and you always think oh what if someone like backed into them and yeah yeah that's so convenient yeah Yeah. what what practical purpose do those yeah 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 and then you get well you know sometimes villains just extra you know they just got that on there (laughs) yeah it's a weird enough clinic as it is and you know yeah unless they removed that from the real pits glory there's a great moment there's a great line as well where uh bond goes to he like like fights someone he goes oh and he does in the hill you brave voice guns make me nervous you know like yeah you get that as well i I think that's a great little throwaway line and then of course you get Bond versus Blofeld, and yeah, he, uh, I like I like though that like with the music when he he's going down to like the uh, the Batcave to like get all the uh, get like the different locations of where the girls are, just you know, so they can you know find out what like you know we don't have this like bacteriological like weapon going around. Um, he's just in the middle of doing that, and you can see in the background Blofeld's actually coming coming out, and he's like taking aim at him. He somehow fucking misses, but you know, it's not his forte, I guess. Um, maybe the Spectre training camp, you know, he didn't have to go through it, you know, for being the director. But, um, yeah, and then it just immediately brings back the music, which is, like, just... Again, like, what can I say? Like, whoever was doing the audio in this, like, just basically did the perfect job. Yeah, exactly. And um, so they go and chase each other through the Batcave. Um, You know, Bond runs out of bullets at one point. You're not something you see very often. Um, And then, you know, Draco as well. He gets the his daughter as well, and they go. And again, this is like he he like knocks her out literally from hitting her. Um, Says something pretty sexist and like flies off basically without Bond. Yeah, because she wants she wants to like save Bond, and he's like, nah, he knows he knows the score, man. You know, he'll be out, whatever. So he leaves him too, which is pretty ruthless of him. Fair play, you know. 
mean, um, yeah, like, and, and good trust true. in Bond. And they obviously they're doing the countdown as well, of course, which is like really cool. It's like the tension, you know, the music, the build up. Yeah, they're so doing five thing. more seconds for yeah. him to jump out, you know. And his, his yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, you have like Blofeld jumping out and then Bond, and then the place blows up. A little bit dodgy. Like, I guess you want to yeah. talk about the, the um, model work, is it? Yeah. Yeah. It's just a fact. I think you said like, the model work just looks, you can kind of tell for a second it looks like a model. Uh, but it's not like it's for a split second, so like you don't really. It's like if they held on that frame onto it for a while, it would just look a bit, you know. But it's like a split second thing. And I like you also get Blofeld's reaction as well. He sees just gonna his say, whole yeah. fucking his whole like crib has been blown up. You know, it's just like ah oh, shit. You know. Yeah, just like gonna tell that new batch of gonna have to tell that new batch of patients to uh, uh, go and like premiere in. Yeah, <laughs> and it's amazing it. because Blofeld has just gone from like, from on top of the world, like literally got the world in, in the palm of his hands, man. He's, he's got the girl. Got he's, top of the world on the yeah, he's got know. like you know, and in the space of like a few minutes, he's lost everything just like that. It's all gone, and that that downfall like so quickly is like man, you know, you can imagine like yeah, because the fight in the fight in you live twice was quite transitional, you know, like they kept going back and forth, Blofeld closing the crater, you know, like. Um, closing the shutters, you know, they can't get up to there, you know, but this is like it's just like one big sweep and it's just gone you know, and that's kind of what you need yep. for this kind yep. of threat and, right? uh, and then we get like, what I like about this they they get into the bobsleigh fight and what I love about this is so strange, because you know, you have Bond versus Blofeld, this is like like, you know, Blofeld like one of the great cinematic, yeah. like, you know, showdowns basically that you can have and it's like, where's the stage for this? It's a bobsleigh fight, which is so unique, but it works so well, and it's so different. It's so cool as well, like, and the music and everything, and like the no, twists well, and sounds. I want to point out something with the music as yeah. well. I don't know why it took me forever to realize this, but this is the same music, which is slightly changed from the first fight. When he drops the grenade in this thing, he's like, "Oh shit!" Hang on, yeah. Oh, that's such a great moment. Just... Yeah. Yeah, he drops the grenade, man. Yeah, oh, that's reason, like the tension there is crazy. It's, it's like crazy global. as well because like. You're like you're you're worried for Blofeld for a second there for some reason, and it's like it's because of the music, really. Yeah, like, like I've noticed, like, oh, shit, like I fumbled the fumbled the ball, you know. I feel I feel like um this um one thing I kind of retrospectively appreciate a lot more is when I saw this film, this scene, like um it made me retrospectively appreciate Thunderballs, like um uh fight ending fight a lot more because it's like that's also got like the same like frantic energy about yeah, it that was like, comically um, like yeah it wasn't that co- no. like no 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 not underwater when they're like both fighting on no, the that's boat what i mean then... that one was comically cut like he's like he has like the, the punch like, like the clear bit... cut punch that's just the one, other that's way, one punch that suffers from it but like the the general everything else where he's like they're both fighting and then like trying to also control the boat from crashing as well as like same energy i get in this one actually yeah, so i, think I really like i really like that yeah but other than that i think it's it suffers from that but if it didn't suffer from that it'd be on the same level as this i think this no but this is blowfeld as well like this was like as well as the fact that he really like he knocks him off because he has to get on he blows up his uh, Bond's bobsleigh, and then Bond has to get onto his one, and he almost knocks him off of it, like however many, you know. Maybe yeah, big time. You have a moment where he's like pushing his head against the ice wall and stuff, and it's like, what, you know, there's like really, there's like it's the upper hand keeps changing. Basically, because like yeah. they go past a gap where it could have yeah. just been like, you know, boom, and then that's it. And um, 
and yeah, and it obviously like the upper hand keeps changing, you know, and uh, it's really good. It's like, and, and you know, this is something that Donald Pleasance and Sean Connery couldn't do, you know, so it's like you need to, these two blokes are like pretty equal match physically, right? Mm. You just, you'd expect Bond's in, in better shape, of course, but other than that, they're like, you know, more or less a pretty fair fight, um, which you don't see very often, especially with Blofeld, you know, but um, yeah. yeah, it's really good. And obviously it ends with, Bond like kicking him up into the tree, like not quite decapitating him, but uh, yeah. you know breaking his neck. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And uh, you know Bond slides off, and uh, Saint Bernard comes up to him uh, <laughs> with you know to fetch the brandy. You know, it's like good yeah, the brandy that was in it. Yeah. I like that line. Five like, star just... Hennessy, of course. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Exactly. I, lo- I love that bit as well. Like he's just. This is the thing, like, to the credit of George Lazenby, he's gone straight from, you know, fighting, like, James Bond's ultimate villain to just being like, yeah, yeah, you know, it's just like, you know, like, some having banter with a dog of all things, you know, <laughs> you know. And then they go, again, they cut, like, yeah. I don't know why they show his bobsleigh, like, sliding off into the, uh, up against, like, the shed, because it's, his one got blown up, not Blofeld's, but anyway, maybe it's a film error, I don't know. Well, that's it. Yeah, now you get the transition to like the wedding ring, which we saw earlier, and um, yeah, Bond's getting married for real this time, not like uh, the fake out one they did. Yeah, um, and this this scene is like amazing. Obviously, it's Bond getting married, but like the 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 um, side characters, you know, you get like yeah. Q, yeah. Q's there, and they have like you know, like you know, they have like a really like I love it. He lets his hair down. It's like you know, Bond. I know we haven't always seen eye to eye, but you know. And then Bond's like, ah, oh, well, this time Q, I've got the gadgets, and I know how to use it. I love the 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 back and forth there with There's M as well. Yeah, M, M and Draco having a chat. You know, like this crime boss and like the you know the head of MI6. Those two like on the same, and they're like talking about yeah, the ages. Like, through the my best are, men, you know, like amazing, like amazing. And of course, like, uh, Money Penny as well. I love you the know. bit as well when they drive when they drive off like money pays you. I always cry at weddings and then like he's like because he's throwing his hat to her like as a nod to you know he's always that's like, such a beautiful like yeah. the, the, just that like throwing the hat the you know it's just like a great little moment there. And then yeah he, he he's yeah, like cute, uh, yeah. she's like sad because obviously you know he's not marrying her. And then, like, she's like, oh, you know, he's Dallas have never had respect for government property. Yeah, his bear starts, like, shank shit. It's the most cute bomb, like, thing ever. I love as it. As soon as he's gone, it's like, oh, okay. Like, yeah. It's so good. <laughs> and it's weird to see Q, Money Penny, and M next to each other. Like, mm. and, I, and I, I really wish, like, and I really wish the film just ended at this point. You know, sometimes I wish the film, like, ended at this point where like, you see the Aston Martin driving off, being flower petals being thrown onto it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, they lived happily ever after. But then again, if we didn't, we wouldn't have any more. Bond. Yeah, we need to keep making films. So. Yeah. And you have, like, you know, and, and also I think it's worth knowing Draco tries to give uh, Bond a million pounds and... Uh, he turns it down. Turns it down, yeah. Respect, man. Yeah. Well, and now, just... yeah, we get, like, this is gonna be pretty hard to talk about for me man this is like one of the most tragic film endings ever i think this is like really really horrible man like it's so it's like it's so sad and like depressing man it's like just like how can they fucking do this man you know like and yeah of course you unfortunately and it's It's just it's like you can't have the happy ending like them driving off into the sunset you could but it wouldn't be book accurate would it then yeah, man, like they kill, and but it's just like that fourth act, and you've really this is like you know the next level fourth act where it's like no, this... the worst is like the last thing she's talking about is you know when they're you know like oh. how many kids can we have you know like 
And no, the the fact she says, like, you know, now we've got, uh, yeah, it's like, oh, I didn't get your wedding present. It's like, I have the best present I could ever have, like a future, you know? It's like, fuck, you know, like, oh, it's so hard to watch. It's chilling, yeah. And like, George Lazenby, like, right before they're just, he's just flexing his, um, his, like, um, his dictionary knowledge, like, coming up with different I words. And they're just like having their first marriage banter or whatever. And then it's just like, uh, yeah, it's it tragic. You know, come to think of it, actually, um, yeah, because obviously, you know, like most people know, you know, Blofeld driving the car. It's actually in the novel, it's him who shoots um, uh, Tracy, but in this one, it's Irma Bunt. Um, there's a drive-by, right? And now I only realised this. If it wasn't for the people like honking at them because of the flowers, and he didn't stop. Um, because of them then maybe it would have been a car chase but he could have survived yeah well yeah he's it's so sad because like you know the gunshots happen and then bond's like oh it's blowfield let's go get him you know he's like goes straight into agent mode and he stops and he does like this double take and he sees like trace next to him dead you know and it's like oh it's so fucked up man like you know so we have all the time in the world all this it's just like it's so tragic man it's like it's horrible it's 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 such a horrible ending you know like you know you have like uh, yeah you have like it's one of the saddest films ending ever man i think like i could i don't know i don't want to spoil any films but you know you got like the elephant man or or you know something like that like or gladiator but gladiator has like i, I don't know i don't want to spoil these films but like you know there's just like have these like really emotional endings like you know sometimes tragic endings and uh this is really like right up there i think for like just just and it's so unexpected it just comes out of nowhere and you're just like fuck you know like it's a real like gut punch you know yeah and well, it's, um, it's the curse of being yeah. bond you just can't be married so yeah um but yeah do you, know what, do you know what fucking spoils this moment you have this really sad music in like it's end. policeman no no you like you know you like you have this beautiful ending to the film like a tragic ending to it's this the film. bomb theme that pops up the bomb theme just out of no you're just like fuck off man like you know like i don't know like that's yeah true we got that. we got a little social commentary almost about useless policemen being there after all the damage has been done like, oh yeah and then i feel so sorry for bomb there like do you know they had an original shooting of this scene where Lazen Beast meant to be bawling his eyes out. And, yeah, yeah, he actually but, cried, but then they said they said cut, like, you know, James Bond doesn't cry, so Yeah, and then but he acts like so well in this. Like he's just like he has to be sedily enough, but like this is like the worst thing emotionally that can happen to him in his lifetime. Like and then he's just like he just I don't know, he just feels so completely broken by it. He's just like and he, he's like in shock, but he like has to explain it to this random person who's police or whatever who showed up like and then he's like oh we have all the time in the world and then that's like just it and then the thing is as well as he i mean this is relatively well known he actually had because he when he read on a majesty secret service like that scene actually made him cry so he had the book i mean this is also reciting he had the book uh, for him he, he had the book underneath the uh the uh the dashboard you know the thing where you can stow stuff and he um he he read it just before this scene um which is why, like, in order to make himself cry, but then they, they wouldn't. They said literally that you can't. So, they I like do that. It's like, does, it's like he's... it's ironic. They they won't let James Bond be married because it doesn't. It's just not how James Bond is, and he's not even allowed. The actor is not allowed to cry because that's not how James Bond is. 
I mean, yeah, he does. He, he is he does about cry. to cry, though. You know, he and does have like, tears in his eyes. He like buries. He has tears in his eyes, and it's like his voice is breaking as well. It's like it's as good as I think. Yeah, it's yeah, horrible it's though. It's so hard to watch, man. And even talk about it, it's just like. Yeah. And that's, it that's never fails to hit well. the feels. Yeah. And the thing is, as well with George Lazenby, is when he was at the premiere, and people would come out like the cinema crying. He thought they hated the film uh, because of it, but a lot of the time people actually liked it. Even even though the, the critics like despised it, um, and this is the thing: the last the last bit of trivia I have for you, which is also tragic. Um, the actress for Emma Bunn, uh, I don't know how to pronounce this, but it's Ilse uh, Steppert is my best guess. She was actually meant to reappear in Diamonds Are Forever, but she, since she died, you know, um, she could. Oh, could you so, imagine how good that would have been? That's the problem because Diamonds oh. Are Forever, because she died, is basically like dead on arrival because. There's no point doing it if you don't have Emma Bunn. Yep. I think it's a blessing in disguise, though, because this film like works so well as a standalone Bond film, and the fact it doesn't have a sequel, the fact none of the actors come back in terms of the main ones, Telly Savalas or, or George Lazenby. Or, yeah, they can't really ruin it, almost. Or yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, that, in itself is a bit of a tragedy that this film has never got a sequel, but, uh, you know... It it's, kind of um, immortalized it, though. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it just, That's, it's aged yeah. so beautifully. It's its just such a, it's such it's, a good film. This is why it's, it's probably one of my favorites, if not my favorite. Yeah. It's why it's, I think it's the best one and also second only to, uh, yeah, we'll talk about it later. Um, that's time for another, that's for another episode. Yeah, it brings us nicely onto the rankings. Uh, now we can actually talk about the Bond actor. So number one, Sean Connery. We have a new entry, George Lazenby. Um, I mean, he has to go second, I assume. Yeah. But yeah, this is the thing. But um, I think we've done him justice. You know, it's not like he's like a bad or bad. There are there are a couple I would put him above, but we'll uh, Mm, yeah yeah soon enough. Well, not soon enough. Ah, uh, Henry's there. He's like shitting himself, man. He knows. <laughs> I can't <laughs> wait for these episodes coming up. But um, <laughs> is it worth going into the why George Lazenby didn't come back? I mean, he got like bad legal advice, basically, right? Yeah, I mean, he, that's yeah, he, worth discussing. He, he was basically told out oh, this Bond franchise isn't going anywhere, like, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's got... what he was told, which is like honestly known as like one of the worst bits of advice anyone has ever been given. Um, but you can kind of see why he thought it was the case. I mean, because, you know, it was going to, like, kind of the hippie era, you know, and, like, you know, this guy running around in a suit with, you know, a gun maybe wouldn't have been... He, he, he thought there'd be more... That sof- more sophisticated films would take over. But, I mean, because we kind of know today Bond is, like, a franchise that evolves with time. It didn't kind of look like that was the case back then. He, maybe, he, could, he, thought, he probably thought they would always be, like, the way they always have been yeah which is being a little bit over a little bit over the top or like you know like fantastical and it's a shame with george Lazenby because his his career since is obviously like as as non-existent as it was before this film effectively right and when you see interviews with him he's you see interviews with him he's so bitter you know and it's it's a shame to see that you know like he's it's like and it's strange because he's he's obviously remembered so fondly as a bond but then you know it's really is like a one-hit wonder. He probably didn't it's earn that much sweet. money from the film. He probably gets a lot of money from like appearances and stuff like that. But like again, does. he's still like when he is a when he is busy. Ah, like, oh, yeah, it's George Lazenby, and probably a lot of casual sort of go. Oh, who you know, like you know, if you remember, 
if you're, I mean, you've got levels of casuals with Bond, right? You've got like ones that people that are like the bottom of the ladder that have never don't know about Bond before Daniel Craig, and you've got yeah. like, oh yeah, Roger Moore, Sean Connery, yeah, I know them. Da, 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 I've seen a few. Like, you know, you have to be quite in there to know about George Lazen being like have that. So like unfortunately, he suffers does, from yeah. that as well. Which and is then a real you've shame. got people like us at the millionth podcast. And, who and to be fair, he hasn't he hasn't form. aged very well either compared to like the other actors as well. He's like, got it certainly helps when overweight. you have a lot of money, you can age well. Well, yeah, I know, but yeah, well, I suppose, yeah, but yeah. Uh, it's a shame. It's a shame with him, but you know, I've definitely we definitely salute him and. Um, you know his legacy is like is, is and his film is. Uh, I think he's just a great Bond. And you know I've I haven't I haven't got a bad word to say about him in terms of his portrayal. Yeah. I hope like neither, really, I've no. I've heard things that he only he only watched. He's only ever seen the Honor Majesty Secret yeah, Service. That's bullshit, man. Yeah. yeah, it's like Pierce Brosnan hasn't seen a Daniel Craig. But Bond like, yeah, can you? That. I wouldn't. I I kind of like. It's not like you can't. I don't know. He'd be, he'd have to be very bitter. Over, yeah, he he's get that. mad bitter. You know, when you see any interview or quote from him, he's just full. And you can understand why, man. Like you said, he's he like probably got the worst bit of advice of all time, man. So, you know. Yeah. Um, Bond girl, number one, Domino. Number two, Honey Rider. Number three, Tatiana. Number four, Aki slash the wife. Uh, number five, Pussy Glore. <laughs> this is no brainer. Yep. Probably forever. Yep. I don't think we need to go into that too much. Uh, we'll just put Tracy there. Number one. A lot. Yep. The villain. Number one, uh, Blofeld, Donald Pleasance. Number two, Goldfinger. Number three, Doctor No. Number four, Rosa Klebb. Number five, Emiliano Largo. Where are we putting Telly Savalas's Blofeld? I forgot Emilio Largo was bottom. Um, it's tough, really. It is very difficult. Because... I think I'm going to make the tough call and I'm going to suggest that he goes third, which is yeah, really harsh, is, but he's just not as iconic. It's because he's not, got that not, scar, you know. Yeah, you know, he's not like a trait. When you remember Blofeld, you remember Donald Pleasance visually. And and it, and, it's, and he's not remember, like, it, it's I, like... I like... Donald Pleasance, sorry, but like Donald Pleasance is like the the one that comes to mind. But Telly Savalas is like a very very quick full afterthought that happens after I remember Donald Pleasance first when you mentioned Blofeld. Yeah, it's those two, like yeah, they're like flipping bottom feeders, man. Like, um, and they just rest on the laurels which these two created, and it's just like, yeah, okay. I think, um, I think with Donald Pleasance's one. He's more memorable, probably. This is because Telly, Telly's one is like kind of more down to earth. Like that, that also makes him kind of less memorable. In the fact that he's literally Donald Pleasance's one is allowed to be literally like a very uh, not vibrant, but like vivid, really. With that, 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 that scar down the eye, you're never gonna forget. So it'll obviously, you know, stay in your memory is the first thing you remember when you see Blofeld, um, to the point where you know. They were consider- I think they might have considered bringing it for Taze of Alice because that concept art exists. And obviously they did for a later Blofeld, um, who shall not be named. Um, but yeah, I think... And also with Goldfinger, he is more memorable than this one as well. And By his- the way, I still think Goldfinger should be number one here, but... That's know. your problem. I'm surprised, actually. I thought Henry would want Taze of Alice to be above Goldfinger, but... Okay, well, I'm so fine. So we're all agreed he goes third? Yeah, I yeah. guess. Okay. 
So that's uh, below Goldfinger and above Doctor No. Yeah. Okay. Let me just uh, write that down. Blofeld, uh, TS. Okay. Henchman slash woman now. Uh, we have number one, well, Oddjob. Number two, Red Grant. Number three, Fiona. Number four, Hands. So, uh, <laughs> so we have... have a low Red Grant, personally. Buns. I don't know. She could go above him, maybe, but... She kills Bond's wife, man. Um, yeah, again, the final cock block of all time. I think, yeah, like... I don't know. I, I'm, I've, I've kind of putting her around the Fiona area because like no 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 Fiona's think... really good though like she's like nah, she has Fiona... got a patch on uh on ban- on Bunster. she does she's like femme fatale like defining almost in like at least the Bond franchise like she's she's very like I mean yeah, she's not scary that's the whole thing like I don't not... know she she's I don't know she's not scary but I don't know she doesn't have to. Be no, scared. no, there's like me and Henry, like with previous rankings, there's always like a dotted line where we go, like, you know, these are elites, yeah. these are like track. There's like, okay, it's one, two, three, four, but there's a huge gap between two. In this case, yeah, yeah there's, I think it'd be a harsh third to put below Red Grant, but I think it's probably fair. Because yeah. Red Grant, off, is like, Red Red Grant, Grant had like so much influence afterwards as well. So I think Burnt going third is, you know, Above uh, very Fiona generous, and below Red Grant. Like, okay. Well, this is how democracy works. Um, car slash vehicle. I don't think we have really. Um, I mean, we have the DBS. We have the bobsleigh. Bobsleigh, yeah. if you want, or whatever. The cable car that gets blown okay, so, uh, up. So MQ and Money Penny stays the same. Okay, the ally slash Felix Leiter. We have number one Tiger. Number two Quarrel and Leiter. Number three Karen Bay. Number four, lighter in Goldfinger. And number five, lighter in Thunderball. Where are we putting Draco and Campbell? I think Draco I goes. Be, I, would I still don't like how we, I still don't like how we mix the two. Like, but whatever. Um, what? I think like yeah. I think you just have ally. just have like the the um, primary one, but whatever. Like Draco goes second, I think fairly solid below below tiger yeah t- tiger's I like think... i think t- tiger's like i don't know they ch- they kind of both serve their their purposes like um within each film like you only have twice as more action like action film but like and tiger you know, we're like... having this you know i keep hearing throughout this whole ranking thing is it's really is your preference whether you prefer like the extravagant like side of bond the goldfinger syndrome sort of thing or the on Majesty, so the more low key subtle, and and I keep seeing this with like when we're talking about Blofeld, when we're talking about the allies now. Uh, I think Tiger goes. Tough, this, 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 let me let me make my case here. Right, this is like he's like if Karen Bay was done right, you know, because he's believable to be like a mafia boss, you know. So wait, you want to like, put Draco reflects... first, right? You're arguing for Draco yeah. first. Yeah. He is like, you know, it reflects those henchmen who are actually also characters who you see throughout the film. Like, and his relationship with his daughter as well actually gives him a stake in the film itself. Not just like, oh, yeah, I'm just James Bond's mate, you know, like, you know, he's like, you know, James Bond's my son-in-law, man. Like, like he's going to be at least. So I've got to make sure I give him a hand, you know, and he like scrambles the resources when, you know, 
when M and you know MI6 aren't there for him, he basically manages to solo it with with Bond. Like you know, brings in the choppers. You know, like he takes down Spectre's like the head of Spectre when you know MI6 can't when and they don't want to. So, yeah, you know, but he, he's got he's got the balls to do what uh, had to be done, you know. Along with I Bond. think he's as well. He's like very sophisticated. He's got the charisma. This is why, like, he's like shades of Karen Bay as well. It's like he's got that charisma and like you know, like Bond's uncle sort of thing almost. You know. Yeah, yeah. but that's we we're, we're supposed to be looking at them in this capacity of an ally. And if you think about yeah. like Blof, he doesn't really st- he does not stop Blofeld ultimately doing the ultimate wound on James Bond personally. Short from yeah, killing James Tiger himself. does, and Tiger stops Blofeld himself from shooting James Bond. So like, and like Tiger Tanaka is like a lot more involved in the action, training James Bond. He literally goes in and getting, guns with getting uh, him out of like um situations, and like um yeah, that's what that's all you can ask for from and from an ally. Like he's like, and he's like also the bit where Draco just punches Tracy to get her to stop arguing is a bit like. But this it's is not bit... that's not to do with his capacity as an ally. Yeah, but and also if he does bringing... go in with Bond, that's the thing. Like he does at the final scene, but other than that, like he's not. Yeah, Tanaka well, that's does the that. Same with Tanaka... Go no, in the doesn't. Tanaka goes. You know, you, you've the... just made me realize as well. You know, like the thing, like Draco's daughter's just been killed by Blofeld, and we never get to follow up on that either. It's yeah. just occurred to me. That would have been like a well, huge blood like feud, but like a... but that would have made a great sequel in that context. But I think. I do think Tiger's right. well, better because he, he not only he not only I know, but it comes down. It's uh, you're batting for Tiger. Henry's batting for Draco. And okay, I, you know, I like Campbell as who well. Want to, I just want to shout out Campbell. He, he like he like yeah, not yeah. only goes in at the end of, though. though. This is the question. Yeah, you're just playing off the fact he's a character, and not like as the the ally of the film, but like character wise. Yeah, but the char- the character is like basically the deciding factor here as well, yeah, because okay, we both they're both like very competent, very resourceful and useful allies. They both is... have like effectively. I mean, um, Tiger's like the M of Japan, uh, while um, you know yeah, uh, Draco is like boss. the equivalent. He's a crime yeah. boss. And he also, like, he helps him with the code uh, decoding as well, organizing yeah. all that that crane, yeah, you know, to lift the gear to him and then back. Tiger was not only there at the end; he saved Blow Bond's life, and then he like also trained him in that school or whatever. And he was like there; he was there; he was there in many scenarios when he didn't necessarily have to be. And so, like, he's like that. Like Draco, fair enough, he's at the end, but he's like a bit. Draco older, basically so. saves the world, you know. How. Hmm. Oh yeah, he well, blows up Pitt's Gloria. Yeah, but so does Tanaka, doesn't he? Because he like actually no, Bond does it because he he's the one who actually pushed the button. Yeah, but he's the one who facilitates Bond being able to get into there. I think we're getting into. I think we. I don't want this to drag on too long. This is, this I've made up my mind. Preference at this point. I've made so. up my mind which way will Caesar's thumb point. It's yeah. uh, it's got to be Draco number one, man. I, I I think like I wanted to hear the argument. I wanted to be convinced by Tiger, but um. Yeah, it has to be Draco. Um, it's his, it's plus, his accent, and he's not dubbed, so... Yeah, and you have Campbell as well, so, you know. He's not yeah. dubbed, he already took it. Uh, gadgets, number one, the attaché case. Number two, the cigarette. Number three, Odd Jobs hat. Number four, the rebreather. Number five, Wolf PPK. We don't really have any gadgets in this film, Should you just but... say the skirting here goes in the bottom because it's not even mentioned? <laughs> yeah, does he have any other gadgets? A photocopier. Yeah. The, the I don't think this is even worth ranking. There just isn't one, really. 
Yeah, I the think that's point. Yeah, we'll just move on. The theme it's song. It's a radioactive lint from the very yeah, beginning yeah. of the film. Like, <laughs> and uh, oh, We yeah. have the theme song now. Yeah. Number one, the James Bond theme. Number two, Goldfinger. Number three, Yearning of Twice. Number four, Thunderball. Number five, From Russia With Love. Where are we putting think... the theme from Modern Majesty Secret Service? I would venture to put this first. I, I think it should be. Because... This theme is so good, it actually could replace the Bond theme. It's that good, I think. Because sometimes I hear it, and then I think, that's the Bond theme. Like, Hang on a minute, no, it isn't. Yeah, I Plus, agree. I think they're both the same piece of music, but I think this literally could be the Bond theme. They could have replaced it if they wanted to. And it's just it's just multi-purpose. They use Tom, it what do you think? Well, two against one, so yeah, it doesn't really matter. Well, you disagree. I personally put a classic Bond theme, but, you know, obviously... You two wouldn't, so guess that sells it. Well, we said it. Well, it's a tough one. But I agree. I think this is just um, the Bond theme is like, obviously, it's just so iconic. To be fair, the way it's used in this is also like, yeah, yeah. But I love this. And um, like I said before, actually, I did say at the beginning of the episode, I think it is probably the best, like, bit of instrumental music you get in Bond. And there are some stiff competitions. So, yeah. I would, li- I would actually, yeah, if I had to choose between listening to the two, I would listen to this one more. Yeah. If I had to, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. The opening number one, Goldfinger. Number two, From Russia with Love. Number three, You Only Live Twice. Uh, and number four, Thunderball. So, just to recap, You Only Live Twice is like the spaceship slash the, you know, fake death. Yeah, Thunderball's like the funeral. Um, so where are we going to put the opening from here? I think, I think second. You put it second. I might put it under from Russia with Loves. What's the opening from Russia with Loves again? Oh yeah, Red Grant. Yeah, because that's very mm, short. Nah, I think this goes second. I, I think it's just uh, think about like you know, I think it goes George under. The... Be the, the dimpled chin, the cigarette, and everything, man. Yeah, that music. Actually, you yeah. said you sold me on that. I forgot about that bit. Yeah, come on, man. Tom? Does it go above Goldfinger? I don't think so. I mean, it, Well, it, I was going to put it under the Red Grant thing, but I guess outguns on that one as well. <laughs> yeah, well, there's the power of convincing. But also, I don't think it goes above Goldfinger's one, because that, like, that had a yeah, yeah, job. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people for a lot of people wouldn't have maybe necessarily seen Dr. Nell from Russia Love. So they had to basically say, like, introduce who James Bond is in the span of like three minutes, but and then you go bang, 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 you know. He's blow he's saying I was supposed to explode, gets the white tux out, he's also the best dressed after just sneaking in, and then he's just chilling with like, you know, his his uh, buddy agent and you know, so on so forth, has a fight, dips, cue credits, you know. That's okay, like- now we have the uh, Sigma moment. Goldfinger, I own the club. We uh, released a short of that last week by the way, so make sure you check look check that out on the channel. Yeah. Uh, Red Grant, number two. Number three, Blofeld Extortion. Uh, number four, Dr. No. Number five, David Niven. Number six, King and Country. So what moment are we going to nominate and where are we going to rank it? I would I would nominate Bond, uh, not Bond, um, Blofeld saying, uh, I mean what I say and, I, and I'll do what I claim. Like, also with the gesture, you can't, you can't say it without gesturing as if I've got a cigarette. Um, and I would put it... Uh, underneath, I would put it above the other Blofeld's line. I don't, I don't um, think so. Big, I'd put a different. I'd put a different uh, one there. I'd put like, um, uh, and if you're very, very nice to me, I can make you my countess. 
but I'm a ready accountess. Like the delivery of that is perfect. Yeah, I quite like that one. There's Sigma female as well. And you know, it's funny, we've all come away with different lines. I would have probably went gone with when Bond tells her to get dressed. Um uh, I don't know, that, maybe, that just, that's just not like really He says that more out of anger than uh, anything else though. So yeah, I think I'll go with what Tom I, I like I like that line, Tracy. I'm already a countess. Um, yeah, actually, that's a good point, actually. I would agree with you on that. But where would we rank so, it? I don't think it goes that high. I think so. I think it goes at least above, like, for king and country. I think it yeah, goes I above think, the... Ex- well, we have number three, Blofeld's Extortion. Number four, Dr. No. So, Tracy, I think it's not that big. I think maybe it goes below Dr. No, actually. Yeah, I, I'm one million dollars, Mister. Yeah, Bond. I guess actually putting it above yeah. like your first line, just flexing your wealth. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, all right then. Tracy Countess. Okay. Oh, it is a good line though, because you just like, oh, it's close. That's on Blofeld, Mike. Okay, yeah. now we get to. I'm really, really looking forward to this for, for the whole episode. <clears throat> We're going to rank the film. Number one, Goldfinger. Number two, You Only Live Twice. Number three, Doctor No. Number four, From Russia with Love. Number five, Thunderball. Number six, Casino Royale. Where are we going to rank on MST Secret Service? I don't want to hear any other suggestions other than number one. What do you think, Tom? I'm comfortable with that. I don't know. As painful as it is, but... It's it's really close. I really... I don't know. I think you two have been very quick to decide that. You really, you I don't think, think there's actually, much of a conversation there. I think Goldfinger is stiff competition. There is a lot of competition and conversation to be had, but I think whether or not you're on, a, yeah, it's like which gangs are you on a Manchester Secret Service or Goldfinger? Like you previously said, they're both so good that it literally just comes down to your preference. And I know um, well, if you could make right a case for Goldfinger, I just think Goldfinger is more iconic hmm. and well known. It, you know, true, and it is well known for a good reason. But still, you know, Gold, Goldfinger like, himself. I think everything in Goldfinger. Oh, yeah, with both films, they're all I don't they're think both being well, to a high standard. Well known is not necessarily always like the. Um, yeah, yeah, of course. Ultimate of course. indicator of quality. Uh, it's otherwise, a tough you know, one, man. It's like the Dark Knight versus the Batman, almost. Yeah, literally, it really is actually. Oh well, You're okay. So, anyway. I mean, what, 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 what do you think, Tom? Are you like? Do you think, like, what do you think? I'm open to hearing a case for why Goldfinger is better than Honor Majesty's Secret Service, but, like, it personally, it's my second favorite. And I think, like, what this is or Goldfinger? Honor Majesty's Secret Services. I think Tom's internet might be being a bit dodgy. But one thing I wanted to say as well is. This is the first Bond film that we've reviewed so far that I could watch with a mate and I don't have to be like, oh, there's an awkward bit in it that I have to explain away, really. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, there's no... I mean, yeah, you know, like, you can't watch golfing with your mate and then also have to be like, oh, yeah, by the way, uh, yeah, there's a rape scene in it, so... Uh, well... I don't know. It's not like... does have its moments as well, though, you know? It's the, it's, obvious, the least but... offend, it's the least it's, it's the least worst offender of its kind so far. Goldfinger is like a complete Sigma machine in that. Like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and then it, I don't know. I just remember one of his really funny lines the other day, where he's like, "I'll work with any enterprise that will increase my stock." 
which is yeah. considerable. Like he just has to add yeah, that man. on the golfing end. on the um, golf course and everything. <laughs> Odd job. The DB five. I think if there is like a really main deciding factor, it's it's actually uh, Tracy. Yeah, true. Tracy is, pr- but then Goldfinger, you know, like. But you also have you have, oh. but this is the thing, right? Tracy is the best Bond girl, right? And you also have Blofeld, who's a very good Bond villain, like the point where we put him like third. But then you also have with Golfing. Golfing it himself is a fantastic villain, but the Bond girl and department job. is re- the golf. Yeah, the the Bond girl department is really lacking. Yeah, it's a good. I think with that yeah, you, have mind, job, you have odd job. You have odd job. You know, I know she's not as good as odd job, but it's like. Like, you know, you got high, you, you got like relatively pretty high in all regards, whereas Goldfinger's really lacking in one of the departments that makes Bond Bond. And Bond doesn't really have like a really decent ally, and you could say he has more of a joke Felix Leiter around yeah. the place. Like, ah, uh, yeah, and, that's uh, a good point. And he also yeah, you're right. doesn't really, I mean, the only way that he basically saves day is by like shagging pussy galore and then everything <laughs> else, like. Yeah, yeah. Help him so he doesn't yeah. get blown yeah. up at the end. And uh, I think Tra- the Tracy is like the main deciding factor, but you you just pushed it over the edge, Tom, with uh, Draco. That's a great point. One of Majesty's Secret Service goes number one. Yeah, but like like deciding between like these two are the best. They are both like so unbelievably good. Like you just these are films you have to see before you die, basically. Like oh, that's yeah. how good. So that's it. The rankings now: number one, on Majesty Secret Service; number two, Goldfinger; number three, You Only Live Twice. So this has been a long episode, but um, might be our uh, longest. Steve. We, yeah, we don't talk about bad films for a long time usually. So uh, you know, I hope you've enjoyed. Um, if you've come this far, then maybe we'll go a bit further. Check us out on, uh, you know, if you've listened to us on Spotify, subscribe to us on YouTube, vice versa. Um, if you're in it for the long haul, ladies and gentlemen. In a, you in it for the long haul detective so yeah um thanks for joining hope you've enjoyed and uh, we'll be back next week with diamonds are forever that's that's a crash down back down to reality looking so forward to it yeah so um thanks again and we'll see you next week same bat time same bat channel